Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. I am Todd Dandruff. We tell us, uh, someone's asking in chat, what's the significance of that song? It's a very, very deep significance that will take uh, probably 15 minutes to explain. So, you asked, I'll tell you. No, there's no significance. I just played it. Axel F. from the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack, one of the few instrumental songs of the 80s to make the top 40. Very popular around that time. So if you're listening live, you know this is pretty late, even for me. It's uh, almost 8 p.m. And I almost wasn't going to do the show tonight, to be honest. Uh, there wasn't a, a technical problem. The server actually was having issues uh, as recently as two days ago, but actually as recently as yesterday. But I believe I have those fixed. But uh, this was a non-technical problem to where I, I had something else not related to this site or even to poker that was going on that I had to deal with. And I wasn't sure if I would be able to uh, do the show tonight. But I, I made it happen, so if you're a little irritated you sat around waiting almost an hour for me, it could have been waiting an hour and I did not show up at all. So a little bit better, at least I showed up. I did move the free roll from 7.40 to 8.15, knowing that if I was going to do, the free, do this uh, show that I would, probably wouldn't be here by 7.40, so I moved it to 8.15. And uh, $5, by the way, asking in chat, what did Ken Scaler do this time? <laughs> not a bad guess, actually. Not a bad guess at all. It's not the accurate guess, but it's uh, not a bad one. Anyway, we have a free roll tonight, and... It's for 84 bucks, so I wanted to give everybody a chance. So if you registered before and you thought you were in, better go re-register because anyone that was registered when I changed it got booted out. So make sure you're registered. You do have 25 minutes to late register if, for whatever reason, you can't get there by 8.15 Pacific time. But it's an $84 free roll. And it's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen. Need a separate account there. Also, to qualify for the free money, you need to have a registered account on the forum dated 2012 or 2013. If your account is dated 2014 or later, then you don't qualify for the free money unless you email me before the tournament starts, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and tell me things that have been happening on this show in the last three weeks that are not in the official show description. And then I'll believe you that you've been listening. And if I believe that, then I will give you an exception for this free roll and all free rolls after it to win the free money. If you don't, and then you try to email me afterwards, too bad you're not getting anything. And the money goes back into the prize pool. This is not my money that is going towards this free roll. Nope, it never is. It comes from our listener base, and I appreciate that. This week, we got four different people donating. Pooh gave $50 because he wanted us to talk for three hours about the Brian Mikon and Seals with Clubs topic last week, and we did. We talked for three hours. So, um, Actually, I think he asked for two hours. Whatever it was, we exceeded it. So uh, he, being a man of his word and a successful businessman who can afford it, Pooh gave us the 50 bucks. And, of course, when I say us, I mean you, the listener, because I don't play in the free roll. $20 came from Daily. SMI Florida, a frequent contributor, gave $6, and Dirty Ernie, J. 
generously gave $8. Another person who gives money often to these free rolls, and I appreciate that. The prizes are as follows. First is $42. Pretty good prize this week for first place. Second, 22 Third will be lucky 13 and fourth will be seven dollars. That's forty-two, twenty-two, thirteen, and seven for a total of eighty-four dollars. No bounty this week that I know of. If there is, uh, it's being <laughs> announced in the chat room or something. Uh, you may wonder, do we have a co-host tonight? Well, let's see. We were supposed to, but I was a little bit late, a lot late. But uh, I hope this individual is not sitting out out of protest of me just making him sit there. Oh, the individual answered Skype. That's a good sign. Oh, okay. He uh, he must have he must have answered it with his nose as he fell asleep on the oh, keyboard. Oh, oh uh. Todd, we're still doing the show. Yeah, yeah. It's it's getting going. I'm glad you got a power oh. nap in uh, between yeah. seven o'clock and now. Yeah. Uh, welcome to awesome. Poker Fraud Alert Radio. You know, I used to speaking of Micon, I used to get so mad when he would do this to me too. Like I, I would sit there waiting and waiting, and the show wouldn't start, and I'd get really pissed. And the, like the first five minutes of the show would be me and him arguing. About him being late, and now now I kind of feel foolish about that part. But I know the tables have turned. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't want to hear you shuffling any chips during the show. Already. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, I don't know, five years from now you'll probably be doing your own show with your own permanent guest host, talking about uh, how I'm uh, insane kids hiding from the law. <laughs> Those damn draft coins. Yeah, it's <laughs> draft coins. I mean, maybe I'll get in trouble for the no-fraud online poker room. They'll find a way to charge me under some Nevada statute saying that uh, the reason World Series of Poker.com is failing is because of the no-fraud online poker room is taking all their business on uh, Tuesday nights. In fact, it's a better deal to play on this site because you don't have to buy in. You can't lose. So. That's true. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for coming on at this late hour. I, I can at least say that you're on the West Coast, so at least I don't have to – carry the guilt that you're starting at 11 o'clock here. At least it's only a small amount of guilt that you had to sit around waiting. Mm-hmm. But uh, but thank you for joining nonetheless. And Welcome. Here's the agenda for tonight. And, and then we'll see if we'll get a call from a handicapped me and Garrett, who I know wanted to fight on the air. You know, we have these on-air slap fists. It's interesting how we get very different reactions some people love them, like like Bad Guy and Team MLK and, and many others. Some people love those little segments. They think it's great radio. Others detest them and say, why do you have that? It ruins the show. It's unlistenable. It's stressful. And it's so hard hearing both sides because I have people who want like a whole show of that sort of thing. And I have people who find it very off-putting. And I, I don't know what to say. I just uh, I just carry on with it anyway. Well, you usually divide the show up, right, kind of in two halves. The silly stuff's at the end, serious stuff at the beginning. But I guess these guys are on the East Coast, so they got to call in. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I guess Handicap Me works a real job, and he wants to. Uh, he was already unhappy that uh, I was telling him to call at 740. And if he called at 740, he wouldn't have really gotten anyone on the phone. So, all right, here's the agenda tonight. I'll give you a final update on my World Series of Poker pieces. You'll see why the ones I'm selling, you'll see why it's a final update when I tell you. A Micon and Seals with Clubs update. If you thought the three hours last week was long, wait till you hear the five hours that we do this. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, this week will be a lot shorter on that topic, but uh, we have some updates, as you might expect. Did Donk Down, which is the site that I used to be involved with with Micon, did they sell the list 
of email addresses to a third party for marketing? Did they do that is the question. It seems a hell of a lot like it. Belly Buster made a post that really seems to point to Donk Down that they did this, and there seems to be no other explanation. I know exactly what happened, and I will explain when that segment comes up. And no, I'm not making excuses for myself, I promise. <laughs> uh, Vegas performer Vinny Favorito, who I think performed at the Flamingo in Vegas, he was fired over really, really, really bad gambling debts. And I don't mean to the casino. I mean, he was borrowing from people all over Vegas and elsewhere and not paying his debts. And yet he, he was like one of the main shows over there at the Flamingo. Yeah, well, he's a stand-up guy, right? Yeah, he's a stand-up guy. So I thought we were going to have an exclusive tonight, a guy who was actually ripped off allegedly, by Vinny Favorito, who's going to tell his whole story to us. And uh, this guy contacted me. He wanted me to uh, verify his account on the forum. I, I had some spam things going on here, so I had to make it to where I had to verify people before I uh, let them post. But he signed up. I let him know he's verified. Then he didn't post. And I said, hey, we're having radio tonight. How would you like... To be on. And he was, oh, sure, please call me. And gave me his phone number. And uh, I called him up. He didn't answer. So left him a message and said to get back to me. And he did get back to me. He said that his lawyer advised him not to be on this week. <laughs> but there is a silver lining, and that is that he says he'll come on next week. So hopefully he will. I, I was really hoping, because this is a topical story now, we're still going to talk about it. I was really hoping we could actually get someone on here. That could explain firsthand what happened to him. I, I love having things like that here, but uh, I, so so his lawyer advised him to only come on next week. Well, they're they're doing some things in the meantime. So right. so that's I said all right, all right, I'll uh, I'll wait till next week. Okay. I mean, I I understand if you don't want to jeopardize whatever remedies you think you have outside of this show, you want to delay it another week. I just uh, I hate when I get all excited about something. I really was excited about that segment, and then yeah, I saw that in the rundown. I was like. Wow, exclusive. Yeah, an exclusive. I, I love when I have a topic that I can like bring out that no one has either heard before or an angle on it that nobody has been exposed to. And then I, I thought we were going to have that tonight. We don't, but that happens. All right, uh, we're, st we're still going to talk about the incident, though, in general with Vinny Favorito. Amaya slash Poker Stars, which is the same thing. Amaya owns Poker Stars. They had a long-standing agreement, PokerStars did, with affiliates. These are sites that promote PokerStars, third-party sites that get a piece of the revenue when someone signs up through them, uh, where they were getting lifetime revenue sharing, basically a piece of the rake for the lifetime of the people they refer there. Sweet deal for them. Well, no longer. Amaya has informed these affiliates that a lifetime has become two years. So... They, they just changed it. But believe it or not, as much as I like to get on PokerStars for wrongdoing, I'm actually on their side on this one, and I'll explain why. Poker Table Ratings, speaking of PokerStars, is apparently selling the PokerStars player data again. For those of you that don't know, Poker Table Ratings is a site that you can use to see the cash game results 
of any site that they track. It was a very useful tool. Uh, I used them all the time when I played on Bodog, which is now Bovada, in 2010. Uh, this is how it would work. And first of all, it wasn't anonymous back then. Now, obviously, there's no way to do it because you can't see what you're playing against. But back in 2010, you could. So I'd see you know, some guy sit down. If it's a regular, I know who he is, and I know he's probably good. But uh, if it's a person I've never seen before, then I go to Poker Table Ratings really quickly. I type in his name, and if I see he has a horrible loss rate, if he's losing uh, seven big blinds per 100, I know this is a guy I want to play against. I don't even have to read the info on his style, though I sometimes would too, but I I really normally wouldn't do that. I just go, oh, this guy's a fish. Yeah, I want to play with him. This is especially useful when someone sits with your heads up or if you see a game running with like two regulars or three regulars and some unknown, you look up the unknown. If it's a guy who's just good and new, then you don't bother with him. If it's a fish, then you sit. So this is very commonplace. I wasn't doing anything like sneaky here. This was a very, very commonplace thing that was done by pretty much every online grinder at that time. And if you didn't do it, then you were at a big disadvantage against your peers who had a lot more information than you did. So, I mean, you can debate whether this is right or wrong from the you know, poker ethics standpoint, but uh, but I used it and everybody I knew, knew used it. And... You also could use it to see how people are doing who are regulars that you know are good. And it was sometimes eye-opening. Now, poker table ratings wasn't always a – it wasn't always accurate, but it was no. close to accurate. It was usually close to accurate. And it was interesting because sometimes there would be like a guy I, I thought was probably owning, and then I'd look and he was kind of break-even. And i go, oh, that's interesting. So then I have to kind of decide is he running bad or is there something about his style that's making him not do as well as I thought he should – and, and of course, then people would look me up and, you know, they'd see I was doing well on there. So uh, it, it was an interesting tool, but poker stars really hated them and sent them a cease and desist. And in 2012, poker table ratings finally complied. It took poker stars data down, but it's coming back. And I talked more about this than I wanted to in the agenda, but we'll get to this in Further detail when we get to that segment. Mm -hmm. Carbon Poker. They have processed a bunch of payments since last week when it seemed like they were really circling the drain. But does that mean the crisis is over? We will talk about that. You might remember that last week we were supposed to have a contest to give away the second of two certificates to give away for two nights at Paris, Las Vegas, Sunday through Thursday, anytime between now and September 30th, where all you have to do is pay the resort fee. This was donated by listener I Am Greek. We already had one contest called Did This Really Happen to Druff? We actually had uh, another contest before that where uh, Scott from the East Coast lost, but the Did This, Re Did this Happen to Druff was barely won by our listener who goes by Reno, who also won a contest, a separate contest, which didn't have to do with the radio, where a user named Split This donated very generously $565 to, I think it was actually a stake, but uh, a $565 yeah. stake to play the Colossus event at the World Series. So I'm going to be meeting Reno and giving him both prizes. I'm actually going to be buying him in personally, you know, just to make sure he's really buying in and playing and not just taking the money and running, and giving him the certificate to stay at Paris. So he's done pretty well on Poker Fraud Alert, a lot of free stuff for him. But uh, we have a second certificate to give away. Tonight, it's called 
online poker trivia. For those of you that liked taking the SAT or other multiple choice tests in school, you'll enjoy tonight because it's a multiple choice test of five questions. If you get three right, you win. If you get fewer than three right, you lose. No exceptions. And if you lose, well, then next week we'll do another one. Last week we were supposed to do it, and there's a very good reason we didn't do it. I forgot to write it. <laughs> that, that's really what happened. I forgot to write it. I was like, oh, I'm all ready for the show. Like, I totally had time to write it, too. Like, I, I just thought I was done preparing for the show, and I was, like, goofing around for a few hours. And I'm like, oh, crap. I forgot to write it. Like, right as we're playing the song for the show, I forgot to write it. So this week I wrote it. All right. Now, am I eligible to call in? <laughs> uh, if you can somehow make two of yourself where mm. the you – co-hosting with me is a separate person from the person calling in, like a long-lost twin or a clone. Any of that would be acceptable, provided he uses a different phone. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, right. uh, a class action lawsuit has been filed against Manny Pacquiao by those who bet on him. <laughs> Not even kidding. This really happened. We'll talk about that fight and if this is a legitimate lawsuit, in our opinion, you know, with all our legal knowledge we have here. <laughs> well, a while back, I think it was last year, we covered a story from the World Series of Poker, it was last year, where a very, very sleazy floor man was demanding bribes to get sit-and-goes going. Like, if you want to play sit-and-go, he just wouldn't start it until you gave him 20 bucks. And if, if you asked him, why are you not starting, he would actually sing to you. I like Grease. Grease is my friend. He really would sing to you. You're supposed to grease him. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, this, I remember th- that. This really happened. Now, now the best part of it is that uh, the guy who reported this turned out to be a big scammer himself. <laughs> not a scammer in this guy. situation, but it was that, uh, the, yeah, the, the airport scammer, uh, Mike... What was his name? Uh, Mike PSU, whatever. PSU Mike, nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ended up being like a big airport scammer. He would beg money, beg for money at the airport, and and make up phony stories about missing his flight and needing a hotel. And then he'd just keep the money and never pay you back that you're supposedly loaning him. He did this everywhere. He's still gotten busted. Like since he was on our show, he's been busted for the same thing several times. Anyway, this this pillar of society reported this scam at the Rio last year. Like all outraged, like oh my god, a scammer! How could this be happening? Like, you know, how could they do something like this? <laughs> and he was right. The funny thing is, Mike's report was totally one hundred percent correct. He did not exaggerate. He didn't lie. He didn't. The, the report was gold. But unfortunately, the rest of his personal life was terrible. Well, so, he was angry. This was twenty bucks less these guys had when they got to the airport. So yeah, <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> or may, maybe Mike himself like felt he was out twenty bucks and had to go back to the airport to make it back, and was was annoyed about that. I, I don't know what it was, but uh, Mike was the one who reported it. Well, reason I'm bringing this up now is because we had a similar scam that's been going on at the Venetian. Apparently, the taxi loaders, the guys who stand in front and hail taxis for you, uh, they're pulling the same thing for the exact same amount of money. Yeah. Maybe you better rent a car if you stay at the Venetian. We'll talk about what's going on there. Vanessa Selbst, you probably think of a few things when you hear her name. You think a very good female poker player. You probably think a butch lesbian. Uh... I don't know what else you might think about her, but uh, something you really don't think of when you hear the name Vanessa Selps is lawyer. 
but she is now. She's passed the bar exam. I don't know in what state, but she has passed the bar exam and is now officially a lawyer. I have no idea why. Uh, maybe she doesn't trust that poker is going to support her for all that long, but uh, she went through the rigorous process of becoming an attorney and passing the bar exam. And uh, we'll talk a bit about that. And I'll tell you a bit about why Vanessa Selps, I don't think likes me very much. And even though it's nothing I did to her, there, there are a few people out there who don't like me for reasons that are beyond my control. And people I never harmed, never harmed anyone close to them, but just various things, various circumstances happen to where they don't like me. And this is association. That's one of them. Mm. (laughs) So so I tell you, it's, you know, it's tough enough when I offend people or piss people off just from things I do. And then they don't like me. I'm like, well, okay, at least I made the choice to act this way. (laughs) But but I, I hate when someone doesn't like me from something I didn't do. Like, that's what really pisses me off. Like, even David Baker, you guys remember back in September, I had that altercation with him at Commerce. Even David ODB Baker originally didn't like me because of something I didn't do. Seriously. Like, and it's so funny. Now he claims to not remember anymore. Maybe he doesn't, but uh, you know, it's years ago. But the, his initial unhappiness with me was over something that I did not do that he got the wrong information on. So I hate when stuff like that happens, but I guess that's part of life. And we have, finally, editorial tonight. Have you ever had someone say to you, I have nothing to prove when you are accusing them of something? Even if you have pretty strong evidence or very strong reason to accuse them. Maybe you don't have the smoking gun proof, but you have something pretty close to it. And they just say back to you, I have nothing to prove. I didn't do it. What you're saying about me isn't true, and I have nothing to prove about this. Mm-hmm. I hate that. You do have something to prove. If there is a... Or disprove. Yes. If there's something that is brought up against you that seems to have merit. not to, You don't have to prove everything that's uh, you're accused of if there's no merit to it. But if there's even reasonable merit, yes. And I'll give an editorial about that. So that's the agenda for tonight. You never know what else will happen. And let's see if, uh, if Handicap Me... Or if Garrett Jared's. wants to call in, yeah, I, I don't even mm-hmm. see them here. I guess it got too late for them. I guess Garrett's that, in the chat. Yeah, I, I, okay, I guess Handicap needs, needs a beauty sleep or something, so I guess we'll have to do this another week. They, they were going to call up and argue about this free roll, not the free roll, this uh, contest they were going to have, this, this heads-up contest, that Garrett is always uh, fighting with people on the forum, some of it's his fault, some of it isn't. Some, uh, people do like to start up with Garrett. Like Garrett has gotten enough haters on the forum that even the most innocuous post of his gets attacked. But at the same time, he does say some things where I can understand why people are attacking him. It kind of goes both ways. Uh, anyway, Garrett and Handicap Me went at it at some point a long time ago. And uh, Garrett, Garrett believes he's a really good poker player. I, I don't know if he is or isn't. I've never seen him play. But he believes he's a really good poker player and just hasn't hit the big time because he's had various off-the-felt setbacks that have depleted his bankroll. So uh, Garrett mm-hmm. believes that if someone like handicapped me, I don't know how good of a player he is, that if you know he'd crush him, that he'd crush anyone like that, and he just average well, guy on the side. This was a fantasy sports bet, right? Not poker. It wasn't. I thought it was. I thought it was poker. It shows you how much I, I thought it was that. heads up. They were going to do heads up fantasy football or something. 
Is that it? That's what I took it. I mean, I, I've got to be honest. I can't read every post in that thread because I just, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be. All right, I guess Handicap left the chat. I, I don't even know if it's uh, Handicap. I, I, all this time I thought it was poker for some reason. Yeah, Garrett's verifying in oh, chat. Oh, it, it, it is. Fantasy it is fantasy sports. But what, what about before? I seem to remember like a heads up thing before this. Was it always fantasy sports? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I really can't. Okay. Read all that stuff. Okay. No, you know what the truth is? I usually don't read that much of it either. Like, I'll, I'll skim it and then go, I really don't feel like getting involved here. I really. Yeah, like, it's, I, just, it's just two guys going back and forth for four pages. It's like, nah, check it out. Yeah, I have no interest. Like, I, I really have no interest. If it's really interesting, like, back and forth, like, there's, there's one person I'll uh, admit that I read when he goes back and forth with people, and he'll love this. I read Marty when he goes back and forth with people. <laughs> that, that I always read. But there, there's other people here I don't read when they're going back and forth. And Marty, yes, I read your post and the other guy's post. So I give, I give equal time with my eyeballs to both of you. Well, in honor of Cinco de Mayo, God bless you, Marty. Yeah, a bad guy 23 says, Drum is becoming more and more like MyCon every day. Radio late, doesn't read the threads. Fuck this guy. <laughs> I'm sure he has an, undergr- an underground poker room on the chat lines. <laughs> so he, he thinks what I do is call up party lines and, uh, and somehow run poker through these party lines. I don't know what he believes. You just like announce the flop and then one line announce the hands to the players and then they verbally announce the bets. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. And somehow they get their cards without the other one hearing. Maybe I send some kind of like party line private message. There actually are party line private messages. Uh, Yeah. When you would call party lines, like they're all different. Like sometimes it was just an open line. I had a talent. I mean, I still have this, but this was great. Back in the 80s, You'd call a party line. It was just like you and everybody else on there. There's no way to talk privately with people. There's no way to exchange information without everyone else getting it. So, oh, okay. so it was it was kind of crappy because like there would be like party line trolls on there who were going to screw with you if you give out your phone number, and they can look up all this info on your phone number. Like it was you just you don't want to give out your info, but at the same time, if you're like talking to a girl on there you like. Uh, you you kind of want to talk to her privately, and you try to get her number, but then you know, she doesn't want to give it, understandably. Or sometimes you don't want her giving her number and have all the other dudes on the line calling her. So, like, it's a tough thing. Well, I, I had a talent that was very useful in that when people press a button on their phone, I would know what those buttons were. I was like a human touch-tone decoder, and I can still do this, by the way. If, if anyone doesn't believe me, call me up right now. Call up the show, 775-FRAUD55. I haven't given this out yet. 775-FRAUD55, 775-372-8355, 702-430-1808 is our Mount Charleston line, 702-430-1808. And uh, call that, and I'll answer, and you press a button on your phone, I'll tell you what button it is. In fact, you can press like six buttons in a row, not all together in a row, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever, and I will tell you what you pressed. In fact, uh, I've had people like accidentally hit the redial button before where it dials like really fast. And I tell them what the number was. They can't believe it. So I, I, I didn't try to learn this. I just realized one day I could do it. And it was very useful on the party lines because like if I wanted to talk to a girl on there, I'd say, hey, dial your number in. She'd say, what? I said, you know, touch tone it in. She says, how's that going to work? I go, I go, just do it. I can hear the tones. I'll know what it is. He's like, oh, cool. And then they would do it. Here, I'm going to get a call here. Somebody wants to put me to the test here, I think. All right. Call are you on the air? Five. Four. Seven. Eight. Nine. Six. One. Five. Seven. Eight. Three. Three, five, seven, four, eight. 
to throw throw like a pounder of star in there. Okay. Oh my god. Fascinating radio. <laughs> he said, "Oh my god," and hung up. <laughs> he was trying so hard to stop me. This is why they don't call people on the real radio anymore, right? Because people have figured this out. Like they yes, yes, call yes. In fact, I used to, I used to pick that off too. I, I would pick that off yeah. too. In fact, one time I helped somebody. I heard them calling someone. Got their uh, uh, answering machine. Or not that no, they didn't get their. They, it just rang and rang. And the person didn't answer, and they said, "All right, well, if you're listening, you have an hour to call back here, and get your thousand dollar prize, whatever it was. They something like a thousand dollars. So I heard that person's number. I wrote it down. And then I, I tried him back in like half an hour and said, hey, you know, the radio tried to call you. Like, how do you know about this? <laughs> so I had to explain to them. I can hear the touch tones being dialed on the air and, you know, call up and get your money. And I, this, they're like, what, are you trying to get money from me? I said, no, I don't want anything. Just call up and get your money. So, but yeah, they stopped dialing on the air exactly for that reason. Well, you're using your gifts for good, Todd. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's good to hear. It is good to hear. And yeah, I, I actually once caught a prank caller that way. Someone who was like relentlessly prank calling me with a friend on three-way accidentally bumped against their redial button and they had like called their friend second. So I got their friend's number mm. and I called the friend and like, and like, Oh, you better tell me who this other person is. Or there's going to be trouble. And they, uh, yeah, someone else is calling. I don't want to do a uh, touch tone radio all day here, but, uh, well, it is fascinating. But... Call you on the air. One, seven, one, four. Uh, he, oh, sweet Lord. He's dialing an old phone number of Wally George, 714-999-5000. That's what he did. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, I we're not taking you know, as a character in the next X-Men movie, Todd. That's yeah, my that's, superpower. I, that I is know. my superpower. That's a sad thing. That like The only uses it has are what I'm explaining right now. And And by the way, if you ever want to call your voicemail in front of me, don't do it on speaker unless it like auto-connects without a password. If, if you need to dial in a password, do not put it on speaker. I usually tell people, like they put it on speakerphone and dial in for their voicemail. I said, no, 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 get this off speaker. Like I, I let them know that I'm hearing their password. I, I had a boss at work that would do this and I didn't tell him. And and the reason I didn't tell him was I was like, okay, I'm never going to like go into this guy's voicemail. But just in case like down the line there's a problem and the company's like screwing me in some way, I, I want to have this just in case. I never needed it, but I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to remember this, and if, if you know nothing ever happens to screw me over, then I'll never use it. But like, if they're if they're going to screw me in some way, then uh, you know, maybe this will be useful. Never used it though, but uh, he put it right on speaker and did it. No one would have ever imagined it was like a long password too. But uh, anyway, I, I used that trick on party lines. Thank you, bad guy twenty three, for bringing up that memory. And uh, it, you know, it doesn't have that much use anymore. Because no. people aren't really touch toning in very much, except to like do menus on the phone. So it's it's one of these things that seemed cool at the time, and now it kind of doesn't have much application. But I will tell you this: the girls on the party lines, they really like this for some reason. Not just because I could get their phone number, you know, without them giving it out and it being kind of cool that way, but like they were so impressed. I, I would get them on the phone. They're like. You really can do this? What's this number? Beep. And I tell them, they go, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like, I, I was kind of afraid a little bit. Like, I seemed like a freak. But for some reason, this was very cool. So, like, a very high percentage of them reacted very positively to this skill rather than negatively. So, hmm. I'll, I'll say that. That surprises me. Yeah. This is one of the things, by the way, you can talk about if you are listening for the first time and want to tell me things that are not in the show description. This is one of those things. <laughs> All right. So, by the way, the tournament started already uh, seven minutes ago. You can still get in. 
uh, Darkstar just like insta shoved like any two cards just because he wanted to either like build a big stack or go to sleep. So you will have the East Coast type people like Darkstar who are just going to throw away their chips because they want to either bust or build a big stack. So this may be a strategic advantage to know this. I think I should. So the, sh- the show is time zonist. We're discriminating. Against- it is. That's right. The West Coast people have a, a definite edge on this one. <sighs> this is this is not a fair game. I'm calling the NGC. <laughs> I never thought of this, but the tournament re- re- it really is uh, discriminating against people east of Los Angeles or Las Vegas. Wow, a West Coast bias. I can't believe it. All this time I've criticized ESPN for having an East Coast bias, and here my own site has a West Coast bias. I did not realize that. All right, so that's the agenda tonight. And your Suicide King messaged me, how do I get in tourney? Jeez. The way you get in the tournament is you go on No Fraud Online Poker Room, you got to create a separate account there, and then you play. Suicide King, obviously I know you, so you don't need to... Email me. In fact, you have an account dated 2012 anyway. But you just got to make a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It's a near the top of the screen. You press the button for No Fraud Online Poker, and then you make a separate account, and then you just play. There's no play chips required or anything. It's the easiest thing to do ever. Okay, topic one. All right, topic Eight, one. Twenty-four. Topic one. Very quickly, the World Series of Poker pieces I am selling are gone. They've been sold out. Nobody can buy any more. I had somebody say, well, can I be an alternate? Well, that that would be good if the people had not paid yet. But I was only listing the people who bought after they paid me because I know how people can be flakes about that. You don't, you don't nice. own anything until you actually give me the money, until I have it in my hands. So I have everybody's money in my hands. And now if I wanted to stiff you all, I could just disappear and I would have your money forever and there would be nothing you could do. But uh, provided I don't do that – then I will be playing the eight events that I promised to be playing, and uh, you can read the thread about what will happen if I miss an event for whatever reason, such as making day two or day three or being sick or whatever it is. The quick list of people who bought pieces, this is, I'll give it by percentage. Fright has 0.5%, mispronounced Archive has a, a 2%, System Out Print Line has 2%, See Money 4%, Gut 1.5%, Shiz Money 0.5%, Trader SHKY 1%, Charm 4%, Carl B 2.5%, Clownbuster 1%, Bellybuster 1%, Telefriend 4%, Snow Tracks 1.5%, Painless 1 1.5%, Brandon R 1.5%, Degree 23 2%, Moles 82 1.5%, Anonymous 4%, Tough Puppy 1%, Marketing Slime 1.5%, Vintage 1 2%, Cletus 1.5%. Cletus has really gone a long way. Like, you know, he used to, you know, people donated to him to get him a scooter and now he's buying pieces of me but i i will say this for cletus that uh cletus came up to me i believe it was last year and handed me the money that i donated to his scooter which was a donation it was not a loan and he said oh. here it is back and i said well this wasn't really a loan he said no 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 i insist you take it so and then he asked me how to locate certain other people who had donated to him so this this is a guy who really has ethics that wanted to give back to those that had taken care of him during a hard time, even though it was not ever expected he would repay them. It was, uh, I thought that was nice of him. So anyway, Cletus bought a half a percent. Dutch Dodo bought a percent. Hishka bought one half percent. JW bought 2% and Mr. E. Wubbs, he wanted to pay with uh, Bitcoin. I said, no. And he said, all right, I'll do it on PayPal. And he was the last one. He barely got the last in last one right under the wire for a half a percent. If I, 
listed this wrong either more or less. The disclaimer is this is not binding because it's during the radio show. It's a, it's posted up on the forum. That is binding. What is not binding is uh, this show. So if I if I said you had four percent and you really had two percent, you don't get an extra two percent for free. I nice. I'm going by the list that I posted up uh, on the forum. Well, uh, a quick update here. Uh, let's see. I still have uh, one. A hundred percent. that's right. Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, if you want to see me get demolished, just uh, go read the thread I started about. <laughs> well, look, I have to give back in some way to you for this show, you for being a co-host here. If you'd like, you can tell people how to contact you if they want to invest in your World Series, if you're serious about doing so. Well, they can either PM me on the site or uh, contact me on Twitter. I'm at the Jack Plays, just exactly how it sounds. At the Jack Plays, if you want to buy a mm-hmm. piece of Daredevil, especially if you appreciate the entertainment that Daredevil has provided as the permanent co-host of this show, then uh, maybe do that. I don't want to guilt anyone into doing it. I'm just saying no, that uh, if you appreciate that and want to do that just to be nice, then go ahead. If you don't, that's fine, too. But at the Jack Plays is how to buy a piece of Daredevil who has a lot of pieces left to sell. <laughs> and all right, so let's let's go on to the. Uh, by the way, the first event I'll be playing, though it won't be for any of you. It'll be for myself. If I win, I keep all the money. I keep my grubby hands on the entire hundred percent of whatever I win. Would be at the Colossus, that clusterfuck known as the Colossus. That's going to have like you know, thirteen thousand people and. Probably the most disorganized mess we've ever seen at the World Series, but I'm playing it anyway. And uh, the first one I'm playing for you guys, though, on uh, on June second, the fifteen hundred limit hold'em, which I cashed in last year. So, uh, and I've been the chip leader in the middle of day one of that event, just about every year for the last five or six years. I'm not even kidding. Hmm. I've, I've like mid day one, I'm owning every single year. I, I don't know why this. I, I had such a hard time converting that into something big. And even last year, I just barely min cashed, but. Uh, and, and believe me, I wasn't shooting for the min cash there, but uh, that's the way it felt. And would you would you say that's more or less valuable in a limit tournament, like you know, day? It's two less valuable, leader? much less. I, yeah, I would think so because you're just playing so many hands. Like. Well, not only that, you can't bully people with your stack that much. Right, the you stack is not a little bit, but not power. not like uh, you know, if, if both people yeah. have enough chips to play through the hand, nobody cares how big one stack is than the other. So that's right, cause uh, always one bet. So, in yeah. fact, that's, that's advice I always give people for limit tournaments. I say when you get a big stack, don't just like go open up and play every hand and think you're going to run people over. In fact, you should go the opposite way. If you get a big stack, right. you need to get a little tighter and and actually just uh, wait for people to hang themselves and uh, and take care of them that way. Uh, now you can use it to pick off people like you see someone who's very desperate, who's super short stacked and raises, and you have uh, you know ace deuce. There you can three bet them all in and say, hey, you know, I, I can easily afford a hit here, and uh, you know they're obviously raising with a very wide range. But but normally you don't you don't open it up. In fact, you should defend your blind less. And in fact. I, in 2005, when I won one of the limit tournaments, that was a promise made I made to myself after I, I didn't do that as well in the first one I played. In the second one I played, I said, you know, if I get a big stack, I'm going to just become like the, the tight aggressive player and just not, 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 not try to run people over, not try to be too loose, not try to chase, just... Uh, not let people steal from me, but at the same time, I just just be uh, play pretty much ABC poker at this point until you know I would start losing again, and it worked. So that's my go. advice. If there's anything if you can play a limit hold'em tournament, so let's uh, let's move on to the first real topic we have here, 
And I'm not I'm not talking again about my pieces sold until the World Series actually starts. That's the last time you have to hear from me about that. One step has has uh, PM'd me. Mention my GoFundMe play, page, please. Thank you. Two weeks left. So one step. I, I guess the big trend these days is GoFundMe. I guess everybody has their own cause. Even Daredevil has a GoFundMe. If you go to GoFundMe.com slash Daredevil, you really can see oh, that one. I'm not even kidding. That's a funny one. So, so Daredevil has his own GoFundMe, and, and so does One Step. By the way, Daredevil's GoFundMe has nothing to do with his World Series. It's something No, that's different. just kind of a joke. But yeah. yeah. But uh, One Step, he has his GoFundMe. I, I don't even know what the URL is because it's not easy like yours. But uh, yeah, One Step, you can go find it on the Flying Stupidity Forum if you want to really do it. But He's doing his twink GoFundMe, where, where basically one step who has acknowledged being uh, either gay or bisexual. I don't know what he really is, but he's it's something along those I lines. I thought he said he was bi, but yeah. yeah. He seems to mainly talk about guys, though. So I don't know. True, true. But uh, he seems to be uh, have a lot of interest in that subject. So he's coming to Vegas, and, and he wants to have a good time in Vegas, including going to shows, including uh, what else? I, I don't know. One of the things is, is, is being with twinks, as he calls them. So that's a, if you want to fund that, I'm not even kidding. And, and not only that, uh, Split This, who won last week's tournament for $33, I'm not even kidding. She messaged me and said, hey, could you be kind enough to forward my $33 over to One Step for his twink, uh, his twink project? <laughs> she, she really wanted this to go to One Step for his twink trip. Like she wanted to enable well, this. So, so I did. I gave, I gave him the 33 bucks. I sent it to him. And... Yeah. Uh, He's actually made $83 off this radio show towards this, uh, this effort, not, not even having to do with his GoFundMe. Like $83 I have forwarded to him because there's people that don't really trust One Step. They don't want him having their info, but, but they want to give him money because they, they want to enable him. So they send it to me, and then I send it to him. This way he doesn't get their info. Yeah, and I, I think you got another PM this week about another. Uh, oh, that's right. That's I don't. I, it's ninety three dollars. That's right. I yeah, forgot. Yeah. There's another person. That would be Daredevil himself. That's true. Is donating. I for, totally forgot about that. Uh, I, I, I threw him ten bucks. You threw him ten bucks that I haven't given yeah. him yet to yeah. also fund this uh, Vegas trip. So, uh, I, one step. You're really just getting rich off this show. It, it's amazing how one step announces that he's going to Vegas to have gay sex, and he immediately gets like ninety three dollars. And in it, no one gives me any money for doing this show. It's it's crazy. I know. I've, I've donated to the free roll, and now to one step. I do the show for free. But you know what? Uh, he's he's entertained me over the years. You know, you can't say he's never entertained. Just ah, throw the kid a couple bucks. Yeah. I just said, you know, have fun and call us. Give us a good trip report on the radio. And, yeah, well, the one thing that annoys me about One Step sometimes, though, is like he says, so I'm coming to Vegas on such and such date. I go, okay. Like I, I think he's asking me because he wants to know when I'll be there so we can finally meet. And then so I tell him, okay, I might be there in the day. He's like, okay, well, so, so what hotel room can you give me? What dinner can you take me to? Like he's, he's trying to get free things out of me. He wants me to give him comps. That's what he's asking me for. And did he ever show up or no? I, I don't think we were ever there at the same time. Okay. Yeah, I, I totally would meet One Step. I'm not buying him anything, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. Like you know, if it, you know, if I was single and I was looking to to meet girls or something, and it was a girl coming out there, maybe I would, but not to, not for one step. You got to be kidding me. Well, I don't think you're his type. type. No, I'm not. He, we asked him that before a long time ago. I asked him if I was his type. He said, "No, you're too old." Yep, and uh, not twinky enough, I guess. I, I think I might have been many years ago, but then he was too oh, young. Okay. Like like if you could take like the old me and bring me over like. To 2015, but but like not the 2015 me is definitely not not for him. Even even like the 2005 me is too old for him. So, but I think we're way off on this one. 
All right, so let's see what the chat has to say. I hate to even take a look, but uh, <laughs> I will. Darkstar says, uh, uh, I don't know, something about streams for the site. I, I have no idea. What? I have no idea. Uh, did One Step do the stand on your leg for 15 minutes thing for money? Yeah, people were trying to get him to do things like stand on one leg for 15 minutes and give him money. It's not a bad idea when people ask for money like this to require them to do some sort of inconvenient or degrading thing. Right. Well, that's kind of what I said for the 10 bucks. You know, give, give the show some entertainment for 10 bucks. I thought it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – I, I learned – going back to the online poker thing, when I played on Absolute Poker before Grey Cat showed up um, – I actually had a following on there of people who enjoyed watching me just because I was on there all the time and I did well. So, like, they were just fanboys I had. Even though They didn't know who I was. They just knew my screen name. They didn't know it was Dan Druff. But I, I found that they, they were actually very helpful because, like, they would cheer for me. It was like playing in front of a home crowd, and it would demoralize my opponent and help me. And, and uh, so that was great. So then occasionally some of these people who cheer for me would ask for money. And at first I'd tell them, you know, no way. I'm not giving to beggars on the rail here. But then I realized that they were actually valuable to have there because I, you know, I'm playing like 4080 on there. And if I give these people like 10 bucks, you know, they're, they're like, like 10 hours straight watching me. And I say, okay, if they've been here for 10 hours cheering for me and demoralizing my opponent, of course it's worth 10 bucks. So like, uh, so I, I start, I turned around. I'm like, no, 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 sure. Like I didn't tell them why I just acted like I was being a nice guy here, but it, it was definitely self-serving that I was giving these guys money to keep them interested in cheering for me. And uh, only not not for my ego, but for my results, because I really did notice it was having effect uh, two ways. Psychologically, on me, it was actually making me feel better and help me play better and be less stressed. And, and it was actually demoralizing my opponent when they go, "Ah, you suck! Ah, he's going to kill you!" Like, a, and the, I, I was watching my opponents get tilted by this. And I'm like, "Wow!" And then one time, I had some haters in chat who were just bashing me, and I paid one of the railbirds ten dollars to just flood the chat with periods. So, so, so I didn't have to read it, <laughs> and it was so Just, funny. It was so funny because they, the guy who was going to do the flooding with the periods, they're like, "No, no, no, man, don't do it! Come on, come on, come on!" He's like, "Look, I really don't want to, but I really need the money. I'm sorry, guys." <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever make the November nine, you're going to be paying PFA users to fill the stands for you. Yeah, I, I probably will. I'll probably pay you guys to show there up and, and cheer for me and uh, act like this is uh, very important for you that I win. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, the crazy world of online poker. I, n- I never thought I would give to broke railbirds, but then I, I actually realized it had a uh, an application to it. That was well, profitable. yeah, I mean, if you told me, you know, even a few years ago, you're going to give money to some unknown guy to have gay sex in Vegas, I'd say, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> but uh, here we are. This is what this is what's become of my life. Yeah, very sad. Jesus. All right, so let's go on to the first real topic here. It's already 8.37, so we started late, but still we've gone off on a lot of tangents already yeah so the first real topic well, we'll just jump right into MyCon and what's going on uh first of all the a lighter side of this whole thing uh <laughs> as you know MyCon has a gofundme and for those of, you, those of you that didn't listen last week i'll quickly get you updated very quickly brian MyCon had an arrest warrant issued for him on april 27th last Monday, for running an unlicensed online poker site, Seals with Clubs, which uh, he got his house raided back in February over that matter, and then he immediately bolted for Antigua, where he is right now. 
and he's refusing to come back at the moment. So he, he's trying to get his way out of this one. He's hired some very expensive and good attorneys, uh, Chesnoff and uh, Schoenfeld. And he started his own legal defense fund, which has had some controversy attached to it, such as, you know, you took the chance to run this. You made a lot of money off deals with clubs. Why are we having to pay your def- your legal defense fund? Or, you know, don't you have enough money already? Why do we have to pay for this? Or uh, why are you playing on poker stars and $500 tournaments if you can't afford this? You know, why are you asking for us to give you money and then you go play on stars? There were a lot of things that were brought up that uh, in criticism of him for this legal defense fund. But uh, someone thought this would be funny. In fact, this person took credit for it, so I'll say who it is. Uh, Simp Dog thought it would be funny to donate, not in his own name, but to donate in my name. (laughs) So there actually appeared on his GoFundMe page on the right side. It said, Godspeed, sweet prince. And it was from Todd Wittellis, $25. So people couldn't believe this. That this is four days ago that I was donating $25 after everything Mike on and I have been through recently or over the last four years. You know, why would I donate? Well, I didn't. It was SimpDog doing it in my name. Now, SimpDog actually was just kind of messing around. I don't know what he thought would happen, but I guess he figured when he put my name in there, since it didn't match the name on the credit card he was using, he was going to reject it. So he put 25 even though the minimum was 5 He wasn't actually trying to give Mike on $25. He just... He just put that and kind of thought it wasn't going to work. He wanted to see what it would say. But then it actually went through. So, of course, someone noticed this, posted it up on Poker Fraud Alert and showed how surprised they were. And then it didn't take long for people to realize that knowing that it was unlikely I donated $25, that they could probably also donate small amounts of money in phony names. So here are, here's a list of people who have donated, supposedly, to Brian Mikon. On his GoFundMe page These are all $5 The minimum That could be donated And a real $5 was given But uh, here's who donated it Justin Wade Smith Somehow donated from jail This is the guy Who scammed Mike on Out of $12,000 in 2007 It, it says uh, one, At first it said Take this off my tab please And then it said uh, Now it says One piece of advice for you In case you get, to se- get sent to prison Get a neck tattoo Nobody will fuck with you <laughs> Justin Wade Smith had a neck tattoo. He's actually in prison now for, for all the scamming he did. Brandon Drexel Gerson, the former co-host of Poker Fraud Alert, apparently donated $5. He said, I've donated the entire year's salary you paid me in 2010. Peace. <laughs> Judonk or Tide, he's co-hosted this show kind of before, and he's called in, and I've had to hang up on him a lot of times, including last week. He donated. Martin Carrico, it says. I'm not a wealthy man, Mycon, but I know what it's like to flee the country from injustice. Please enjoy two cores like tall boys on me. <laughs> the amazing thing is this sounds just like him. Like these are actually written so well. Like, I, could, I could totally dupe, like yeah. I could totally imagine these people like, like saying that in their own voices. All right, next uh, uh, there was one from Ramiro the Champ, but that's gone. It's been changed to anonymous. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Poker Stars was nice enough to donate. This is the most uh, recent. Donation of this type $5 from yesterday it says Brian 
We at PokerStars understand the incredible hardship that you are under at this time. Accordingly, we have decided to rebate 1% of the losses you, recur- you incurred by failing to place in the money in tournament number 12035870578 eight game buy-in, $500 plus $30 US dollars on 1st May 2015. We wish you all the best with your campaign, Team PokerStars. <laughs> so for those of you that are, are questioning why is Mike on playing on... Uh, Poker stars at $500 tournaments and asking for money for his legal defense fund, Poker stars at least refunded a, a percent of this back to him through his GoFundMe page, and uh, that was very generous of them. Poker stars, uh, they are not cold corporate monsters since being bought by Amaya. Look what they've done here. So uh, now these donations keep being changed to anonymous. Apparently, Mycon, while he might appreciate these token sums of money being given to him. Apparently, he doesn't want these generous individuals to take credit. So I noticed my donation of $25 was changed to anonymous, which I don't appreciate. Uh, Martin Carrico, he, uh, he may have provided the money for the tall boys, but uh, Martin won't get to enjoy them because he can't even see his name up there, get changed to anonymous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Drexel Gerson, even though donating his entire salary, that became anonymous as well. Justin Wade Smith, same thing. And, and poker stars, even they got changed to anonymous. But guess what? Whoever donates on that page also has the power to change it back. So these people would find that their credit where it was due was removed. And they came back and they changed it to the original thing that was up there. and Or, or something slightly different. So it's been like a current battle on Mycon's GoFundMe page of all these $5 donations where he keeps changing it to anonymous and they keep going back and changing it to what they want. But it, it's so funny. Who would have thought that a GoFundMe page can be trolled? Who would have thought you could, could, you could troll someone on GoFundMe by giving them money? I know. <laughs> I, I thought about GoFundMe. Do you think in that site's existence, and it's a pretty big site at this point, do you think with all the GoFundMe campaigns, do you think there has ever been a trolling campaign through GoFundMe, has anyone been trolled on GoFundMe through donations, or are we the first ones who have done it? it I, I would think we'd be the first, because, like you said, at the end of the day, you do have to give the money, so you must really want to have to troll someone, <laughs> you know, to pay for it. I just I thought mean, this I, is so funny. Yeah, you're actually giving him money to troll him, and there's this endless battle back and forth between anonymous and unanonymous. Like, he anonymizes it, they anonymize it, and it goes back and forth, back and forth. I was wondering why he can't just, like, reject the donations, but I guess you can't. Well, I guess he's taking he's taking the money. I yeah, maybe, maybe he doesn't he want to reject it. Maybe he wants to keep the money. But <laughs> wants the money. Yeah, I wonder if he has that option to reject the donation, or if he just uh, if he's stuck with it. Like, a, like what is what are the rules there on GoFundMe regarding what the person know. can write there? Sadly, I have no donations yet to my uh, yeah. GoFundMe to uh, bring American fugitives uh, home. Like let's justice, let's but, say you went on a GoFundMe page and wanted to just totally slam the person and say this person's a scammer, don't donate. I'm not saying to do that to Mike. I'm just saying like a hypothetical situation. I really mean, I'm not saying talking in code here either. I'm saying like hypothetically, if you really wanted to just bash the shit out of someone on GoFundMe, uh, could you do this for five dollars and then keep doing it over and over when they change it to anonymous? Do they have any power to stop it, or are you just stuck with it the way it's built? Hmm. I, I think you might be. I stuck don't know. With it. I would think you would be stuck with it because, really, it, I mean, he doesn't want the five dollars. If he's going through all the trouble of making it anonymous, that's more work than it's. Yeah, worth. that's what so I have to think. Especially he must knowing, not have the choice. Yeah, especially knowing his personality. He's not. He's Jewish, but he's not as cheap as I am. And I, I have to think if he could reject these, he would and just like get rid of them. But 
They must not have this built. I don't think people building GoFundMe were like, hmm, we better have a feature to reject donations in case uh, troll donations are being done to irritate the person who's running the, the page. Right. <laughs> they probably weren't thinking of that possibility when they built this thing. But leave, no. leave it to Poker Fraud Alert to do this. <laughs> this, is, this is like such a, a hallmark of our community that they find a way, oh. even with a, a GoFundMe donation page, they find a way to troll through that. I don't know if I'm proud or ashamed right now. But. <laughs> it was really funny. I mean, uh, yeah, Simtog was wondering if I'd be pissed about this, but I, I wasn't pissed at all. I thought it was fun. I thought this is hilarious, the whole thing. And uh, my kind of can't be too mad. He's getting paid for this, at least. I, I should create a GoFundMe page where people control me, and, and then I'll just get $5 yeah. every time. I'll take it. Just say, you know, insult Druff for five bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's you know what? I got to tell you, you're going to make some money. I should do that. I should do just just trash me on this page all you want, minimum donation $5, and just see how it comes in. It'll be something. I wonder how many times Marty would donate. Like, like Marty would, <laughs> I think Marty would, like, hit a, a tournament on Stars for, like, $10,000. He'd probably, like, he'd probably donate about 100 times on there in a row. Just fill the whole page. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh what a terrible person I am. I, I enjoy watching people fail. I like rubbing it in their faces. I like tearing people down. I'm always so negative. Like I, I, I could see all of these, just one after the other, after the other, after the other. I could see it. Oh, of, of course you make a go fund you about you, Todd. It's all about you. <laughs> that, that's the first one. But. This asshole, he never wants a level playing field. He wants us to pay him to troll him. <laughs> that's what a selfish asshole he is. I, I could totally see this. All right. So that's going on with GoFundMe. And... What else is going on? A more serious note with uh, Mike on case and his lawyers and all that. Well, an interesting report came out last week, but we couldn't talk about it because it was, I think, a day after the show. They, they didn't cooperate time-wise. But an interesting report came out regarding Mycon's attempt to buy a certain poker site. Now, this came out in court, presumably because they were trying to prove that Micon really owned SEALs rather than just being a, an employee there. But uh, Nevada Gaming Control Board Special Agent Ricardo Lopez testified that he observed a Skype chat log, and this chat log was on Micon's computer that they seized, where Micon expressed interest in acquiring the assets of Lock Poker. Now, this was done in February 2014 when Locke was already really in big trouble. They, they've they been having major payout problems since early 2013. So this had been going on about a year, and they, they basically weren't paying anyone, and they were pretty much seen as insolvent and were, and now they're gone, Locke Poker. But Mycon wrote the following on Skype to a person named Jennifer, who is almost surely Locke Poker CEO Jennifer Larson, it's not clear if he got a response, but this is what he wrote to her, according to testimony from Nevada Gaming Control Board agent Lopez. Hi, Jennifer. I'm interested in buying the Lock Poker brand and all its software assets. You can give me a quick Google and see that I started Seals with Clubs in 2011. Uh-oh. Oops. Uh-oh. But he it's didn't. not even true. But Yeah, okay. it's not even true. That's the funny thing, but uh, that's... Not the type of thing you want them seeing when they seize your stuff. Uh, and amassed a considerable wealth with the increase in Bitcoin price. A considerable wealth. I plan to relaunch the brand, that is Lock Poker he's referring to, and make all players whole. I consider Lock Poker like Chrysler of the early 1990s. 
it's a strong brand that needs a turnaround. Now, now, first of all, I think that's a horrible idea, unless he's just going to like get the site for free and then basically only pay people as they rake or something. But uh, Lock Poker was a destroyed brand by the time February 2014 came around. Like, it, it would take too much work to convince everyone that this is the new Lock Poker, especially with all these lies about the new this, the new that, you know, the new UB. Even if Micon yeah. was you know, totally sincere that he totally took control of it, which I, I know he was trying to do, and even if he was sincere about getting everyone paid, uh, I, I think everyone's attitude would have been, okay, pay us first, then we'll come back later. And obviously you'd be huge in the hole. Maybe he didn't understand how much in the hole they were, but uh, supposedly they were in the hole more than like $10 million bucks. But uh, it's not clear what he was offering to pay for it. But but he wanted to take over Lock Poker and somehow make all the players whole and, and believe that they still had a strong brand, which I disagree with. But that was the plan in 2014, in February 2014. So this this came out. Why was this released? Well, basically they had to go into court – and explain why they believe that Brian Mikon was the operator of Seals of Clubs. Why they should arrest him for operating an unlicensed gambling site. So they submitted this in court as evidence. And I'm sure they have tons of other conversations like this, though they didn't say so. But I have to imagine they do. Where he identifies himself as the owner of Seals. Saying, I started Seals of Clubs in 2011. I guess it's not right. technically saying he's running it currently, but that's very much implied since he, quote, started it in 2011 and was promoted all over its site as the current chairman of SEALs. So uh, th- they put this out there to show that he was giving Jennifer his credentials as SEALs of Club's owner to have her take him seriously. Now, I believe he actually has her Skype from years ago when Lock Poker was very briefly a sponsor of Donk Down. They were. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they were. We actually had, this is when I was involved with it, too, we actually had Lock Poker tournaments where a few nights we had free rolls on Lock Poker for a few weeks. I don't remember why that fell through. It wasn't because they had done anything, like, shady yet. It was just, I, I don't know if they didn't continue with it. Whatever it was, it didn't continue. I, my kind always handled that stuff, so... I didn't really ask him what happened to Lock Poker, but it fell through in some way. But uh, I believe he had her on his Skype from all that time ago and probably just had this idea. Now, I don't know what he thought he was doing. I don't know what he thought he would be paying for Lock. I have to imagine he was probably uh, he was probably trying to convince her to hand it over for very cheap or for free. And then he would just take over the obligations. That's what, that's what I'm guessing, probably before he realized how much the obligations were. I don't think he would have done this for $10 bucks. You know, Even if they, no. they handed it for free, but said, okay, but now you owe $10 bucks. Like I, I, I see he was probably planning to do what he was claiming, where uh, he'll take over lock, he'll run it, and then uh, it'll make enough money where he can pay the aggrieved parties who got ripped off by the previous lock. And... Uh, I don't think he was planning to do this from Las Vegas where he was living. I know from a source that the Antigua move was only hastened by the certain seizure on February 11th, but it was not – he didn't come up with the idea that day. He had already made preparations to move to Antigua. Presumably to do things like this, to be able to run – for some reason he felt that running a Bitcoin – online poker room 
was safe legally there in Las Vegas, but running something like lock poker was unsafe legally, which I, I guess, as he found, was not true. And I, I, it was obvious to me and everybody else it wasn't safe, but for some reason he believed it was. But he felt like he wanted to go to Antigua so he could run everything he wanted, whether it's uh, casinos or real money poker rooms or... Uh, or sports betting, I don't know what his exact plans were, so I'm not going to put words in his mouth. But I, I know from a source that his plans were to go to Antigua and do a lot more prior to this whole bust going down. And then when the bust went down, or when the search went down, and he knew the bust was coming shortly afterwards, then he left immediately rather than moving you know, at his own pace. So Right. And this sort of, I mean, people have speculated how much... You know he's profited from seals, but you know I would think he he would he's been around poker long enough. He'd have to be smart enough to know that he's going to have to make these people whole basically day one. So he may not have known the extent to which they were in the hole uh, for ten million dollars, but I, I mean I would think he would have to know he would have to at least start making payouts. So the you know the speculation that oh I made four forty k a year running seals I I don't see how that's possible. If he's trying to buy a lock poker. Though, though it is possible what he thought was that uh, he'll take over lock, he'll immediately kick out some payments but not pay everybody and say, okay, well, this is all I can afford to do right now. It's better than nothing. You know, you're getting – otherwise you would have gotten nothing from the current owners or the previous owners. I'll give you this much and I'll keep playing here and as, as the site makes money, I'll keep kicking money out to you guys. And uh, I, I think there would have been enough goodwill from that that perhaps it uh, – I mean, obviously it wouldn't have generated $10 bucks, but uh, – yeah, if it was a much smaller figure, that could have worked, except he would have been running an unlicensed online poker site and probably couldn't come back to the U.S. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's a big gambit to make for you know, not paying everyone back. So I would think his intent would be to I don't, maybe not make everyone hold day one, but yeah, you know, get them back there. So as he said, you know, he's amassed wealth, although, again, that's tied to Bitcoin. So I don't know if that was Bitcoin's high. You know, is it, it, at the time it was worth ten times. You know, yeah, that's right. It now, was doing so. a lot better in February. It, it had its uh, its peak, I believe, in December two thousand thirteen, and so February two thousand fourteen wasn't that far from there. And right. we we're much lower now in Bitcoin than February two thousand fourteen. Much lower. Which is going to be odd if if the government decides to you know assess him a penalty based on what he's made. I mean, how do you assess that? Well, I, I, I think they have to take a look at what he's cashed out the Bitcoin in. But, yeah, he could say, though, well, what about the Bitcoins I, I bought and just invested in on my own? You can't take those. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's tough. I, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I think they're going to have to – or maybe yeah, – I don't know if he was directly paid in Bitcoin. He probably was. Yeah. I, I'm sure he was. They, yeah, well, they, I guess the, if they can see the dates he was paid, they can match it with a historical Bitcoin uh, value of those dates and probably figure it out. I guess that's a lot of work, but yeah. It is, but yeah, I mean, I have to think, I've really been thinking about what will they accept in Nevada for, as far as like a plea bargain, and on the other side, what would MyCon accept as, as a plea bargain that he finds acceptable enough to return to the U.S.? Mm-hmm. And and I, I was having this discussion with someone today, and they told me that the prison that's in Gene, Nevada, if you've ever driven between Vegas and L.A., Gene is 12 miles from the state border, 12 miles north of Prim. And there is a prison there. If you pull off from Gene, there's 
one exit to go to the one remaining casino there. There are signs on the off-ramp saying that there's a correctional facility there and do not, under any circumstances, pick up any hitchhikers. I always thought that they put up that sign because they probably have some pretty bad people over there who may actually break out. Because, you know, if you're there for a nonviolent crime, unless you committed something horrible like you know, Bernie Madoff, you're probably not in for that long, and it's not worth breaking out of jail and being on the run for life. You only do that if you've got some super long sentence for something really terrible like uh, murder or rape or whatever that uh, could put you away for a very long time. So I always assumed that that sign alone meant that people around there were probably dangerous. Well, I was told today that that's not true. I was told that that is actually a minimum security prison. Maybe that's why they have those signs, because there's not much security. But Actually, it's a medium security. As medium? Oh, you know about more about it than I do. I, I, I was... Actually, uh, somebody just posted it in the chat. Oh, China okay, media. okay. Yeah, so I, I was told it's a minimum security, and that's probably where they'd send him, and that there's no violent offenders there, or uh, and that uh, it's only for nonviolent offenders, and that's probably where they would send him, and that if he got something like six months and had to pay a fine, that he'd probably do it. Not that he'd love it, but that it's, it's not like he'd be there and be in danger every day of... Uh, you know, people are are talking on the forum about, oh, he better watch his ass. He's going to get raped in prison. He's going to get beaten up in prison or killed in prison. And, and and the person I talked to said, this is nonsense. They're going to send him to a place that is full of nonviolent offenders, and you know he won't enjoy it there. But it's not going to be a nightmarish scenario like you picture prison or see see on TV or in the movies. So right. that, that's 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 they're probably right. I didn't know about that specific prison, but uh, supposedly that's a nonviolent offender prison. And but but still, if he had to agree to serve some kind of moderate prison sentence of less than a year, but not less than six months, and if he had to pay a substantial fine, negating all or most of what he made on seals. Not negating what he made on Bitcoin investing, but if they come up with a number of what he made on SEALs and it's pretty close to the truth, and he has to pay the government that. And if he has to agree never to run SEALs again, or any other gambling website, or be employed with any other gambling website, legal or illegal, would he do it? That's a lot to give up. Beyond just the prison, you know, it, it's uh, it's giving up something that's currently supporting him financially. And then what will he do? And and then he also would have to uh, you know, give away the opportunity to do it in the future. He'd also have to give up a lot of money. And he may say, "Hey, this isn't worth it. I'd rather just stay in Antigua and hide from this and keep doing what I want." So. I don't know. I don't know what is the maximum he would accept that he finds it uh, pain he can deal with to come back to the U.S. And I don't know what the minimum that they will accept on the other end. They may say on the other end, hey, if he doesn't come back and defend this, we can convict him in absentia and get him a really stiff sentence and and screw him. Well, then we we have the power here. Well, I don't think he would accept the like the, the terms you just laid out. Um, a fine. Six months in prison, nothing to do with online gaming. Because then, as you said, what's his plan for, you know, making money day to day? The other thing is he's obviously gone there because he feels that they will not pull him back. Otherwise, there's no reason to go there. So I think he's basically weighing it between staying in Antigua forever because he doesn't believe that anyone's going to come get him or 
is it worth being able to come back to the States under whatever conditions they set for him? So I, I don't see him accepting anything unless it's, you know, a real sweetheart kind of deal. Yeah. By the way, I don't think Antigua is going to send him back because the, someone found no. the uh, someone who, who's in the government over there talking about a different case, saying that they really don't want to send people to the U.S. because of uh, U.S. gaming violations. That they just they don't see that as something they want to do. Now they may not let him stay in Antigua. They may say uh, we're not letting you be a citizen here. But they, I don't think they're going to extradite him based upon the fact that he's. Accused of uh, a gaming violation, and they've said they they don't do that. Referring to another case, caller, you're on the air. Please turn on the radio. Hey, Todd, it's Marty. What's up, Big Daddy? Hello, Marty. So, uh, do you think you're going to last the whole call this time without me hanging up, or you think the hangup's inevitable? I don't know why you hung up with me last time. I thought we were doing pretty well. All of a sudden, they click. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I didn't even insult you or anything. Uh, that's incorrect. If you go back and listen to the call, you'll fully understand why I hung up. But what do you have to say this time? Well, actually, I was listening to your show, which I rarely do, and I'd like to make a comment about my con. All right, go ahead. Um, what the hell is he thinking? I mean, I know that everybody's speculating on how much he's worth. You know, uh, China seems to think that my con's worth a million dollars, which I highly doubt. If you look at his, uh, his star's history, he's playing three rolls and $3 spinning goes. That is not behavior uh, from a millionaire. And... Why is he running uh, a GoFundMe? Uh, why is he begging for money to fund his legal team? I mean, I have a feeling Mike Hans on the ropes. Well, uh, financially, that's an interesting. So, that's I, an interesting topic. You know, I I've thought these things too. Uh, the the free rolls that he's playing are really strange. Someone's been posting his Poker Stars history uh, on. You can look at his tournament history through Shark Scope. Someone's been posting it up on our thread about the whole seals thing for quite some time. And it's, yeah, it, I made a post about that today. I mean, he, he lost like 700 bucks two days ago, like three days after he solicited three grand of donations on GoFundMe. Yeah. That's have, lowball. But what's more interesting to me actually are the free rolls is I know that I, I don't have any interest in playing free rolls. It's one thing to play like the radio free roll for this show. Cause it's just like a, a distraction while you're listening to the show and a fun thing to play against the other listeners. But like, I would never go on to, a site and play a free roll and to win something, a small prize. It's just not worth my time and it's not fun. So I, I know Mike on, I, I can't imagine where this is fun to him, but uh, you know, maybe he's just bored there. I am seeing he's entering tournaments like $500 tournaments as well, uh, but he is playing a lot of small tournaments like micro tournaments and a lot of free rolls. It's really odd. I can't imagine why he's putting so much time into these tiny tournaments with very little upside as far as even if he wins, he's not Aside, aside from all that, that's pretty much speculation. You may have money, you may not, but he just hired a pretty high-profile law firm. Yes. You know, the, the lawyers he hired, they've defended, like, Paris Hilton and 50 Cent, and, you know, this guy's not going to be cheap. No, he's very and expensive. So, yeah, so, and Mike, it's not like he's fighting for a, um, he's not going to court to for some kind of settlement. All he's going to be doing is paying his attorneys to defend him. There is no cash settlement at the end of the rainbow. So any money that's paid out to his attorneys is basically money flushed down the toilet. Yes. This guy's fucking fucking retarded or what? But he must have paid them something already. They're not taking this on pro bono because, as you said, Marty, there's no peace at the end. So he obviously has some money if he's paying these guys. And the choice of country he went to, I mean, Antigua, of all countries, they have an extradition treaty with the United States. No, but they won't. For for gaming reasons, they said they're not going to do it. So I believe he's probably safe there. But – 
at the same time, I want to say here that uh, as far as the GoFundMe, it, it, it's kind of odd. And someone suggested to me today that they thought the reason he's doing the GoFundMe is not that he can't necessarily afford. And as Daredevil said, he, he had to have paid a good amount already to even get this started. But that uh, that maybe he believes that the community owes this to him for providing them online poker. Maybe he thinks like uh, I, these aren't my words, but someone told me that they think this is why he's doing it. That he kind of feels like that uh, he's their leader and they've got to support him. And that you know he was the freedom fighter for online poker. Now the community's got to step up and 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 pay him, even though he can technically afford it. He doesn't have an, an endless well to draw from. Like you know, like for example, if I had to pay a hundred k today to defend myself in a very important criminal case, I could do it. Would I be happy? No, I I would hate to lose a hundred thousand, you know, to pay to a lawyer. It would that would suck big time. Uh, could thing, I? Yes, but I, I would hate it though. Uh, the thing that's really alarming here with this whole case is that, you know, the Fed seemed to they pretty much they, they had a press conference with five of these guys in suits and they want to make an example out yes, of him. Yes, they do. So I mean, this they're not. This is not some random prosecution. You know, they they want to put him front and center. Well, what's weird is yes. What's weird is government is very motivated to prosecute him. What's weird is you'll see like murderer cases in in Las Vegas that get less attention. They don't have press conferences to say, okay, well, we picked this guy up for for murder today in the ghetto. Who you know, what one guy shot another guy during a drug deal. Uh, Here's our press conference about that. Like they don't have that. They you just read about it in the paper and that's it. You know what? Part of me, part of me, still likes my kind. You know. On, a, on, a, on some level, I still like Mike Cohen. I think a lot of people root for him. But his his judgment is just so awful. I mean, what the fuck? He moved to a country... You know, oh, Bonstead posted uh, earlier today, or earlier yesterday, uh, about the residency fees to be a permanent resident in Antigua. It's something like 200 grand just to just to apply for residency. Well, and maybe he has it. Like I, that part I don't know. I, I don't think the place where he went was that bad of a choice, but I think running the poker room while living in Las Vegas and believing that nothing would happen was an unbelievably bad choice. And and now yeah, you, he, just, you can't you can't roll into town and just set up shop like that. You know, when after my scores, I you know, I had quite a bit of money. I was I was thinking about buying a boat and going to start a charter business. And but you just you can't just roll into town and step on step on people's toes. You know, I mean, the, the the whole notion of him trying to set up shop in Antigua and fire up his Bit, Bitcoin uh, or Seals and Clubs 2.0, it's not going to fly. And I don't know. I, I just think he's making extraordinarily bad decisions. Well, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people think that. And it's – you have to understand Nevada – what would Nevada be if Nevada never had gambling? It, it would really be a nothing state. There would be nothing to do there. No one would go there. The, the only attraction anyone would have to Nevada if there was no gambling would be uh, where the Sierra Nevadas are to go skiing. And that's pretty much it. Otherwise, there would be no reason to go there. The economy would be just about nothing. Uh, the population would be about nothing. So gambling I mean, is what con, r- runs the state. Does Mike know something the rest of us don't? I mean <laughs> I, I don't you know. know. I'm looking, it, at, the, looking it, at this from, from, from a, uh, a neutral vantage point, and in, in, my, in my view, he's just – this is almost borderline suicidal. Well, yeah, he's got a family to take care of. You know, if he was smart, I posted this earlier. If this guy was smart, he would call the feds, kick himself up, go do his six months, and get back to his life. But it, does he really want to uh, hire a high-profile uh, law firm? I mean, these guys, if this goes to trial, it actually gets that far. It, he's looking at like six figures in retainers. 
Yeah, it, it would be very expensive. It'll be very interesting to see where this goes. And you know, as I was saying there, Nevada that pretty much supports the whole state as gambling. So you don't mess with the state. When the state has one major industry, you don't become an unlicensed operator in that state. That's really, really asking for it, big time, big time. I mean, that's, what do you, what do you, you don't ever do that. Run, what did you think? What did you think and try to run the site out of Nevada? I mean, someone else posted in the thread. He should have just moved to Arizona where he could have probably gotten away with it. But, I mean, he's setting up shop right in Las Vegas, like basically thumbing his nose at the Nevada Gaming Commission. He kind of just no didn't think broke, of it. He kind of just didn't no think. no wonder they broke his door down. He, he kind of didn't. To show you how he didn't think about it, I'll, I'll reveal something I've, I've never talked about before. Uh, one time when we were having an argument during one of our, our contentious uh, conversations, and, and he was saying that, he says, oh, I, you know, I, I hope you have a heart attack and die. He loves to say that about me. But he said, I said, that, that's a horrible thing to say. He says, well, I'm sure you hope that I get busted by the DOJ. So same thing. I hope you have a heart attack. So he was thinking DOJ. Like he was thinking Department of Justice. And I think he, he was overlooking what was right there in his backyard. I think he just totally overlooked it. And actually, some of us did, too. We also – none of us discussed the Nevada Gaming Commission until after this happened. But the difference is we weren't the ones running. We didn't have to think about this. This wasn't our – this is just something we think of in passing. This doesn't involve us. Whereas if you're running it, you've really got to assess the risks. And I know if I was running a, a site like that, especially as I'm seeing Bodog and sites like that going, oh, no, we're not taking new people from Nevada. I go, hmm, why am I taking new people from Nevada? Am I doing something yeah, I mean, foolish? I mean, I, I, res- I respect the guy for taking a shot. You know, at least he's trying to do something and, you know, he's swinging for the fences. But, oh my God, it's like bad decision after bad decision. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right. Why is he doing doing it in the in the back in Las Vegas, number one? And then he flees to the, probably the worst country he could possibly flee to. He could have just come down to Mexico. The Mexican cops don't give a fuck if you started the Seals of Club site down here. You know, I mean, I don't <laughs> well, know maybe Marty, maybe, Marty, maybe this is a maybe there's a new business opportunity for you over there. <laughs> Okay. Uh, look, I, I, I really, I really hate that. Kind I, of I know, you, I know, you hate the the sound effects. But okay, listen. Uh, uh, you know, you bring up a lot of good points about this, and uh, we'll, we'll, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. If he really takes us to a whole court fight, if he comes back to fight it, if he tries to fight it remotely, which I don't think they're going to go for, I think I think they'll demand he comes back. It's just not going to end well. You can't take on the feds who have a hard on for you. I don't care who your attorney is. I mean, if this goes the distance, he's going to be out a shitload of money and fees. Yep. And, and you know, he even said on his little uh, blurb on uh, GoFundMe, he's like, oh, my, my funds are going to be quickly depleted. Now, I guess this, is all, this all really comes down to speculation about how much is my kind of worth, how much do you cash out on Bitcoins. I mean, how much does the guy really have? Well, even if so, he does have, even if he does have a million dollars, you can you can run through a large portion of that if this drags on too right. long. And the, and the question is, why not? I mean, this is a free roll for him, whether he has one dollar or ten million dollars. Why not just see? Well, let's see how much money I can get. There's no there's no way there's no loss for him. Who is that? Is that Daredevil? Is that yes. your co-host, Todd? Yes. Okay, I was wondering. The other thing about um, Mexico, I, Marty, is the reason yeah. I think he didn't go down there is he wanted to run a legit site, right? That's he's uh-huh. thinking of buying lock. He's gonna whatever, right? So there is no license, I don't think, to buy in Mexico. Yeah, so there he isn't. sees himself as this Calvinaire type. He's gonna go get license in Antigua, start a real site. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. His whole attitude about this whole case is a little too cavalier. 
You know, does he really think he's going to, does he stand a chance here? Absolutely not. Is the government going to, uh, I mean, are they going to dismiss the charges? Fuck no. No. It's either, he, either he's going to get screwed or he's going to go to, he, they're going to really stick it to him. He got the government in very, my, very angry. Very, my, very angry. In my opinion, his, his best move is just to come back and just do his six to eight months. Get it over with. Otherwise, it's gonna. This is just gonna be haunting him. He's got to think of his family. He's got a wife. He's got a kid. Unless, I mean, really, Mike Hunt? Really? Unless you're 100 percent sure that what you're doing is totally legal, what you don't do is try to do something to like really piss off the government. You, you don't want to get them really pissed at you when they have something on you, because then they can make your life miserable. So this, yeah, this, I mean, for example, my, my DUI case in Oregon. I fought that because I felt I felt mistreated and, and I was pissed off about the cops manhandling me. So I went to I I threatened to go to court and I spent a bunch of money defending myself. But at, at least there, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And my kind, there is no positive outcome to this. Well, not only that, your your case wasn't a unique case, so they didn't care that much about it. It was just a DUI. They're like, okay, you know, like it's much easier to dismiss that and make it go away because they don't. Uh, uh, this isn't a big deal to them. It's the a run of the mill. Thing about my, the most alarming thing about Micron's particular case is that the government has gone out of their way. The feds have gone out of their way to uh, posture about this charge. You well, know, it's not they, the feds. It's, actually, it's, the, uh, it's, a, it's the state police there. It's the state uh, gaming commission. And, yeah, they, they are really posturing big time. And they, they really, really are making this very high profile. Much, I mean, really, it is much more high profile what they've been making it than what it deserves. It's not the, the crime's not as bad as what they've been portraying and, and the amount of attention they've given to it. But that's that's what happens when you mess with the gaming industry. There, he just stepped on the wrong toes, and the worst part is the worst part is he's just thumbing his nose at them. Yeah, you know, he, he it's it's not as if he's apologetic. You know, he knew exactly what you you posted earlier on, on PFA. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew the consequences. You know, it's not like he's, he, this is not a big surprise. You know, a lot of people are speculating when Seals of Clubs is doing well. It's like, you know, sooner or later, the wheels are going to come falling off. Yeah, I never and, understood. I never understood the end game there. I never understood what he thought was going to be the end result, other than this. Like, I, 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 I didn't understand that either. It just, it just seemed like this was inevitable. So, I mean, I just have a hard time. I, I just have a hard time. Uh, Wishing bad things on Brian. I mean, there's part of me, you know, he's a likable guy. He may be a huge fuck up, but I don't think anybody really wants the worst from Nikon. Most of the replies in your thread are basically like, you know, along the same lines. Like, you know, what the fuck are you thinking, man? You know, this is his his judgment is just uh, piss poor right now. He needs to cut his losses. Yeah. And but he's not gonna he's not gonna do anything that people say. He's gonna do what he wants to do. He wants to be a this big soldier and. Uh, a poster boy for bitcoins. I get that part too, but um, it seems like the well is dry now. Um, you know what? What's it, what's Bitcoin at right now? Like two hundred bucks now? Uh, it's in, so, it's been in the twos for a long time. Two thirty, two forty, two twenty. It's always around there. All right, so M- Marty, we're going to move on to another talk. But thank you, thank you for the call. Uh, There's a much better call than last week, and. Uh, uh, I don't. I, I still don't remember why you hung up on me last week. I don't. Well, think I we're not, we don't, you can go listen again. You'll hear it. <laughs> this, this week, we, this week you did a lot better. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Dad. Thank you. Okay. Um, that seal of approval means a lot. Goodbye. I, I, I guess maybe I am. About, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I will say this about what Marty said. You know, he said, why doesn't Micon come back and just do his six months? I, I don't think that's going to be on the table because this case is so like high profile. Like he said, you know, it, it, I mean, even busting into his house made the media, didn't it? Yeah. So between that and the press conference and, you know, 
that all the busting into his house made the media, and now the guy hops a plane. He's out of the country, and they kind of look like, well, they're standing there with their dicks in their hands and a couple of hard drives. I don't, I don't think six months is on the table. Yeah, you know what? I um, I was surprised that on Cinco de Mayo of all things in in Mexico that Marty was sober. I know, I'm proud of him. <laughs> of all days for him to be sober, is Cinco de. I, I don't think in Mexico they they celebrate it though. Maybe that's the reason. Oh, I see. But but he is a gringo in Mexico. You think like you think he's been waiting for this day? Ah, Cinco de Mayo in Mexico. I'm going to get smashed. But th- he was actually sober here. At least I think he was. He didn't. He came off. Uh, Calm and he he made some reasonable points. So it, it maybe doesn't... it's the opposite. Maybe like cinco is for Mexicans only. So <laughs> you know they don't let him in the bars and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe they tell him go home, gringo. You know, I had a, I had an experience in Hawaii. I, I haven't even talked much about my Hawaii trip I took from uh, March 30th to April 7th, and, and I'm not really going to. But we ended up in this one town that was not a tourist town. In uh, it was on the Big Island of Hawaii, and uh, and. We just we we're gonna eat there. Everybody was hungry, and we didn't want to wait to get all the way back to the, where the hotel was. So that's the biggest island in Hawaii. So we stopped there, and they had this weird kind of festival going on that they do once a month on Friday, which is like when the whole town comes out and everybody just like hangs out. It's got kind of like a a fair type atmosphere. But anyway, we we went to a pizza place that was very well rated on Yelp, like four and a half stars. We found in Hawaii, by the way, there are a lot of things that are way overrated on Yelp. They, like restaurants you go into that are like four and a half stars that are just not that good. But this one, it was a pizza place. And we chose it because we thought, okay, pizza will be quick. It took forever and ever and ever for like a, a simple pizza and salad order. And yet people who came in after us were served first. Very similar types of things. And we weren't rude to them. There was no kind of altercation. There was nothing they would have made them want to serve us last. And, and after we were there, we checked Yelp, and we actually found some one-star reviews that were there that kind of you know, were... It didn't really factor in that much with all the five-stars people put, who were locals, I guess, but uh, that claimed, if you're not Hawaiian, they serve you last. That There's a, there's a bias there, if you're not one of the locals. So, hmm. so I can you, see that. I actually went to Hawaii and we switched islands halfway through and I got pulled in for extra security at the airport. And they basically just told me flat out, we pull out everyone that's not a local uh-huh. because why would you, you need to hop islands? And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm just here on vacation. I want really, to see more than one. Really? I, I, like, I hopped two islands. I went from, uh, I went to Maui, then uh, the big Island, then Oahu for the final night. But uh, uh, No extra security? No, no security. It wasn't a problem. Those uh, huh. those little flights, uh, they make a fortune though. Hawaiian Airlines for those inter island flights, they're like it's a half forty a, minute flights. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's less than that. It's like sometimes you're in the air like twenty minutes, and and they're charging over a hundred dollars per person. Yeah, and and you think about, you know, you fly LA to New York and you pay three hundred something dollars. <laughs> it's an amazing difference in the how much time you're in the air and how much fuel they have to use. I mean, they can run so many of those flights in the same day, and and just make a fortune. Yeah, all in all, I thought Hawaii was kind of, I don't know, tourist trappy. Everything was kind of... Well, you know I what? I mean, I guess they got to ship everything there by boat, but I don't know. I, with, with Hawaii, you ha- you have to understand where the tourist trap type things are and, and where they're not. And if you don't like that sort of thing, which which I don't either, uh, avoid them. So that, that's basically what I would try to do is go places that... And some places you can't avoid it if you want to see certain sites or whatever, but... Uh, 
but I, I I try not to do the really touristy things anywhere I go. I just don't like that. I don't like anything that's like contrived for the tourists. Uh, if if there's like a natural uh, site that you want to see, that's just something tourists go to because it's uh, it's something interesting, a volcano or whatever it is people always go see, then you have no choice to run it to tourists. But I, I don't ever go to anything that's contrived for the tourists anywhere. That's just... Uh, I never pictured you uh, mingling with the natives, Truff. <laughs> no, I actually, when I travel, I, I always find it fascinating to be among the real culture of wherever I am, even if it's just like another city in the U.S. Like, I, I really just want to see the way everyone's really living. I, I, I like eating at a restaurant, looking around, going, why? Everyone here is a local. I'm the only tourist here. I'm, I'm the... Uh, this is really what people in the neighborhood go do, this is where they go eat. Like, like that's interesting to me. Uh, what's not interesting to me is is to go to th- restaurants that are specifically designed for tourists coming in. <laughs> you don't go to Hawaii and eat at the Denny's? <laughs> the Denny's is probably more like what I'm describing, where the locals go. But, uh, but you know, I, I just I, I like getting the real experience of wherever I am. And... Uh, and you can't do that with anything that's uh, touristy. And also the touristy stuff is always much more expensive. And uh, I, I always just find the best experiences are where you get to see the real thing. So that, that's always what I try to do. Now, I'm not, I'm not a fan of things like Airbnb. Like, I, I don't want to go stay in someone's house and I'll sleep on their couch or in their bed. I no, I find weird. that terrible. It seems they weird want you to me. make chit-chat with random people in the morning at some – it's like just – no. Yeah, that's why That's why I don't really stay at bed and breakfast either. I, like, I, I don't want to see all these other tourists there and, and, and sit at the same breakfast table with them. And like I, I don't want to feel like I'm a guest in someone's home. I kind of want to just keep to myself. You know, so like that's I, – I don't like that sort of thing. Yeah, that's just I, I hate that about cruising too. It's like, yeah, here's some random people you're going to eat with the whole time. Like, well, no, no, you don't have to though. There's a lot of lines that don't do that. It depends. It depends. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like being forced with randoms either. But I, I, I find a lot of ways you can avoid that. Like Norwegian, they, they don't make you do anything. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I did that. Eat whenever you want and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let, let's uh, let's move on here. Let's see what we got. Someone's saying yeah. tight convo in chat. They're, they don't like this conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, from Crypt, that's especially damning. <laughs> All right. So, you know, we we talked a lot about Mike on here and the stupid things he did, and, and a lot of criticism has been uh, levied toward him. But I always like to say I'm fair on this show, and I will always tell the truth about a situation, even if someone I don't like looks better because... I clear something up. Like I, I could just sit and say nothing and let them look bad, but I don't want to do that. So someone asked me, can you talk about Donkdown selling the emails of users? And it looked very damning from first appearance. Uh, Belly Buster, who runs the No Fraud Online Poker Room, he does something that is clever. And in fact, I've done this too, where if you have unlimited email addresses you use, like let's say you have your own site. Like for example, I have ToddWithTellus.com. So any like I actually don't have it configured this way right now, so don't try it. But if I wanted to, I could configure toddwithtellus.com where any email address at toddwithtellus.com would all forward to my main email. Okay. So what I could do if I wanted to is everything where I sign up, I could make it a specific name to where if I get spam, I know who to trace it back to. So for example, if I were to sign up for American Airlines Frequent Flyer Club, 
I could be American Air at ToddWoodTellus.com. And then if I get spam addressed to American Air at ToddWoodTellus.com, then I would know who it came from. I would know who sold my email. So Belly Buster does this. So he made an email address on Donkdown of Donkdown at something.com, some domain he controls. And he was very unhappy to see that recently he started receiving spam addressed to Donkdown at whatever.com. And it was from an affiliate company called Poker Affiliate Solutions. And they were just spamming him with, uh, you know, poker room promotions. And he said, what an asshole. I, I can't believe that Micon did this. He actually sold the email list to some scummy affiliate company. And there's just nothing this guy won't do to profit off us. And, and other people were chiming in how angry they were. Now, I meant to actually clarify this, but I, I was reading this on a, on a cell phone uh, where somewhere that I, I couldn't really post somewhere I, I was like had a few minutes to read and then uh, didn't really have time to post. And it's kind of hard to post on a cell phone anyway. I, I meant to clarify this and I didn't. So I'll do it on this show. I recognize very much what that company is, Poker Affiliate Solutions, because that is the company that we used to do our rakeback deals on Donk Down. We did have, it wasn't promoted very heavily, but we did have a way to sign up for various sites like Carbon Poker and Bodog and some others. Mm-hmm. Paradise, and, yeah. And, Paradise and, and get rakeback. And uh, this was through a third party called Poker Affiliate Solutions. And the way... I can understand why Belly Buster, who, who's a bright guy, by the way, so I'm not blaming him. I totally look like this to him that Micon sold him out. But Poker Affiliate Solutions designs their site to where they integrate with yours and it appears to the user like these are your own rakeback deals. What we were really doing is we were an affiliate for an affiliate. When, when you clicked on Donk Down to sign up for some poker room, you were actually signing up through Poker Affiliate Solutions affiliate program through us to where we would get the vast majority of, of the rake back, but they would keep some of it as well. So we were an affiliate of an affiliate. I was not the one who set this up. It was actually set up by, uh, by Reggie man. this was his role with the site at the time. And I immediately recognized poker affiliate solutions. And I immediately, I knew what had to have happened. And that is belly buster must have signed up at some point on one of these sites through donk down. And I, I'm imagining he probably did so to be nice. And he's a very generous guy. He always donates to free rolls. He runs his own free rolls for like $100. He runs the No Fraud Online Poker Room on his computer. He leaves that, you know, he leaves that computer on 24-7, even though the, the room's really only used for the most part now during radio. A very nice and generous guy, Belly Buster. But I have to imagine maybe back there on Doc Down, he, he wanted to sign up through us to make us a little bit of money for some, some site he wanted to play on. So they must have saved all the email addresses from there, which, you know, you are giving it to them through us. So it's not even wrong that they're saving it. It is kind of wrong that then they're spamming the people who signed up this way, but that's what they did. So they, they didn't sell the email addresses. They're just spamming him on their own. They, you know, they were the ones who handled our rate back and now they are directly advertising to him. So that's uh, kind of crappy that it happened, but, uh, it doesn't look like it was sold. And I, I had, of course, had no idea they were doing this. I'm on a, I'm, this wasn't even my role. This was, uh, Reggie Man, who set this whole thing up, and that's what happened. Micon did not sell this to them, so I, I can t- say that with certainty. So he's innocent with that one. I know I, I could say nothing and let everyone be pissed, 
and, and pile out on him and say, what an asshole. There's nothing this guy won't do to us. But I, I, I just got to be honest. You know, I, I was honest about the bad things he's done. I was honest about the dumb things he's done. I'll be honest about something he didn't do that people are falsely believing he did because from appearances, it looks like he did, but he didn't. So he didn't sell these emails. This was Poker Affiliate Solutions just taking it. And a, a little side story about Poker Affiliate Solutions. So I, I mentioned before I played a lot on Bodog in 2010. I split from Donk Down in 2011, the middle of the year. Well, by then, I had actually stopped playing on Bodog as actively, though I was still playing lightly. Occasionally, I was playing. I, f- I forgot the reasons why. I'm not sure if they introduced the anonymous tables by then or if the games just weren't as good, but whatever it was, I, I went from like living on there in 2010 to not playing all that much in 2011. I think the games may have gotten worse because after Black Friday, like a lot of the good players came over there. Whatever it was. I decided to return there briefly in like 2012. And I actually went back to my original account on Bodog that had no rakeback. Which is the same account I'm using now on Bovada, by the way. Which is just as well because it turned out they, they killed all the rakeback. Nobody gets rakeback anymore except for a very small group of people who arranged it in some shady way, but uh, I did not want to use the account I set up through Donk Down because I didn't want... Oh, you'd be funding the I didn't want. I didn't want my account to make money. Even though I would be getting rake back from it, I didn't want that because I didn't want my account getting rake back from my play. I actually took less money, basically gave up the rake back I was getting so he wouldn't get rake back off my rake back. That's a, so I, I just didn't feel... I didn't want him to have it. I, I didn't feel he deserved it. I didn't want him to have it. I didn't want to make a penny for him. And I was willing to give up money of my own so he doesn't get it. I actually did that. <laughs> so I actually went back to a non-rakeback account. And I felt a little bit better when they eliminated almost everyone's rakeback deal. So there was a, a kind of like shady way people figured out how to still get rakeback there by kind of like being your own affiliate and not and not letting them realize you're being your own affiliate. But uh, So there were a few people that were still getting some rakeback there, but for the most part, nobody gets rakeback there anymore. So that was a little side note about Poker Affiliate Solutions. I see. So uh, let's talk about Vinny Favorito a little bit and the interview that we're not going to have. <laughs> Someone, uh, God, look at this chat room here. We, you really should have segued into the other uh, Rake Back story. But... Oh, okay, let's do that. You're, this is why I keep you, you know around. I mean? This is why I keep you around. You're right, we should. <laughs> we should segue into the other Rake Back story. Uh, by the way, Tide, and, and cover your ears if you don't want to hear something dirty. So cover your ears, turn down the radio if you don't want to hear something that will disturb people in mixed company. This is what Marty is saying after getting off the phone with us. Not right after, but he just said it a few minutes ago. I've jerked off three times today, wondering if my dick can handle one more. <laughs> I have no idea why he said this in chat. He's letting everybody know in chat, Marty, the one who just called in here, that, that he jerked off three times today. and He's considering a fourth. Well, that's the kind of thing you just can't keep to yourself. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done it four times in one day. I don't think ever. Even when I was what? younger. I don't think I don't think of four times. I don't think I have. Oh, you're so repressed, Todd. No, I, I've had sex more than four times in one day. I've never, I don't think I've oh, jerked I off four times in one day. Oh, it's okay, it's different. Okay. You know, it's, if you're with a real woman, it's different. But if you're by yourself, I I, it's not as yeah, exciting, good you know? Good point. It's, it's, uh, it's more out of necessity. So... You know, Ken Scaler, Ken Scaler, he used to be crazy with doing this, and uh, 
He yeah. used to tell everyone. He once bragged that he did it, would you believe, 11 times in one day? And he was serious. Were these, he was, he, were these all in the Starbucks? Or? <laughs> no. These are actually in his uh, dorm in Cal State Long Beach, but he really did. He did 11 times in one day. I believe him. And he was uh, he was giving me updates. Like I, I was calling him, not about that. And he'd say, oh, I just want to let you know uh, two more were done. We're up to seven now. And uh, oh boy, I, I let him tell me because I I just found it like it's just so entertaining that he's telling me this and uh, and uh, eventually he, he announced that it was eleven times were done. I, I was not on the phone for any of them, by the way. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, one of my goals being the permanent guest co-host on the show is to speak with uh, Ken and and Stephanie. Hopefully, oh, that's right. Maybe he'll call. Uh, well, you know, when you he know, calls one of these times, just, when he calls one of these times, I'll put him on. He just you know he. he you can't call him. Oh, 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 there's actually development. Uh, he might get a roommate soon that might be putting in a phone. Or maybe I can call him. That'll be great. Wow. Like there, there were some things about this roommate. I was like, ah, I don't know. Like the guy, you know, the guy was balking about how much utilities he had to pay, and like, a, and he's like, oh, the guy's saying he might uh, bring a computer and a phone and install a phone in his name and let me use both of them. I'm like, okay, let this guy come in, bring him. <laughs> but then Stephanie won't be there. Stephanie won't be. Stephanie's been out of his life for a long time. Actually, she, he he finally really? got tired of her. Like he he just oh. yeah. I was surprised. He he doesn't usually do this, but he he he's been away from Stephanie for many months now. I seriously thought one day you would announce on the show that they got hitched. Yeah, well, I, I think she would have done it. I mean, she was like in love with him. He had some kind of weird sort of like codependent thing with her too, but definitely the, the greater obsession was on her end. And, and like when she couldn't find him, she would call me and call everyone else that knew him and say, have you heard from him? Have you heard from him? If he calls, make sure to have him call me. Like she, I got so many calls like this. I started just ignoring them when I saw it was her calling, but then like, I didn't want to always ignore them because a lot of times he'd be with her and then it'd be entertaining to hear those two together. So then I'd enter, I'd answer and just be her. I'm like, Oh crap. And then I'd have to try to get off the phone. So, Let's see here. Let's go to uh, <laughs> Marty is posting in the chat some kind of porn thing from X Hamster. That's great. He's he's really in a mood. I I hope it wasn't from talking to us. Oh no. I hope he wasn't doing oh, that while he's talking. Maybe that's why he was in a good mood. All right. So Vinny Favorito, he's probably not in a good mood. He has been fired from. What was a good gig? He was at the Flamingo in Las Vegas. Uh, he's kind of a dirty style comic, and he's from the Boston area. This is this is from uh, Shiz Money, who listens to the show. He said Favorito is from the Boston area. He'd often be the donator at uh, comedian poker games at Foxwoods, and uh, he owed people a good amount of money. Uh, and uh, and then after having a lot of debt to people he owed in uh, the Boston area and in New York. He ditched all that and came to Vegas. And then he kept getting loans from people in Vegas and and uh, incurring debt over there. So uh, this became a disaster. Uh, he was actually part of the Poker Bustouts documentary in 2005. So this is someone who's had a long-standing gambling problem in poker specifically. This is the one that had Cowboy and uh, Rocky Romano. and uh, uh, So Vinny was one of the people in Poker Bustouts. 
So he's had a long-standing gambling problem. This is a 10-year-old documentary. Hmm. I never knew that was him. Yeah. So he, uh, they closed his show at the Flamingo. They, they must have gotten a lot of complaints. Hey, you, you, you have a comedian here. That's constantly borrowing money from people and stiffing them. You, you can't keep employing this guy. It's a bad reflection on you. This is from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. It's actually a, a story on April 7th. So it's an old, a little bit of an older story. But uh, we were going to have someone on tonight that was going to tell us about Vinnie owing him, which hopefully we'll have this guy next week. Comedian Vinnie Favorito's long-running show at the Flamingo came to an end last weekend following an employee's complaint related to a history of litigation involving personal loans. The insult comedian who worked off the cuff personalizing each show with an audience interaction had headlined at Bugsy's Cabaret at the Flamingo since August 2008. He's been there a long time. And before that at the adjacent O'Shea's since late 2005. Caesars Entertainment confirmed Favorito's show closed Saturday. This was the beginning of April, but had no comment on the reason. We've enjoyed having Vinny entertain audiences at the Flamingo for the last 10 years, and we wish him the best of luck on future endeavors, said Caesars in his statement. And then what Favorito said by email, Caesars and I both agreed it was better to move on, and I think they understand financial problems do occur. <laughs> yeah. That's not exactly financial problems. That's not really what that is. Uh, we all go through things, Favorito said in lightly punctuated email exchange. I didn't do drugs. I didn't kill anyone. I had financial, I had financial issues. And once the IRS puts a hold on you, it's hard to take care of other things. Didn't Jamie Gold make up the same excuse? But the IRS, pretty much. Yeah. Favorito was not a direct employee of the Flamingo, but like many performers on Caesar's properties, performed as a tenant through an outside producer. I didn't even know that. Favorito's producer, Bill Volkner, said Tuesday that the show closed because he received a letter from Caesars giving two weeks' notice. He had no plans to move the show and declined further comment. I'm no longer involved with Vinny, he said. So I guess this producer said, I'm out of here too. A Flamingo employee confirmed Tuesday that she had complained to Hotel's Human Resources Department within the past month. In 2013, Laura Lee Main Ford received a judgment from Henderson Justice Court confirming Favorito owed her $7,500. Favorito said by email he's repaid $1,000 of that and told her, quote, I had to fix IRS first, and she chose to put it out there. Maine Ford confirmed that he had repaid $1,000, but she said she, he took her complaint to the hotel's human resources department because she learned Favorito was asking other employees for money. This kind of reminds me of JSIP, like he makes some payments and then, uh, you know, might or might not stop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have to imagine that's what was happening. He was making payments and then just uh, stopped and then it was asking other employees for money. I wish I would have done it a long time ago. It's really sad what he's done to people, Maine Ford said. At this point, I'm not the bad guy. He owes a lot of people money. I think if he was making regular payments to her, I don't think she would have given a crap that he was asking other people for money. I, I think she would have been thrilled, this Maine Ford girl. I think if uh, he said, hey, hey, here, here's your, here's your 7500 bucks. I just borrowed it from that guy over there. Like I think she was like, "Oh, sweet, thank you." Yeah, probably why not? Yeah, like, I don't think I don't think she had this like guilty conscience that he's borrowing from others. I I think that he paid her a few things, and he said he's broke, can't pay anymore. Stall, 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 and then she finds out he's borrowing from others to still gamble, and she gets pissed. So I have to think that's probably the way it went down. Uh, asked if a gambling addiction contributed to fin- his financial woes, Favorito responded by email. 
It's Vegas. Most people gamble here. Yes, I've gambled since I've been a kid, but my mistakes came when I tried to look for shortcuts to the IRS. It's always IRS. Bottom line is I have a family that I love and decided to get my life on track legally, and that's what I'm going to do. But the one thing I do know is whatever property I reopen my show on is going to do very well, he added, of having met with four properties reopening a show. About reopening a show. I guess he's hoping some other properties don't have as uh, high of behavioral standards as, uh, as Caesars does. Maybe properties that don't really care if they're uh, seen as uh, employing a scumbag. Well, he's probably right on that one. Yeah, he probably is. Personally, Personal injury attorney Edward Bernstein is among those who have gone to court for unpaid loans. <laughs> Bernstein loaned Favorito $15,000 in 2012 with an agreement that Favorito would pay it back in two months plus another 10000 from the comedian's merchandise sales. How'd this guy become an attorney if he fell for that one? Uh, Bernstein said Tuesday that Favorito said he was using the loan to buy equipment to generate on-the-spot CDs of his shows. How expensive could that be? On-the-spot CDs of his shows. <laughs> okay. But couldn't you do that he's with like, burning, a laptop? He's burning them <laughs> like as the show's going on? I, I don't understand. Couldn't you just like buy a cheap laptop and do that? Uh, and, uh, what does it say here? Uh... Bernstein said that he has been paid back some of the money each month through garnishments. So he's actually garnishing his wages. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get paid back now, Bernstein said Tuesday after being told the show had closed. Court records show the late Karen Petrella sued Favorito in 2013, claiming he owed her more than $60,000 she loaned him between 2009 and 2012. Petrella, also known as her, by her married name of Karen Rigetti, died in June of at age 81, her attorney's office confirmed. That's pretty scummy. Like, before you get to that part, you think that maybe this is just some woman he was dating and uh, you know she was known by her married name. Maybe she was cheating with it. No, this is like some old lady he's taking advantage of. Yeah, there was posted on another site. I mean, it's just hearsay, but uh, that he scammed an 80-year-old couple out of doing some adoption scam or something. Uh, yeah, you can Google it. But. Michael Tague, a neighbor of Favorito, said he still owed 60000 Another 60000 here. After loaning the comedian 109000 since 2006. Wow. Tag said Wednesday that for 18 months he was receiving 1000 a month from Volkner before Volkner ended the payments without explanation. That's interesting. So his, his producer was like kicking out payments to people to keep everything huh. on the download. Quiet, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Tag said he believes 20000 of the money he loaned Favorito was used to pay down the loan from Petrella. Rob, literally robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, Richard E. Durrell... Also won a G-Fall judgment against Favorito in district court last year for three personal loans. How sick of they must be at, of, of him in the Vegas courts there. Like, <laughs> ah, here's Vinny again, another loan. <laughs> Adding up to $15,000 plus an agreed additional amount, interest and attorney's fees totaling 20783 Another court document from June 2014 stated Durrell had recovered $176 from CD sales. Yeah, great. Uh, Andy Walmsley, a production designer whose credits include American Idol and America's Got Talent, said he loaned Favorito $5,000 but was able to get repaid by Volkner after threatening to put up a billboard about the problem. That's what I would have done. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah, like that's that's how you get it done. That's that's why Chino Ream paid me $5,000 that he borrowed from me, like, or $8,000. Like, that's why they, they paid me first because they know I'm going to put up that billboard. I, I don't even have to threaten it. They're like, oh, crap, Druff, Druff's not going to let this go. He's going to be like on my ass forever. He's going to let everyone know we've got to pay him first. Like That's the way they think. Well, it's the point of PFA, right? It's a yeah. virtual billboard. 
As as far as debt goes, one way or the other, it, it can and will be fixed, Favorito said by email. He must have had Eric Lindgren write, goes write this for him. Uh, Peter, People can be bitter, and I totally understand, but this is why I'm starting with a clean slate. The best thing is my fans, they are reaching out to me every day, and I love them for that. I've already been in meetings, and by May I will reopen on another property and won't look back because my following is so loyal. So it is May, and he's not opening anywhere yet, but... Uh, Ah, I guess Caesars uh, realized that they they had a problem on their hands. Also, it's weird. He says he's. That's why I'm starting with a clean slate. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, a clean slate of new employees to scam who may not have read the story. Yeah. A new property where hopefully nobody reads the story. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, so uh, I mean, I guess a lot of this is in poker. I wonder I, how come I wasn't in those games. I want to know. Where, I want to know where he plays. Get some of this money. Jeez. Maybe it's the Flamingo. Yeah. <laughs> he's losing he's losing to the two four at all the local seniors. Yeah. This this is uh so this is obviously a serial uh gambling addict with uh, who takes out loans from anyone he can find with BS stories to get the money to uh keep in action and no matter what he says, these people never change. It's uh it's very hard for someone who's this deep into the gambling addiction and the Deceptive behavior that goes along with it to change. I find the ones that can change are ones who don't hurt others except maybe their own family and, and just hurt themselves and then just one day say, okay, I've lost enough. I can't take it anymore. Right. But the, of their own money, you mean? Yeah. Not yeah. someone else. Yeah. Money. But yeah. not when they're, they're, they're deceiving people to borrow, especially just deceiving strangers all over the place. It's not like saying to your mom, hey, can I have a loan? And, uh, she loans it and it turns out you because you went busto gambling and she doesn't realize why she's giving you the money like that. That people can change, but uh, it, when you're scamming strangers or peers or or fellow employees, that's I think that p- type of person has a degree of selfishness to them that uh, it's hard for them to change or even want to change. Probably also if if you're scamming strangers, you have an infinite pool of people, right? So yeah. It's not like family where eventually mom's going to say, well, yeah, I've given you enough money, yeah. you degenerate. Yeah, it's true. Like once, always once you're, another stranger. Yeah, once you're willing to go to the scamming route, then you're like, oh, wow, I have a, I have a, a very large pool to do this from. This is never going to end. I just got to keep yeah. moving around. That's a, I mean, that's what PSU Mike realized about going to airports. There's so many airports. You can mm-hmm. go all over the place and keep scamming people. So he's gone from the Flamingo. I, I, I've seen advertisements for him. Uh, yeah, properties. I have not heavily, but yeah, not really heavily. But I've seen like I, I, I was aware that he was performing at a Caesar's property. I didn't remember which one when I when I heard his name, but I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that guy advertised through Caesar's because I, I'm always seeing like little ads for stuff going on in various Caesar's properties when I stay at Caesar's property. So, right, I'm like, oh, I recognize that name, and I, I didn't know that much about him. I, I don't see that many shows in Vegas except for the major ones. Mm-hmm. So the smaller acts I, I really don't go to. Even though I, there's a lot of them I can even go. To. I you know what I I may have been able to go to this one for free too, back when it existed, being a seven stars. But I never did. I, I just haven't had the interest. Well, you'll have to pay for it now when it's at the Plaza Downtown or it is. <laughs> yeah. You know the Plaza Downtown was was uh, Biff from Back to the Future's hotel. Yes, in, in, in uh, Back to the Future too. Mm-hmm. They've also employed another comedian with some <laughs> gaming issues. 
there's been some stories about Louis Anderson working there. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he got he got scammed by Peter Falcone, by Peter that's DC. That's correct. Yeah. So. He apparently owed the plaza a couple of bucks. But. <laughs> All right. So next week we'll have this guy on who got scammed by him, hopefully, because the attorney will let him, and he can tell us what happened. I'm interested to hear the story firsthand. Yeah. So we, I always like hearing the, the human side to these stories, and, and really, it's one thing for me to talk about them and read news articles, but it's another thing to hear from the people who actually were victimized in their own words. So we'll speak to that person next week, hopefully. Uh, wait a minute, didn't I? I was going to go to the affiliate thing. <laughs> you were. Oops, you, you could have stopped me. You could have said, ah, 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 I was I'm, like, oh, yeah, I got to correct them twice. I, I'm the permanent guest host here. I'm going to put a stop to this one. And I say, okay, Dad, sorry. All right, so Amaya, owner of Poker Stars, ha- has done something to anger some affiliates and uh, in turn anger anger some people who just are watching and say, you know, this Amaya, they're very uh, – they're really just – they don't care about poker players. They don't care about uh, – Anyone but making money. That's just a, Amaya is so narrowly focused on what they can do to make maximum pro- profits. They don't give a crap about anyone else. So this uh, this is what happened. And by the way, in case you're thinking this is another Poker Stars bash session, I'm going to defend them here. It's a little preview. So here's what came to an affiliate. Dear whoever, as we look towards the future, this is from PokerStars. PokerStars wants to significantly grow the game of poker by introducing the game to new audiences and continue to acquire recreational players. Consequently, we are announcing plans to rebalance the PokerStars affiliate payment program. Now, again, this is a program where you run a website, if you're an affiliate, and direct people to PokerStars with your little code, and then you get a, a, you know, some kind of compensation piece of the rake back or whatever. Or never the rake back. You get a piece of the rake, whatever. Right. The, Our, the person who signs up gets the rake back or whatever incentive. Yeah. Yeah. Our existing agreement with you requires us to give 14 days notice of changes. But in this instance, we will give 30 days notice. So these changes will take place on June 1st, 2015. From June 1st, PokerStars will pay revenue shares to affiliates for only the first two years of activity on a player's account. This will affect all referrals by affiliates, including retrospectively affecting those players referred prior to June 1st, 2015. We believe this change will ensure that PokerStars affiliate program rewards affiliates who join PokerStars in introducing the game to new audiences rather than the current program, which disproportionately pays affiliates for rake generated by existing players. Over the last few years, the global poker online industry has changed significantly, and we must change with it. Unfortunately, the realities of today's marketplace means that fewer and fewer new player acquisitions are coming through affiliate marketing. As a result, we must rebalance the incentives to benefit affiliates who maintain and grow new player acquisition. We recognize that this will have a significant impact on some affiliates. Consequently, PokerStars is launching a series of new and exciting efforts to drive significant growth to the poker economy. Nice people. Uh, we, how's this helping the Six. affiliates? It's helping themselves. Yeah, I don't get that. We, we, we realize this is going to hurt you, but don't worry. We're going to get more players for ourselves. We're, we're going to grow our site. saying because they're going to bring in so many more that you're not going to miss these that you're not getting. <laughs> I guess that's the logic. Yeah, it's a stretch. Uh, we believe that these efforts provide a great business opportunity for affiliates who choose to join us in growing the, in growing the poker world. 
We have three primary plans for growing poker. One, entering new markets. Two, creating customer demand and excitement through innovative marketing and promotions that can reach mainstream audiences. I thought they are already doing that. And three, continue to innovate with new and exciting forms of poker that will appeal to wider demographics. This means poker stars will invest more in terms of both staff time and direct expenditure in marketing the game of poker to new audiences. Affiliates have the opportunity to support these marketing efforts and benefit from poker stars' new investments in growing poker. So what does this mean? They're saying a few things. First of all, you guys are leeches, and we're cutting down the lifetime gravy train you have with some grinders that signed up for you, through you. So, so, so here's, here's what's going on. T- to explain what's going on today with this, I have to explain what went on a long time ago. In the early days of online poker, the first site to really go after the whole affiliate thing was Party Poker. Party Poker, this is before they were huge, in 2001, decided to go the affiliate route to drum up new business because they they did not have a large advertising budget or marketing budget. They, they didn't have this. So this is before the poker room. This is before 2003, obviously. There's no Chris Moneymaker yet. I mean, he existed, but nobody knew who he was. He didn't win anything yet. Right. No WBT whole card cam. Poker was not thriving. These sites were having trouble attracting new customers. They didn't have the budget to put into advertising it. So they said, hey, here's a great idea. Why don't we get people on the web to advertise for us, to spend their own money advertising our site, and then just give them a piece of what we make for the players that sign up? They did, and this was a very good idea. Party Poker grew very, very quickly thanks to this idea. And uh, the affiliates were making bank because the affiliates were getting like 30% or more of the rake payments, uh, of the rake that was collected. And they were not giving this back to the players. So imagine you're getting like like 30 or more percent of gross rake collected. Whew, I mean, you be, it was. I can't huge. imagine how much money they were yeah. getting. So, so boy, am I sorry I didn't get involved in that back then. But anyway, they. What happened, though, of course, was uh, word got around quickly about how uh, you could make all this money. So, so many affiliates popped up, all trying to get people over to party poker. And how do you choose one affiliate over another if you're a player? Well, search engines, yes, but uh, beyond that, how do you make yourself more appealing to the player? Well, someone came up with a smart idea of, hey, we're getting so much money from party. Why don't we give some of it back to the player? And promote that. Hey, sign up with us and we'll actually give you a piece of your rake back. And that's what it was. Rake back. That's when the first rake back came to exist. And as the competition continued, rake back started to become larger and larger. Where a small percentage only remained for these affiliates compared to what they had before. Yeah, I think near the end they were giving like 27% back out of the 30. Yeah. So they're keeping like, you know, 3%. Yeah, 3% or, or 10% of totally what they're being paid. So, so But they had to because they had to do that to compete with the other affiliates. And this all happened pretty early, the, the, you know, this, the way this changed. So uh, the way that these affiliates were paid was uh, one of two ways. It was either what was known as CPA – which were one-time payments uh, for depositing players. So you get, if someone clicks on the banner, signs up, deposits, you get a one-time payment. It doesn't matter if they 
chunk it off immediately, never come back, or if they play for 10 years, you still get the same one-time payment, that's it. And then the other ones, the more lucrative ones, were revenue share, where you get a piece of the referred customer's rake for life. So once they're tagged to you, you get that rake back forever from them. You, you know, They get their piece, and then you get your piece. So here we are today in 2015, and that model is not only antiquated, it was antiquated 10 years ago. It has been antiquated for a very, very long time. Why? What's the problem with this? Well, back when poker was not very popular and was not on TV, and when there wasn't the mainstream exposure of it, these sites were small. They had to have these affiliates to advertise for them. They really had no way to advertise to a mass audience themselves. They didn't have the money for it. By 2005, they definitely had the money for it. There were very large sites by 2005, including poker stars. So they did have the money to advertise themselves and to make players aware that they existed. They didn't need these affiliates so much anymore. And what happened, as Amaya alluded to in this letter, that most of the people signing up on these affiliate sites were not so much the recreational players, but it was grinders or people who were already signing up who realized they needed some kind of promotional code to maybe get something extra. So you're going through PokerStars as a new player, and I don't care if you're a recreational player, a grinder, whatever. You're just about to finish your new user application, and it says, if you have a bonus code, enter it here. A bonus code? You don't know about a bonus code. You just went to PokerStars.com. You don't know about a bonus code, but wouldn't you want a bonus code? Doesn't that sound like a good thing? Yeah, of course you want a bonus code. So what do you do if you want a bonus code? You go to Google, you enter PokerStars bonus code or PokerStars marketing code, which it became known as. And then what comes up is a big list of affiliates who used search engine optimization to put themselves in the top of the list for PokerStars marketing code or PokerStars bonus code. And they tell you what code to enter. And now you enter their code, you're tagged to them, they get the lifetime rake back from you. But what has this affiliate done for PokerStars? Absolutely nothing. They've done nothing because you found PokerStars on your own. You saw an ad with Chris Moneymaker or Daniel Negreanu and you signed up. Oh, cool, I want to play here. Then you see bonus code, you're like, well, crap, I want a bonus code. You Google one, you get it, and the one you enter is tagged to an affiliate who's now going to make money off you for doing nothing. And that's what a lot of them were doing. And the other fact is, if you did stick around for a long time, they would get a ton of money when they really only did one thing. It's not like they're continuing to refer you to poker stars. They, they did one thing one time and probably didn't even refer you there. They probably just got, you know, got the bonus code in your hands. And right. now they get paid I mean, for life. And you even said in that scenario, oh, they stop at the bonus code and they Google it. Let's be honest. I mean, how many of us already had an account, then found out later a rake back was available and just made a second one? Yeah, second one, your, your dad's name or your brother's name or your wife's right, name. Whatever. Or, so yeah. then, I mean, it's like those were already existing players. Yeah, yeah. So Existing accounts. So so Amaya realized something. They, they, they've known this for a while. Amaya, what they've done since they bought PokerStars, they have a fresh set of eyes. Let me compare this to when you're playing poker. And you're doing really well. And every time you sit down, you just own everyone. 
You just keep winning and winning and winning. It seems like you're never going to lose again. We've all had these streaks where we just keep winning. Mm-hmm. Do you ever stop in your 12th consecutive winning session and say, hmm, I wonder if I have leaks in my game. I, I, I wonder if uh, I'm not playing right. I wonder if I should be doing better. <laughs> no, that's what you do when you're losing. Right. You never do that when you're winning. Never. You, you always, you're convinced that you, you've just uh, broken through. You've just gotten a lot better. You've just, uh, you pat yourself on the back. You never stop and think, I might be doing something wrong. In fact, if you even start to think that, you go, wait a minute. I don't want to change anything. If this is working, why would I want to change anything? I'm, I must be doing everything right for these games. That's, that's always what comes to everyone's mind. So same with Poker Stars. Poker Stars was the most successful. They had a lot of great ideas. They were very smart with business in most areas. They outdid all the other sites in every way. With them making so much money, more than a billion dollars, they did not ever stop and say, hey, what are we doing wrong? What could we be doing better? They, they didn't do it because they were convinced they're doing everything right. Well, that and the other thing was basically one guy owned it. Yeah. So he's saying to himself probably, well, I have all this money. Everything's going fine. Why would I change it? And also, you know, he doesn't have the responsibility of, well, the stock has to always go up. When you run a corporation, you're beholden to your stockholders, yeah. and basically the stock's got to go up. So it's people's job to say, well, how are we going to get this stock up? Okay, how are we going to make more money? Whereas if one guy owns it, he's like, yeah, I got enough money. It's all right. Yeah, and and like any large company, Poker Stars, they they got some fat. They got some fat that they needed to shed. And uh, Esai Scheinberg was not really interested in looking to shed the fat, but uh, Amaya... They were fresh set of eyes. They they have their own ideas of what they think should be done and shouldn't be done. And they decided that they will look at all the expenditures and see where to cut. So they, they go through everything. They go through all the books and see where the money's going. And they determine, is this something we want to keep that's important or is this something we should get rid of? So they go through their ledger. Go, okay, let's see. Uh, laser expenditures. No, we'll keep that. That's, uh, that's very valuable. <laughs> so they, they kept the lasers. And they kept Lee Jones, but uh, but they realized that they had some leeches on their hands. They had kind of an entourage that they didn't really want to keep anymore. This included a very, very large roster of pros that they felt were being paid more than what business they were driving over to the site. And they also realized that they had these affiliates that were receiving very large payments, some for players referred many years ago some of whom maybe even weren't even re- really referred. Maybe they just entered a bonus code. And they're like, if I referred someone in 2007, or if, the, you know, if this person referred a grinder to us in 2007, why are we paying them in 2015 for that same person's action? Hey, haven't they received enough for providing the link to our site? Is, is it reasonable to think that had they not referred that person, that that person wouldn't have found Poker Stars between 2007 and now? So... Here's the truth. Poker Stars is the largest online poker room in the world and has been for like 10 years or more. Anyone who wants to play online poker will find Poker Stars. You don't need affiliates for that. Uh, if you Google play online poker, if somehow Poker Stars' existence has escaped you, if you Google play online poker, the first four results are Full Tilt, which is owned by Poker Stars. Some play money site, which doesn't have anything to do with this, Bovada and Poker Stars. So, so basically, aside from Bovada, uh, the other two real money sites that come up in the first four results are theirs. So they don't need affiliates. They, 
Everyone yeah. knows they exist. Everyone can find them if they don't know they exist. And yes, these marketing codes still exist. I posted on Poker Fraud Alert in the Poker Community Discussion section in a Shiz Money's thread an example of one of these. So they realized that these affiliates need to either get off their asses and really do their job of bringing new people in or and otherwise they don't deserve anything. In fact, Amaya was too generous in allowing them two years. Honestly, it should just be a flat payment and that's it, in my opinion. If I were Amaya, I would say no more of these recurring rake payments or maybe recurring rake payments for a short time, three months or whatever, and after that you've gotten enough because you haven't done that much. Uh, it's kind of similar to when I went to go work at the the last job I had from from ninety eight to o three. A headhunter referred me to that job, and the headhunter obviously wasn't doing it out of the goodness of his heart, and I didn't pay him a dime. He got the money from my employer, who paid him. Uh, I, I believe they paid him initially for finding me. And then they paid him something after I lasted there for a year. I believe that's how the, what the deal was. I was told something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, had I stayed at the company until now, until 2015, uh, 17 years later, would they still be paying this headhunter for finding me 17 years ago? Of course not. No. That's absurd. And, and he shouldn't be paid. You, you, you're just not doing that much. There is no business that I know of that works that way. Yeah. In any kind of sales or referring people that you get a lifetime in perpetuity. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just – it doesn't work that way. So, so these affiliates got this expectation that just they're going to be on the Poker Stars gravy train. They're just going to get money for nothing basically. And Amaya is finally saying enough is enough. You guys are leeches. You're not doing anything for us. We don't need you to promote our brand anymore. So you can really do some work alongside of us here and bring some new people in and, and we'll still pay you something. But if, you, if you're just going to sign up grinders who want to enter a marketing code, uh, we're giving you two years on the max, and that's it. And that's still very generous, to be honest. I mean, the only kind of shitty thing is, you know, I guess they they presented this offer. Yes. You know, they said to these people, well, we're going to give you lifetime, you know, juice on what they're making. <clears throat> you know, they didn't approach poker stars. They we're only going to give you these people if we get, you know, lifetime cut. So that's the only kind of shitty part is they're – kind of break in their own deal that they made but at the same time i mean it just seems so unreasonable it is it is unreasonable and like when i see these type of things happen you're right that you know if they agreed i can see the affiliates complaining hey a deal is a deal it may have been a bad deal for them but they agreed to it but times have changed here they're right and and for them to be a profitable business they they can't just stick to these these dumb agreements they uh, otherwise you know you can say Oh, you're held to this crappy agreement. Well, then one day they could disappear. One day they can, you know, you can't just force them to be stuck on this if, if you realistically want to make money. When I, when I gauge these things, whether they're fair or not, I say, has the ones claiming to be the victim, have, have they done very well here? Have they received compensation in what's an industry standard fashion? Or, or yes, they've, they've made so much money for doing very little. And, and, and not only that, the, the affiliates, they're, 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 Running so many tricks about SEO tricks and uh, every trick under the sun to get people signing up through them. Yeah. So, also, you know, selfishly as as someone who plays, I mean, anytime a business is basically going to start cutting out the middlemen, presumably that's going to trickle down to, you know, the end consumer. People are complaining about Poker Stars increasing the rake <clears throat> when they did that back when. Well, maybe that's because you know they have all these people on the books. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Like they they have to if they they're looking for expenses to cut, they've got to cut them from somewhere. And they say these affiliates have made so much money, and they're not even cutting them completely. They they could have just said, "F you, we're cutting them now. It's done." They're still getting for these existing players two more years after June first, even though guys have been there for ten years. So they're just saying, "Look, after that, it's going to be two years, starting from June first. So so know that you're still getting a lot of money. If you if you refer a grinder that runs a lot of rake there, you're going to get a lot of money for two years, and that's really, I think, still very generous. And uh, and I think Amaya is correct with what they're doing. And I think that uh, the affiliates have leached off them for too long. And as far as the pros they've been cutting from PokerStars, I think that's smart, too. If, they, if the pros that they had in their lineup were not doing enough for the brand to where it wasn't making enough money for the brand, for, for the company, then you shouldn't have them. They, otherwise, they're just dead weight. So... Well, the, the I mean, the market's changed so much. There's not these two... Titans fighting it out. Who's going to sign the most pros? Who's going to have the most players? Like the, you know, it's over. So, in what they need to do to retain players is nothing at this point. I mean, I hate to say it. For some reason, people just will not leave PokerStars. Well, they have so the be- they have I, the best think, software. They have the best support. There's a lot of what yeah, they're best at. So that's true. That's true. But I mean, even despite their little you know scandals and whatever. But, I mean, honestly, I, they could probably not have any pros, and I doubt it would change the bottom line that much. Yeah, it won't. It won't. I, I was saying I never understood the whole pro model. Like, what, Even when they were competing, who cared if, if, if Full Tilt had uh, 140 pros and Poker Stars had 80? Like, Nobody pays attention. Nobody cares if some, some minor pro there is on the roster. And, I, I mean, there's some very high-profile pros, like Daniel Negreanu, I, I can see maybe bringing them some value. Uh, maybe pros who are very, very popular in a country they're trying to appeal to that maybe you and I don't know very well but is known right. very well in, in France or Italy or Germany. And, and fine, I can see where they're uh, maybe of some value as well if people really will play there because that pro's associated. But beyond that, uh, you don't need to have this gigantic roster of World Series of Poker winners, blah, blah, blah. It's just a, at some point there's very, very diminishing returns. I mean, full tilt, you wonder why they're broke. You would look at their pros list and you'd be like, who's that? Who's that? And they're from like USA. And so you're like, what? Never heard of this guy. But you know what the funniest one was? This is someone who's part of the Neverwin poker community. I don't, how long have you been part of the whole thing? Uh, oh, boy. Probably t- 2009. Okay. 2008. So this is probably maybe a little before your time on that. But there's a guy yeah, named I wasn't G- on Neverwin. I was on Doctor. Okay. There's a guy named Gamble AB, Aaron Bartley. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, and uh, he actually got driven off the site. I think people were making, like, Geico Caveman sh- photoshops of him because he kind of did resemble the Geico Caveman. <laughs> but uh, and I never had a problem with Gamble AB. I, I met him a number of times, and he, he was always nice when I was there with him. So I, I, I don't want to be a jerk about him. But uh, of all the Full Tilt pros, I, I just couldn't figure out why he was ever signed. I mean, I was happy for him. He, was, he seemed to be a nice guy, and I was glad to see that he uh, – was getting full tilt to pay him, but uh, he didn't have any kind of significant tournament results. He was not a particularly successful online player. He was always broke. Uh, he didn't do anything bad. He wasn't a scammer or anything. He didn't take bad loans from people. But he, this is just a, a, a young guy, and it's not like he was like some really good-looking guy, like not like a Patrick Antonius type. This is just, yeah, as I was saying, they were making fun of him for looking like the Geico caveman. He, he, he was, uh, he was just a guy in his mid twenties. With a lot of facial hair, nothing really that memorable about him. 
not a lot of poker results in any way, shape, or form. And somehow he was a full tilt pro. And I, I never understood it. And so full tilt had a little blurb next to each person that they were that that they had as a pro. And they, they didn't even know what to put for him. <laughs> so they put like like <laughs> one of the best online players in the world. But nothing to back that up. Not like won this much money or they just one of the best online players in the world. I, I guess it's the only thing they could find to say about him. Huh. And it was I mean, I heard those deals were just breakback. Yeah, yeah. So he was, he so, was, yeah. I he had a bottom not. tier deal, yeah, like for just rake back. But uh, uh, one thing I did like was one time they like they made him and the other pros have like chat sessions while they play. Yes, I remember. and so he didn't take them seriously. He was like answer, answering all the questions sarcastically or, or jokingly. <laughs> and so I, I I got a good laugh out of that that he didn't uh, he didn't show up there thinking he was God's gift to poker. I think he was aware himself. That he deserved it, and and to Aaron Bartley's credit, at the uh, I think it was the two thousand seven oh six or oh seven World Series, uh, I'm standing there on the rail, watching some event. I don't know what it was, but uh, Aaron Bartley was standing next to me, and JD knew it, who worked for Full Tilt, the one who became later infamous for accidentally sending Howard's. Gobble Boy's oh, a freaking the, weird yeah, dude freak, message. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that he accidentally sent that to Gobble Boy to see Howard calling him a freaking weird dude, uh, which which ultimately led to JD Newitt's firing. And, and JD Newitt, by the way, was he was called in by the feds in late 2010 about full tilt. That was kind of like a preview of what was, was to come. But anyway, JD Newitt was standing there, and next to me and Aaron Bartley, and and Aaron Bartley was. Saying, hey, you know, you should sign Dandruff here. You should really grab to get Dandruff as a pro. Like, he was pushing for me to be a pro there. And I, I kind of just sat there and let him say it. I didn't want to, like, toot my own horn or anything. And I, J.D. knew it didn't seem like he was warm to the idea. He just kind of like, oh, okay, okay, sure. Like, like he's just kind of, like, trying to end the conversation. So if, since he wasn't showing that much interest, I didn't want to continue with it. But, uh, you know, I appreciated Aaron Bartley trying to push that. I would, would have definitely taken it if they gave it to me. But... uh yeah, they had a roster of pros that was just unbelievable. People who... Well, that just goes to show, like, I mean, you know, <laughs> you must have more name recognition than, you know, these than uh, these eight hundred pros that I've never heard of. So. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that when I read it. I'm like, you know, I, I may not be the biggest name in poker, but compared to some of these people, I think I am. <laughs> so right, yeah, because uh, yeah, I remember reading the list once, and I was like. Okay, Lester Johnson. No, I don't. It's like, where do they even find these guys? I started to think maybe it was just who you know. I was thinking, you know, maybe these guys just knew people in full tilt and got them. Ah, we'll give you forty percent rake back or whatever. Slap your name on there because that's part of the thing they bragged about is, oh, we have eight hundred pros or whatever they had. Is the chat room frozen for you? Nope. Uh, that's on my end. Weird. Yeah, bad guys talking about uh, the NBA and uh, yeah. I saw something. It froze on my end, and I saw them talking about like Van Nuys and Studio City, and this is like bad guy and Lou Father. Now Lou Father's from Detroit, and and bad guy, you know, he's from the residential neighborhood in Pittsburgh. How, how do they know about, even about like Van Nuys and Studio City in in, in L.A.? Like where do they, they must just see these mentioned or something on TV. I don't know. I picture bad guys as like a type of guy that never leaves Pittsburgh. But yeah, it was so weird. He's talking, so weird. He's, yeah, he was talking about like that. That I was picked last for kickball at Van Nuys or something. 
<laughs> and uh, and I, then I had to tell bad guy. I had to break the news to him that uh, kickball was actually a sport I was I was very good at. I was one of the best uh, in school there when they would have kickball. I was really one of the people who would always uh, do very well at that. So, yeah, there's just some sports I was some some I was good at, some I wasn't. Uh, overall, I, I was probably like an average athlete in school if you average it all together, like. Was was I one of the really good athletic kids? Was I one of these people with like two left feet who couldn't do anything? I was I was in the middle. I was good at some things, not as good at others, but but never really like like really good or really bad for the most part. Yeah. So, well, did you go to school with a lot of other uh, Jewish children? No, there were very few Jews actually. Oh. It, it was now it was mostly white and Asian people. That, that's okay. cool. But uh, well, you got the Asians, so you know. Yeah, but even even look, even if you want to say that, even if you want to try to claim that Asians aren't good at sports, I, even no. even again, even among the white people, I was uh, I was average. So, yeah, I, I kind of fell in that medium level too. Never picked first, never picked last, kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, it, let's see where, where were we this uh, on the agenda. We're on to poker table ratings. Poker table ratings. Okay. Let's talk about poker table ratings. Well, I know I went on about them in uh, the opening. I hate duplicating this stuff, but I kind of overdid it in the opening. Yeah. But anyway, poker table ratings is a data mining site where they track every poker site they can and then compile stats on every player they see. And they, they have an automated system looking at this. They're not looking at you personally. And then people could look you up and see if you've been winning, if you've been losing. And in some ways it could be embarrassing. Like it, it's bad enough to be losing, but it kind of sucks when people can look at it and go, oh man, he's been on a 100K downer. Man, life must suck for him. Like, like, like when you're winning, it's nice that people can like just look and see you're kicking everyone's ass. Or if, if anyone questions you and says, hey, you suck. Like I, I, I would have that happen on, on, uh, on Bodog in 2010. Where I, I was, I was the biggest limit winner there in 2010, and uh, occasionally I have some other pro there get uppity with me when I put a bad beat on him, and he'd tell me I suck, and you know we'd get in this fight, and I'd say, oh, go, go ahead and enter my name into poker table ratings, and you'll see how much I suck, and then they'd enter it and see I won way more than they did, and they'd be embarrassed. So, so for that it was good, but when it wasn't good is when I was losing, and, and people would you know see you on a downer, and then sometimes even make fun of you about that. Oh, no wonder you've lost uh, you know 50k straight. So, right. so um, anyway, mainly what it was used for, though, was to look up fish. So you could see who was the winner and who was a loser. And if someone sat with you with an awful record in poker on that site, then you would make a lot of time out of your day to play with him. So th- this went on for a long time. And then Poker Stars was getting really, really frustrated by this for a few reasons. First of all, they they just didn't like the whole idea of this uh, allowing a look into who's won and who's lost. They felt this was company private. And, and they didn't like their players being embarrassed. Yeah, well, they didn't like kind of the opposite of what you're describing. Is people railing, being like, yeah, oh, ha, 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 I see you suck, you lost the, yeah. uh, this amount of money. Yeah, and, and, then, and then the other thing they didn't like was they felt that poker table ratings was a leech, that they were doing all the work, they were operating the site. They were incurring all the expense and all the risk. And poker table ratings is like, thank you. We're going to mine all your data and sell it. So, so they they were furious that that 
a company was profiting off their data, which I can understand. I can yeah, that's understand. a fair point. Yeah. yeah. So, so PokerStars was repeatedly telling them, stop this. And uh, Poker Table Ratings for a long time was giving them a big middle finger, saying, well, guess what? We can see it. You can't stop us from seeing it. So we're going to report it. F you. And this went back and forth. And I, I think Poker Table Ratings also wasn't that scared because PokerStars wasn't operating legally. And I, I don't even know where poker, t- poker Table Ratings was based. I think they may have been based in Europe, but whatever it was. Finally, in 2012, after receiving several cease and desist letters, Poker Table Ratings decided that they did not want to take on the titan that was Poker, ta- uh, poker Stars, and they decided to take Poker Stars' data off the site. So that happened for the last three years. Now, they started with, before they did that, I think they they went kind of a half measure and you had to opt in, right? Yes. Yes. There's some kind of opt in or opt out process. I forgot, I forgot if it was opt in or opt out, but something yes. like that. And then, Either uh, way, yeah. and then, uh, then they just, it was gone completely. So it stayed that way for a long time. But, uh, the weird thing came that apparently it's coming back and for no good reason. And what's even weirder is they're not just announcing it directly. They're not just saying, okay, hey, uh, here we are, Poker Table Ratings. We're offering PokerStars data again. Starting now, enjoy. Nope, that's not what they're doing. They decided to float a trial balloon on a weird site called United States of Poker. And uh, on this site, then, uh, then it was reposted through one of these little press release services. You know, have you ever seen like things like PRweb.com and this like you can have these little services that will make a fake press release for your company. And and this is a very common thing companies do. And and what is United States of Poker? A forum? I don't even know what site? it is. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, I've never heard of it. So. I don't either. It's, it's something very small. But the, uh, the, this was reposted by one of those press release services, a free one called EIN Presswire. So uh, this was already a little bit strange because the problem with using these PR sites is in the past this was used to help your SEO. But uh, but, but Google realized this and they they actually penalize you for using these sites now. And, and not only that, you look like you're uh, doing something shady if you're using one of these things. It just kind of looks bad for a, a serious company. So, like, why, why are they submitting this, of all things, a free press release service? And uh, it started to look like, from various elements uncovered by FleshDraw.net's Haley Hints, who was uh, investigating this, that poker table ratings was actually behind this whole thing. Of, of submitting the story about the thing with poker stars, that it wasn't just like some weird little site that was uh, claiming this is going to happen, that this was like a, a backdoor way of poker table ratings, putting out the story, but not through official channels so they can deny it later. It's kind of like floating a trial balloon and seeing what the reaction will be from the poker public. So this is what it said. This is what the article said. Online poker data mining website Poker Table Ratings is once again tracking player statistics from PokerStars. PTR, now 
now under new ownership, hasn't actively tracked player stats from PokerStars since April 2012. By popular demand, we are now actively tracking the statistics of players from the biggest online poker website in the world, commented a PTR spokesperson. PokerStars has the lion's share of active online poker players, so we're happy to be able to provide that service again for the poker community. So then it goes on to say, players who use PTR have access to a variety of tools such as player search, buddy list, and table finder. They may also incorporate their knowledge of key statistics provided by PTR, such as voluntary put money into pot and fold to three bet to exploit their opponent's tendencies and create an overall edge. Now, that, doesn't that sound like an ad? This doesn't sound Def- like a... Well, it is. Obviously, yeah, PTR I, wrote it. Yeah, this doesn't sound like something that just... Uh, like, if I were commenting... Okay, poker table ratings. Let's say I'm covering the story. It's just a neutral guy covering because it's interesting. Uh, I, I would mention briefly what poker table ratings is, and I would talk about the history with poker stars and that would pretty much be it i wouldn't say they have the features of player search and buddy list and table finder and and you can also find out how much people put money into the pot and fold the three bets you can exploit your opponent's tendencies if you use this like i i wouldn't be running an ad for them i, I would just mention the facts quickly and that would be that well so so this this goes on i'm not going to read the whole thing but uh, at the end, it says PTR offers a 20 search free trial and a variety of plans that, be- that begin at nine ninety nine a month and hand history packages beginning at less than ten dollars. <laughs> so, so obviously, this is uh, what's known as an advertorial. And Poker Table Ratings decided to put this out there through this weird small website and free press release site to see if people really are going to get excited about this or to see if there's going to be some kind of backlash and people won't want it. So I, I guess the presumption was if there was the backlash that they'd say, oh, this guy didn't know what he was talking about. He was just making it up or he, he got confused. Right. Just blame it on this quote-unquote third party. Yeah. So I guess they decided it was uh, successful enough because now they are actually offering it. If you go to pay poker table ratings and you go to buy poker hand histories, it says buy a batch of hand histories, then add it to your cart. The hands will be available for download a few minutes after completing the order. Step one, select your poker site. And it has the logo of the following sites. And when I say the logo, I really mean the, the actual logo of the site. Party Poker, 888, Cake Poker, iPoker, uh, on game network and merge network. However, there are two other you can select that do not have a logo. There's just FTP, which stands for Full Tilt Poker, just just in plain letters FTP, not a logo. And then a picture of a red spade with a black background. Hmm. Wonder what that would be. I don't know. Yeah. So these are not proprietary logos. These are things to that don't directly say Full Tilt or Poker Stars, but to anyone in the know would know exactly what these two are. But you can click on them and and buy them. And in fact, if you right-click on the one that looks like the Poker Stars logo, it says it, the, the name of the file is checkout underscore Poker Stars. <laughs> so... So, yeah, so obviously that's that's what they're so they're already doing it. They're selling it, and they've decided to do it now. Michael Josem, who appeared with me on sixty Minutes in two thousand eight, and uh, actually a nice guy, he works for Poker Stars. He's a uh, yeah, he's very dedicated to Poker Stars. I'll say that, and I, I don't always agree with him from that standpoint, but otherwise, I like Michael Josem. Uh, he 
issued a statement to FleshDraw.net regarding the situation. He says, PokerStar stands by the cease and desist letters that we have previously served on poker table ratings and plan to continue to protect our rights. So uh, they are really, uh, he's saying that they better watch out because he's going to come after them. So uh, PokerStar is saying, we're not messing around here. You better stop this crap. And I I don't know if they're going to really carry through with it, but Poker table ratings. Uh, by the way, poker table ratings. Some of you may remember that stocks trader cheating scandal, the the collusion scandal of, of 2010. Poker table ratings got so much mileage out of that. that for the longest time, they were bragging about that because they they did a piece on it and they they were instrumental in proving it. But they they kind of got involved late. They weren't the discoverers. They were just the uh, they got involved because their tools were used for it, so then they started using their own internal data to further analyze it. But boy, did okay. they take they took credit for this for the longest time, and they always threw this in your face if you had anything bad to say about them. You go, you know, poker table ratings, is this really ethical for you to be mining the data and embarrassing players like this and uh, giving certain players who know about your services a bigger ed- you know, an edge over the ones who don't? And they say, well, what about StockTrader? We, we caught StockTrader. What about that? If we don't have that, you can't cost the stock trade. Now, now, they have a point that they were very useful in checking on accounts that you may have been suspicious of cheating. And, and that uh, if you thought you were seeing someone just really put a beat down on the games you're in and thought, hey, I wonder if it's like another super user, you can look them up. And if you see on poker table ratings that the, usually they lose and just today they happen to be running super hot, then you feel better. Yeah. So so they, they, they were a useful... <sighs> thing, but uh, they, they got so much mileage out of the stock trader thing. Well, it, I see that they've kind of changed their business model, too, because, it, you, you know, I used to have an account there, and used to get, uh, I think it was 10 free searches every yes. day. And now, it's only 20 for new accounts. So I logged into my account last week, because I saw they were doing this, and I said, oh, I'll look a couple people up just for, you know, shits and giggles. And I see, you have no searches. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess maybe either a maybe they've moved the servers and they don't feel that wherever they are, poker stars can get them, or b they think you know what, since probably ninety nine percent of people just did the ten free a day, now we're going to convert those to paid users and it'll be financially worth us to fight poker stars. Yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of people in fact just use them not only with the ten searches, but you could just make unlimited accounts. There with right. different email addresses, so you just make. Like, I guess you still can, but yeah, you just make. But, yeah, but then they run out right away. Like these, this could be, like let's say you say, okay, I'll never need more than seventy searches in one day. So you make seven Yahoo accounts, right. and, and then uh, then you have seven different accounts to use. One you know after one runs out, you go to the next, and you'll never run out of searches. You can do it for free. So I know a lot of people who did things like that and never paid poker table ratings a dime. And and honestly, yeah, I didn't feel bad for poker table ratings because it was true they were leeching off the data. Off of other sites, so yeah. If, if you're going to make multiple accounts to get free searches, is it really that bad? So the other thing is, I think this is bad for poker stars because the the people that know about this, okay, somebody sits down and somebody else can see every hand you ever played and all your tendencies. Well, those people are just going to go broke quicker and be less apt to put more money back on the site. They'll go broke quicker, and it's bad for poker stars in that the money won't be generated as rake, but rather probably withdrawn right. by the pros. And, and you may even lose that player forever because yeah. 
Yeah, they're like, well, I just can't win anymore. I'm just getting creamed at these games. Yeah. So as much as even the pros, and that might even be detrimental to the pros long term, they just don't realize it. Is cleaning these people out so quickly, you know, because you have all this info, might just you know completely scare them off. Yeah. Well, so I don't know. I hope Poker Stars. I I usually don't root for Poker Stars, but I guess I hope they prevail. But the other thing is if. if you know, if they squash this, another one will pop up. I just don't see how you can prevent this. Some people even just have their own programs. They just leave Poker Stars running, and it's just constantly mining information. Like, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I don't know how you can get around it. Yeah. Okay, so let's have our contest now. It's getting pretty late, so again, a West Coast bias. But if you want to win the certificate for two free nights at Paris Las Vegas, which in my opinion is the second best of the Caesars properties in Vegas. Hmm. In fact, my, my parents thought it was the best when they stayed there. But, uh, really? But, but uh, Paris, Las Vegas, two free nights, Sunday through Thursday, before September 30th. I don't think there's any other blackout dates besides that. You do have to pay a resort fee of $25 a night. You will get internet as part of their resort fee, though. And I only want you to win this or try to win this if you're either going to go yourself before September 30th on a weekday or if you have a friend or family member that will make use of this. I, I just don't want you to win this to say, okay, well, now I'm going to hold my own contest to give this away again. Like uh, That I don't want, and I don't want you to just sit on it and say, ah, oh, well, there's a small chance I'll use this. I might as well just hold on. Like I want you to have a purpose for winning this, and I have no way to police this, but please don't call to play this unless you really have a use for it or know someone who would enjoy this you can give it to. So the phone number to I'll just take the first call seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Also Reno is not eligible; he already won one. <laughs> but anybody else is uh, just like just like me trying to win uh, that Dodgers contest to pick a win for the cycle. If you haven't won, if you just played before, you're eligible to play again. Oh, okay. Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five seven zero two four three zero eighteen zero eight. Hopefully, I haven't lost by. 10.35 at night, Pacific time, all the people that uh, would potentially want this. Otherwise, we'll have to table this. This is a little different than, like, I'm sure if I was giving away a, a gift card for, you know, some kind of restaurant, everyone can use it to get inundated with calls. All right, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Graf, I was calling to play the game. All right, very good. So so I know who you are, but why not tell the uh, listeners who you are? This is Trader, Trader Ski. Trader Ski, okay. This is online poker trivia. It's a multiple choice uh, quiz, I guess. And uh, four possible answers you're going to choose from. Only one is right of each question. If you get three out of the five right, you will get a D minus, but you will also win the contest. So you just need three out of five <laughs> right, 60%. And uh, you get more than that, you win. You get two or one right, you lose. You can't just completely guess at this since it's a multiple choice. On If you just completely guessed, on average, you get one of these right. So that wouldn't do it for you. But, uh, of course, guess if you don't know. And, and I ask that uh, you answer quickly, even though I don't expect you to cheat. Uh, for the satisfaction of the audience, you answer quickly and don't have time to Google it. Are you ready? I will not Google. Okay, thank you. Okay, I want to play for fun, too. So after you locked in your answer, I want to. Okay, yeah, after he says his answer, then, then uh, yeah, then... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dear Devil can say his too. Very good. Number one. What year 
did Planet Poker, the first online poker room for real money, start? A, 1998. B, 1999. C, 2000. D, 2001. I think it was 1998. That's A. Daredevil, what do you think? I would have said 99. Well, Daredevil, be happy that you are not the one who is playing. He is the winner. Not the winner, but the winner of this question. Uh, He got it correct. It was 1998 when Planet Poker started. Most people don't think online poker existed for that long, but it did. And uh, Mike Caro and Roy Cook were the faces of... Planet Poker. Yeah, and it still exists in a weird form. But it it, it kind of does, yeah. Though neither Caro nor uh, Roy Cook are involved anymore. No. All right, number two. You're off to a good start. Now you just need two of the next four. Here, I'm going to give you four networks, four names of online poker networks. They don't necessarily have to exist anymore. But one of them is fake. One of them never existed. Pick the one that is fake. A, Boss Media, B, Yadahe, C, Dolaro, D, Big Aces. Huh, I probably haven't heard of three of those, so I'm going to guess Big Aces. What do you say, Daredevil? Well, I know it's either C or D, so I'll guess C, whatever that was. Just C was Dolaro. All right. And guess what? The contestant... He is still doing better than Daredevil. <laughs> two for two. I didn't think you'd make up that name with the third one. Yeah, Dolaro is so weird. D O L L A R O, and it still exists actually. Hmm. Yeah, I remember you had a hey, that was true poker. Yeah, that was that was uh, that that became the winning poker network. Boss Media, I referred to previously as a uh, a network where I won a lot of money before people realized it existed. Number three, if you get this, you have locked in your win. Just got to get one of the next three right. In what is thought to be the biggest online poker pot ever, Patrick Antonius won a monster hand in PLO in 2009 against Isildur. How big was it, approximately? I've rounded. A, $898,000. B, $1 million. Actually, no, it's, it's B, uh, 1, 144,000. C, 1,357,000. D, 1,688,000. No clue, so I'm going to go with D. D, 1,688. What are you, are you, no, uh, no, D, D, D is oh, B, point. B, okay. You amended your answer, 1,144. Dear Devil, what about you? Uh, I say D. 1,688. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, only one of you can be right. Uh-oh. So who is that for? It's for both of you. You both got it wrong. It's actually C, $1.357 million was the pot on November 21st, 2009. Imagine that being one pot. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Antonius won that one, right? Yeah, Antonius won. You're, you're still alive here, though, Trader Ski. What was the first notable scandal to take place at Lock Poker? Now, all four of these were real scandals, but only one of them occurred first, obviously. A, the Jira contest scandal, where they, where Jira won uh, through chip dumping 
a contest to see who could win the most money, and lock poker went along with it. B, the casino bonus scandal, where they promised people casino bonuses for signing up for lock poker and then did not actually give them the bonus and blamed it on merge. C, the slow payouts and false excuses scandal. Obviously, this went on till the end, but it was starting at this point. Or D, the lack of password encryption scandal, where they actually didn't encrypt their passwords and, and stored them in plain text on, in files on there and transmitted them over the Internet. Uh, which of these four occurred first? Well, I think it was A or D, but I'm going to go with A. The Jira contest scandal. And what about you, Daredevil? I say B, the casino bonus scandal. Wait, now, Daredevil, you should be happy you've got your own place to stay in Vegas because <laughs> you're not going to win this contest. You've already missed three of them. And uh, But uh, Trader SHKY, you got, you got this one. Trader SHKY, you got this uh, – it was the Jira contest scandal. It was slightly before, actually, the casino bonus scandal. They were very close, but uh, the Jira contest scandal occurred first. Number five, this is more of – Dan Druff trivia than online poker trivia, but their question kind of covers both. If you've listened to the show enough, which I know you have, you'll you probably know the answer to this one. But it doesn't matter because you already won. You've got you've got your certificate. Number five, I had sex with a girl that I met through an online poker site. Only one. Only one time did this happen. It was on an online poker site. Which site did I meet her on? A party poker. B Poker Stars, three Paradise Poker, and D True Poker. Hmm. I don't know if I remember the site involved with this story, so I will say True Poker. D True Poker. That's what about you, Daredevil? Uh, right in vote E Black uh, Chick Poker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's True Poker. It's True Poker. You guys are both correct. Yes. Four out of five. Very good, Trader Ski. You easily won this one. Yeah, it was true poker. This occurred in 2001 in August when uh, I was playing on there, and uh, I thought I was talking to a guy. I wasn't trying to hit on a guy, but I thought I was talking to a guy who's using a male avatar, this robot character there. And uh, when I put a bad beat on him, I started off with, sorry, sir. And uh, he said, (laughs) actually, that's sorry, ma'am. And I said, what, you're a girl? And then uh, she said, yes. And I said, and there were actually women on the site, but most of them were like significantly older than me. At the time, I was in my late 20s. I was uh, 29. So I, I assumed she was probably like in her 40s or something. Like I said, well, how old are you? She's 28. I'm like, hmm. I said, well, where are you from? Las Vegas. I go, hmm, well, I, I didn't live in Vegas, but I, I went there plenty. So we we... we Talked on there, and uh, yeah, I was joking around with every hand there, and uh, she was enjoying the conversation. At the end, she said, well, here's my email address, and I emailed her, and then she gave me her phone number. So went from there. So she she actually was once a dealer at the Mirage, it turned out. I never played played with her when she dealt. Now, I always wondered after that. like It was like a one-night stand, like or a one-weekend stand, pretty much. I always wondered if... I would see her again after that, like dealing to me, like how weird it would be. She like the, the World Series, she's dealing to me. Never, never saw her again. She just vanished. I don't even know if she's alive anymore. She's gone. She's completely vanished from poker. And she was pretty ingrained in it at the time. I was kind of surprised that she just vanished completely. In fact, she, do you, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. Uh, do you remember the weirdly in true poker, like in their point store, they sold condoms? 
No, I don't. Yeah. Well, maybe it was inspired by me, my my experience there. Maybe. Some, you know, user feedback. They updated their point store. (laughs) You know, in, uh, when I, when I met her, I was staying in the Las Vegas Hilton that night and they, they, they gave me, I forgot why, but the room, I think the room wasn't available or something. They gave me a suite on the top floor. I'm like, oh, this is even better. Like I'll impress her with this baller suite and I don't even have to pay for it. We get up there. There's one problem. The freaking air conditioning didn't work. And this is in August. <laughs> and and I was like, oh my God, this is such a mood killer. Like, like, uh, so you have to call up and then engineering has to come up at like three in the morning. Yep. And, and, and I was like, the, the, they take so long to bring engineering up. Like when you, when you hear engineering, your heart just sinks because you know you're going to be waiting forever. Mm-hmm. And Especially like, at that time of day. Yeah. So I was like, what do I do here? Like, like, uh, do I just say, let's switch to another room, move all my stuff? Like, I'm trying to figure out what I should do there because I, I wanted to have sex with this girl. It seemed like she was really into me. I, but yet I, it was too hot in there for me to really do that. It was just I, I couldn't – it just would have been too hard to get it done with the, the way the temperature was there. It would have been too much of a distraction. So, like, I, I didn't know what to do. And I finally said, I, I guess I have no choice. I have to wait for the guy to come. But somehow he came surpi- surprisingly quickly. And uh, uh, and he, he got the thing fixed, and it worked, and, and it was good. So I was uh, th- thankful that the Hilton uh, engineering guy understood the urgency of the situation. So anyway, that, that's uh, very good. Uh, now, would you like me to... Mail it to you, or what would you like me to do to get this certificate to you? I would like to donate it to One Step if he's going to use it during the uh, time it's valid. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll do that. I don't know if One Step needs it, but uh, if, if he doesn't need it, what do you want me to do with it? And if, if not, just make it a win for the tournament, or if somebody you feel, the long-time listener, wants to use it, you can use your judgment on that. All right, very good. All right, so th- so thank you, traders. You did very well in the contest. You easily won it, and... Uh, that's that's the end of our contest for now. But uh, if, if anybody wants to donate other prizes, by the way, to have contests like this, I'll do it. It's uh, I'll, I'll try to come up with something new each time to uh, keep the listeners' interest. Very good. Okay, guys, I'll, I'll sign off and I will listen to the rest of the show. All right, thank you. All right. Good night. Okay. I mean, he kind of broke the TOS there, but yeah, he did. I, at the, I was hoping he was going to say, uh, you know, I'll see you there when I'm using it. He comes to Vegas. I've, I've Seen him in Vegas several times, so huh. I'm surprised. But okay, he wants to. He wants to. Everyone wants to help one step. I can't can't fault <laughs> him for that. There you go. The problem I, I could picture one step taking it from me and then like like standing on the strip and trying to sell it. I can only <laughs> picture this or something. Like at least one step, if you're going to use it that way, at least try to like give it to a twink or something to impress him. Something like that. Don't just don't sell it. Whatever you do, don't sell it. Well, the Paris, it's a romantic place, you know. Yeah. So get those twinks in the mood. Lou Father asking in chat if I, if I drank pineapple juice to, to flavor things up. Oh, God. No. No, and the truth was it, was it was like a one night or one weekend stand anyway. I didn't really have to impress her that way, you know. Like, like by, by the time we got in bed, I was she was impressed enough, you know. Like, like how much more did I have to try? Well, those are all like timeshares now, right? So you could maybe buy that as a monument bad guy 23 is asking me uh did my big feet sweat there you know bad guy i you know i i only wear size 13 it's not as big as there's one picture where they look like misleadingly big just from the angle of the picture but uh, there was one time in my life where i really thought i was gonna end up with like size 17 feet and 
I, I really thought that was going to happen, and it, it bothered me because my feet were growing very fast. At, at age uh, 11, I was wearing men's size 9, and they were growing like uh, a size a year for consistently. So I, I thought uh, – and, and I I wasn't anywhere near done growing. I wasn't one of these kids who like shot up way early and, and like was super tall at a young age. That wasn't me. I just kind of steadily grew. So I, I was you – know, crap. I, I can't see how – like I think when I was 13, I wore size 11. I go, if I'm 13, I'm wearing size 11. I'm only five foot four, which I was at the time. Like, how are my feet not going to end up uh, gigantic? And uh, two years later, they stopped. Yeah, it sounds about right. And I, I didn't expect that. So, uh, so my feet are the same size when I was 15. So that's uh, I, I was yeah, glad to see that. Mine probably are too now that I think about it. Hmm. But yeah, I grew height wise for another three years. Three and a half years, actually. So that, that's what confused me. Like, I knew I had a lot to go height-wise, but feet-wise, they stopped. So, weird. But, now, you know, my big feet would have sweat. I would, they, would, they would have sweat in, the, uh, in that room. I, that, that's the one condition I, I just don't like if I'm going to have sex is when it's really, really hot. That's the worst. It just, it's so distracting. Cold is okay, but hot, I, I can't handle it. Yeah, that's true. I don't like heat. I'm a big anti-heat guy in general. I always run hot. My body's always like hot, so I always want it cool. Oh yes, yeah. that's not me. I, I I'll turn on the heat if it's cold, and I'll turn on the AC if I'm warm. Like like I'll I'll go both ways with that. But uh, as far as sex goes, I, I can't have it be hot in the room. It doesn't have to be cold, but it can't be hot. As far as sex, you don't go both ways. No, don't go both ways oh. for sure. All right, ever for anything for any reason. Okay, all right. All right. So, uh, JSTAT saying in chat, I can use the Paris room to house my secret WSOP video production team. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. That's going to do wonders for uh, keeping my press credential there. <laughs> I, I, I'm giving people hotel rooms to secretly tape the World Series. Okay, so let's uh, – fortunately, JSTAT didn't win, though. So if he does that, that's, that's on him. Uh a class action lawsuit. Actually, before we get to the class action, uh, Carbon Poker processed a bunch of payments apparently, and mm-hmm. uh, there's the, I, I'm not going to beat this one into the ground, but don't trust them yet. The, the whole thing's yeah. been weird. The whole thing's been weird. It's dragged on forever. It's uh, they've paid well in the past, but there, there have been early in the year issues in the past that have resolved, but never this late in the year have they still had these issues. And look. Let's say hypothetically, I used to say this about lock poker too, but let's say hypothetically carbon poker is broke. Well, they're still getting deposits. There's still plenty of people depositing money there. So what do they do when they know their reputation is on the line, when they're broke and they can't pay, but they want the room to continue? They want to dig themselves out of this hole. Well, when they get a healthy number of deposits coming in at once, oh, look, we have some money now. Now let's make some payments for appearances' sake. I have a feeling it's something like that. I mean, it, it, it only makes sense that that's why you'll get these batches coming through and then nothing for a while. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to say too much about this because there's not that much to say. The only thing I'll say is, in the history of online poker, has there ever been a site that's had a cash out problem like this and then just been fine for the next ten years? No, no, no there, there hasn't. This been. is it, always the first of. Yeah, something's going. Yeah, on, so. that's true. That's a good point. Like I, I've known of some that have some temporary problems where uh, 
with the payment processors where I've never seen one that sure. goes this long. This has yeah. gone several months now with with only a little progress and, and very little information and uh, flimsy excuses. And I, I have to think that uh, they are struggling and now they're paying out as much as they can, depending on deposits. They're really robbing Peter to pay Paul. I can't say that for sure, but that's what it looks like. It's, it's got all the signs of that. Because they're, they're, they're not stupid. They they know by reading the forums that everyone's upset. They get emails about everyone being upset. And if they want the gravy train to continue, they've got to give the appearance like everything's okay. If six months goes and no one gets a payment, then everyone loses complete faith. So... Of course, there's going to be some payments processed. So don't put any new money on there. And if you can get money off, get it off now. Don't don't just say, "Well, they're starting to pay." Okay, no problem. I'll, I'll leave my money. If you if you can get your money off, then then do it. Then, Definitely. Then if if they'll pay you, then great. Then get your money off. Go elsewhere. Uh, Bovada, they've they've they're paying. They've there's some things they don't like about them, but they're they are paying. They that's not a problem they've ever had. Talk about the class action lawsuit now. Did you see the fight with uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao? Or Pacquiao? Pacquiao. No, or Pacquiao. I didn't. I didn't. I uh, I saw some clips and stuff afterwards, but uh, no, I was actually out at a barbecue. But yeah, well, there was uh, this was an unprecedented hundred dollar fight, which is pretty insane. The the idea that uh, of these boxing pay-per-views is that you get a group of people together and if you can get like 10 people in your house everyone kicks in ten dollars but the reality is it's it's often difficult to do this and the reality is that uh a lot of people just want to sit at home without inviting people over and just watch the damn thing and you're like oh, am i really going to pay a hundred dollars to watch something in my head it just feels wrong it just feels like a waste of money to watch anything on your tv for a hundred bucks so uh, th- that's what they were charging. This was very much hyped as the fight of the century. And I was a little skeptical from the start that this was going to be that exciting because Mayweather doesn't have an exciting fighting style. I'm, I'm, there's right. others on the site who are much more, much bigger experts on boxing than I am. There's this guy, JMM, who posts on the site who knows a whole lot about boxing and huge fans of the sport. Uh, a lot of them really do like uh Mayweather, but as far as for a casual or semi-casual boxing fan, he it just he doesn't have an exciting style because there's not a whole lot of punches landed, and and not a lot of knockouts, especially of better opponents. So it, it's kind of just his style is kind of just wear the opponent down, get a few hits here and there, and and win in points. And you know, as far as he's concerned, a win is a win, and he's never lost. He's a uh, forty-eight and zero now. Mm-hmm. And and he did beat uh, Manny Pacquiao, and uh, I I did not pay the hundred dollars for the fight. I did watch it on Poker Fraud Alert. There was a thread someone started about uh, are there any streams of the fight, and then there were a few poor quality streams which are freezing and all that. And someone, I think it was seriously serious, posted a feed from Russia where you actually heard the commentary of the fight in Russian, but it was a very good feed. It actually did not ever freeze up. And the amazing thing about this feed is, believe it or not, it was not illegal. No. I was watching a legitimate feed. 
How is that possible? How is a hundred dollar per person or per household fight? How could that be legal to stream for free? Well, they sold the fight to other countries who didn't necessarily run it as pay-per-view. Many other countries just paid a flat fee to get the fight to air on their station. I guess because in other countries there's less interest, so if they did a pay-per-view there, it just wouldn't make that much money. So a Russian station got it, and I, I presume the Russian station must have broken some kind of rules that were in place. But uh, the Russian station has a constant stream of their station online, where you can always watch that particular station online if you want, no matter what they're saying. So this was just their regular site. This is not some shady site with a bunch of pop-ups that's trying to give your computer viruses in exchange for showing you some pirated feed. This, uh, this was the station's own website that they, they should have blacked it out and didn't, which is their problem, not ours, obviously. And so they were – you get to watch Russian commercials during it. it those are pretty interesting, actually. <laughs> I bet. But, uh, yeah, it was a Russian station. And, in fact, when the fight was over, it kept going to, like, the next show. Like, you could turn on that station right now with the same link and see some other Russian program. So that's how I watched it. That's how most people on Poker Fraud Alert watched it, at least people reading the thread at the time. I was glad I didn't pay the $100, not just because I'm a cheap Jew, but also because it really didn't provide that much entertainment. It was something where, when it was done, I was happy I watched it because it was kind of a big event that everyone was going to talk about, and I was glad I got to see it, but it wasn't that entertaining. So, and, and every moment, like, when something was happening, like, I'd see, like, a few punches being landed, like, boom, boom, like, oh, yeah, 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 like, I'm waiting for, like, someone to get knocked down. No, it was just... Someone hugs or someone backs off, and, and then you know it starts over again. And, and at the end of the fight, no one even looked injured. Like nobody even looked like they had been in a twelve-round fight. So the uh, a lot of people got angry after the fight was over because it, Manny Pacquiao was the more aggressive of the fighters, and to some people, especially casual fans, it looked like he got more punches in and. Like like he was more controlling the fight, but Mayweather easily won in points. And this was explained later for you know, how the scoring's done and all that. But the real controversy erupted when it came out that Manny Pacquiao had a, an injury and did not disclose it before the fight that he was supposed to do so. And did not. And uh, therefore, he shouldn't have fought. So this is actually from TMZ, a, a, something I don't uh, quote very often for this show. But it says, Manny Pacquiao and his fight promoters have been hit with a class action lawsuit by people claim who claim he screwed fans, pay-per-view buyers, and gamblers out of serious money by not disclosing his shoulder injury before the fight. Uh, TMZ has obtained a, law- a lawsuit filed in federal court in Nevada in which Stephanie Vanell and Kami Rabaran are suing on behalf of a class that feel cheated. In the suit, Vanell and Rabaran claim they are fighting, quote, on behalf of all persons who purchased tickets, purchased the pay-per-view event, or wagered money on the event. I wonder if they're uh, also on my behalf of uh, putting up with a Russian commentator for an hour. <laughs> 
You'll be compensated for your time, though. Yes. Uh, the plaintiffs are suing Pacquiao, Bob Arum, Top Rank Boxing, and others for consumer fraud, and they're demanding at least $5 million in damages. So, uh, and uh, looking at that this. It doesn't seem like very much, considering no. the scope of what they're doing. <laughs> It's, it's a hundred bucks a pop and it, all the bets at five. Yeah, million, that's nothing. It, it's a conservative lawsuit. I, I also like how how the lawsuits. Uh, the uh, I have the documents of the lawsuit here in front of me. The first line here, after the beginning, just showing who the plaintiffs and defendants are. The very first words are, "Come now, <laughs> come now." Tides listening, yeah. Yeah, come now, plaintiffs. Stephane, actually it's not Stephanie, it's Stephane, which may be a guy. Stephane, Vanel, and Kami Rabaran buy in through the undersigned counsel and hereby can bring this complaint for damages against defendants to recover damages owed to them and others similarly stated. Um, this is an action for damages relating to the defendant's failure to disclose the injuries suffered by defendant Pacquiao prior to the fight between Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather held May 2nd, 2015. Uh... Upon information and belief, Top Rank Incorporated was one of the promoters of the, quote, fight of the century and failed to disclose the injury to the Nevada Athletic Commission prior to the fight as is required by Nevada law. So uh, it goes on about this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, they're trying this lawsuit even based upon people who gambled and bet on uh, Pacquiao and uh, wouldn't have if they knew about his injury. But... I think the gamblers actually have the the least of the legs to stand on. There's many times in sports you bet on something, and then it turns out the person you're betting on is got injured in some way you just didn't know. No, of course. And that's that's kind of part of the game. Uh, you, you've got to consider everything when you're betting. Uh, the only way there's something wrong with that is if there's some sort of conspiracy to hold this back for betting purposes where people load up on the other side who are in the know, but that wasn't what was happening here. So uh, th- that I don't think anyone has a leg to stand on. As far as, far as the pay-per-view, that's, I, I mean, this whole thing seems a little flimsy, but I, I think at least the people who paid for the fight can claim, well, we didn't get to see the fight we were paying for because one of the boxers was injured and this was not disclosed. So we wouldn't have paid $100 to watch one of the two being injured. Apparently Pacquiao also did not uh, spar for a few days leading up to the fight. I mean, in a perfect world, I guess, to get some money. But this isn't going anywhere. No, it's probably not. How could you – I mean, how could you prove this in the first place? The only person that would know this would be him or his people, and they're not going to say anything. Plus, you know, a certain amount of time before the fight, you get checked out by a doctor. So that's the last medical record. They can just say he sustained the injury during the fight. It's just somebody wants PR for their law firm or something. Yeah, well, I I heard that uh, Manny Pacquiao is very concerned about this and that he's going to be uh, taking a flight to Antigua tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's uh, much to this. We'll see if this goes anywhere. There's a lot of bogus lawsuits filed all the time. So I mean, this, uh, this is a deep-pocketed uh, target. So uh, we'll see if anything happens. It's probably going to just fall off and go nowhere. I would think so. So, the Venetian, and I, this story really irritates me. I, I hate stories like this because I, I hate when there's leeches out there 
who exploit others. They use their position at a company to exploit others, where uh, yeah. they're personally gaining. And not even where you – it's like a voluntary thing. It's not like the $20 trick at hotels where if you slip a 20 to the guy at the front desk that he'll give you an upgraded room. At least, at least there, this isn't uh, – Hurting anyone except for the hotel itself not selling you an upgraded room. Like, like it's not hurting other customers there because presumably if the upgraded room is just sitting available that uh, yeah, it's available for anyone to grab. So it's just uh, – yes, the employee is enriching himself and this money should have gone to the hotel. But that's between him and the hotel. At least it's not uh, harming the, the other customers. But I, I hate when employees of companies do shady things and demand – Money, they demand bribes to just do their job, and they won't do their job unless you bribe them, and that's that's just awful. Not only do I think they should lose their job, I think they should actually you know go to jail for this. Not not a super long sentence, but something to to send a message. Like that guy at the at the Rio who was uh, demanding the twenty dollars to start the sit and goes was a good example. That's obviously something the Rio didn't condone, and when the Rio found out about this, they fired him. But uh, yeah. but and uh, I hate to say it, but the, I mean. It's Vegas is a magnet for this kind of stuff. Oh, it is, it is. But the and that's the problem is a lot of these people. And the, the the guy who did this to the Rio last year, he was an older guy. He was definitely over sixty. A lot of these guys have been around in Vegas for many years, or their whole lives. And and while this type of thing was very commonplace and uh, accepted, like in the seventies and the eighties, this is a different Vegas now. It's a corporate Vegas. And it's where people come there, and they're paying a lot more. When you're when you're coming there and staying in the hotel for virtually nothing, and and, and eating a dollar ninety nine steak buff, you know, steak dinner, and then run into this, you go, okay, well, this is this is just kind of part of the whole Vegas atmosphere. You save big on some things, but you've got to grease the right palms to get other things done. That's not how it is anymore. You're you're paying a lot of money to go there, stay in these rooms, eat expensive meals, see expensive shows, and the only good part of this is now it's run by large corporations that uh, operate everything in a much more predictable fashion and and they don't pull crap like this they don't uh, they're not their employees are not allowed to be taking bribes so th- here's a story from vegaschatter.com and uh, I feel like an idiot <laughs> well I'm going to read it anyway this is a story from VegasChatter.com from July 17th, 2014. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to say anything, but because uh, I read Vegas Chatter like every day, and I was like, how is this just showing up on PFA today? Yeah, like, someone someone uh, tweeted it, and, and like, oh, well, if this is why you shouldn't go to the Venetian. Look what just happened here. And then, like, I, I see this right before the show, and I say, oh, wow, new scandal of the Venetian. Okay. And then I jump on it, and then just like during the show, I'm like, I'm expecting to say, so this just happened on uh, on April 18th, but no, it's it's on uh, July 17th last year. I'll tell about it anyway. Basically, uh, if you want to get cabs in Vegas at a big hotel, you don't just walk outside and you'll taxi. You you go outside, and there's an organized line of cabs that are directed in an orderly fashion by employees of the hotel whose entire job it is to get people into cabs. So uh, so basically what happened was that someone uh, who was writing this article, they were a victim of, of 
one of these shakedowns for for money that uh, the taxi cab controller wanted uh, to be bribed. So basically, they they were told by the guy managing the taxi cab line that it will be twenty extra dollars unless he doesn't want to wait unless he wants to wait 25 minutes or more. He said the line is 25 minutes at least. I'll cut you to close to the front if you give me 20 bucks. Otherwise, you can get him back in the line and wait 25 minutes. So he said no. You know, the guy who was offered this said no. Forget it. I'll get in the line. And then I go, I don't know. You sure? And then so as they're standing in line, okay, you, you guys are going to be waiting 25 minutes. You know that, right? 25 minutes. You sure? All right. Well, how much time did they actually spend in line? Under five minutes. So the whole thing was a scam. It was a line that kind of looked big but moved quickly because there were a ton of cabs waiting. And they knew Which that. Which there but, always are. Yeah, there always are. But to, to people who aren't in the know, this looks like it's scary. You see a huge line of people. Right. You're, you're picturing like, okay, uh, one cab's going to come every few minutes. This is going to be an eternity. Well, it's not. So uh, they... Uh, in fact, he said it should have been even faster, but they were trying to slow it as much as possible with calling new cabs up. They were trying to really make the thing slower, but it was still there's still so many cabs that there was no more. Like they still couldn't make it more than five minutes. So this happened, and then they uh, they reported it on VegasChatter.com, and uh, the Venetian was upset about this apparently, and and promised to Vegas Chatter that this is something they don't tolerate, and they're going to launch an internal investigation. So, uh, sadly, this is an older story, so I'm not going to go for a long time on this one. But in Vegas, it's not like that anymore. You you don't have to bribe anyone, and that's not a tip. This this stupid <laughs> argument came back and forth last year on 2 Plus 2 where idiots were saying, well, that's Vegas. You're just, you're just a Vegas noob if you don't understand. You're supposed to, you're supposed to grease the guy if you want to get your sit-and-go going. I mean, how is he supposed to support no. himself? I'm like, no, that's not what it is. These guys are leeches who are taking a structure set up by a corporation at the corporation's expense and trying to profit personally from it, uh, basically demanding that the customers pay them to do their job. These, These are leeches. These are people who are breaking the law. These people are breaking the company policy. If you see anything like this, do one of two things. Either tell them what you're doing is against the company policy and against the law and I'm about to call the police and report this to management, or... Do it. Go go to the management and, and immediately report this. D- don't even let them get away with it. So and and they will they will get in trouble. Don't. A lot of times people assume, oh, okay, it's just Vegas. It's going to get laughed off. No, in these corporate, uh, in corporate Vegas, it doesn't get laughed off. These type of things because it doesn't go very high. If you think the uh, the, the Sheldon Adelson or people directly under him at the Venetian. Uh, want to enable the the guy loading people to taxi cabs to squeeze people for twenty bucks? No, <laughs> never. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. That makes no sense. The people at the top do not want the bottom ones to squeeze tourists for twenty dollars. This is the type of thing where uh, it's the usually just the guys doing it who know about it, and if maybe their immediate supervisor, if he's in on it, you, above that, never. It's always uh, uh, anyone of any kind of uh, position of authority with any kind of real management position there would never allow this. And uh, no. so and I've not- been going to Vegas for about 
10 years. I go like th- three, four times a year. I've never greased anyone for anything. It's yeah. Just, and the, the funny thing is I always think these guys, these cab guys, doing the regular job is a scam. I mean – they just they stand there and like wave a cab forward and then you tell them where you want to go even though the cab driver is within earshot and then they tell them and then you're supposed to that is weird i always felt like i felt weird doing that i just i took a cab for the first time in vegas uh in a very long time in uh in in uh, what was this february and and i found that it was so odd i'm like like, where do you want to go? I'm like, I'll just tell him. No, 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 tell me. I'll tell him. Like, well, why do I need you to tell him? Like, because they want to feel like they're doing something, so you're <laughs> supposed to tip them. But it's like, the guy, he can hear me. He's right there. Yeah, no, I'm not tipping him for that. That's ridiculous. I didn't I, I didn't even know why he's asking. I thought it was some weird procedure. I didn't even think of the tip thing. But I wouldn't have any way if I knew. That's, that's a ridiculous thing. So, uh, anyway, the if you ever run into a situation where someone is asking you to give them money, to do their job, refuse and report them. Now, can you give someone something extra to do their job uh, and go above and beyond for you, such as uh, the $20 trick at the front desk or or something else where you're giving someone a tip or even a bribe that you have decided to give? Not that they ask for or expect, but that uh, they're doing their job normally, but you want them to do something extra for you that they're not supposed to do. Well, then that's fine. That's a different story. But... Uh, I'm talking about the ones I – mean, it's not completely fine. They still technically shouldn't be doing that. But that's that's at least not exploiting the customer. That's exploiting – it's between the employee and their employer. You don't have to get involved. But uh, when the customer gets exploited, basically their their money is held hostage and then they, you know for them to do their job. That should not be tolerated. And, and those people shouldn't be working. They should be un, unemployed if they're going to do crap like that. Yeah. So – um, there should be zero tolerance for that. And, you know, I'm glad last year the World Series, when they got this report, they they canned the guy. They said you're gone, not a second chance. Yeah, and that Venetian story is old, and those guys got canned too. So. Oh, good, good. <laughs> See, this is a good thing about an old story. We have a we have the ending. That's yeah, a conclusion. Yeah, yeah. We well, don't have to say. We'll find out next week what happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, sorry guys for giving you an old story, but it's new to me. Maybe it's new to you. All right, so let's see. Vanessa Selbst. Vanessa Selbst, all right. Vanessa Selbst, for whatever reason, she decided she wanted to be a lawyer. Now, I think she was already kind of going to school for that, like she was an undergrad or something. I don't know how old she was when she really got into poker. I don't even know how old she is, but I know she's substantially yeah. younger than I am. But uh, she was She was already studying to be a lawyer when she started. Yeah. But, but you, bigger tournaments now. I've known many people actually who were studying to be a lawyer and then get into something else that's lucrative and they're successful with and they never continue. Like they just uh, hmm. they they stop and they say, Okay and if you're like right up if you're right there, if you're like so close to being prepared for the bar and then you get into something else and you don't want to finish it, I understand but I don't know. For Vanessa Selbst, it seemed kind of odd after all these years of, of playing poker and being so successful and, and even having the further uh, endorsement opportunities or whatever of being female. And I, I know she doesn't have the usual female endorsement opportunities from, uh, you know, she's not pretty. She looks, she looks like a dude. But uh, she is 
probably the best female tournament player out there, period, right now. So yep. that that goes pretty far even if you're not pretty. And even if you were you know, look like a bull dyke, you still uh, you're still a really good player on an absolute basis and the best female player and that still gets you some marketing opportunities. So Vanessa Selps, for whatever reason, decided that uh, she still wanted to become a lawyer. I don't know if she has any desire to practice or or what, but uh, maybe she just felt it was a waste to have studied this before and not completed it. But whatever it was, she has passed the bar exam. I'm not sure what state. Do you know what which state? No, I don't. But um, you know, I do remember hearing an interview with her like years ago. And she said the reason she wanted to be a lawyer was to um, take on a lot of, like, social justice causes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was ever, like, a means to money for her. So maybe that's why oh. she's still going through with it okay. because she still wants to pursue. I know a lot of what she said was uh, actually kind of relevant to current stories. But uh, she was talking about, uh, you know, cops and their overuse of force. And oh. that's the thing that she really, I, so I don't know if that was due to personal experience or what, but oh. that was the thing she said she really wanted to go after. So maybe she just still has a passion for that. Yeah. Well, so, uh, so Vanessa, uh, she tweeted on t- April 27th, passed the bar exam, anxiously studied twice as long as everyone else, thus scored way higher than necessary. I want months of my life back. <laughs> so, so she, she is a lawyer now. Uh, again, I'm not sure what state. We're not sure what she's going to do with it. Maybe she will use like a combination of whatever money she has and uh, and her desire to you know, fight for certain causes. And now, now that she's a lawyer, she can do it a little more effectively, something like that. But, but she has completed it. Now, I'm going to tell you a little personal Vanessa Self story. For the most part, I, I think highly of Vanessa Selbst. I liked how she got involved even after becoming a pretty well-known poker player. She got involved in the lock story and kept uh, calling them out on 2 Plus 2. She was one of the voices speaking against them on 2 Plus 2 on Twitter. And, and you know she could have easily said, hey, I'm, I'm big time now. I don't have to give a crap about this anymore. But, uh, but she didn't. She, she still stuck to her roots of being a 2 Plus 2 poster someone who cared about these sort of things, uh, obviously uh, someone who does care about uh, you know, social justice of the people getting screwed. So she, she didn't like seeing this happen and, uh, and was helping calling them out, which, which I respected. Uh, I made some attempts during her anti-lock poker activism, since I was one of the first people calling out lock uh, to make some attempts to, you know, talk to her about it back and forth. But, uh, she didn't say anything like, no, I don't want to talk to you, but she just ignored me. And that didn't surprise me because of some things I had read her say, write about me in the past. Not in the recent past, but in the distant past. What is Vanessa self mad about? Was she mad that I made some kind of lesbian joke about her, made some comments about her looking like a guy? No. No, none of that. Vanessa Selbst does not like me because of... Guilt by association. Who was I guilty of being associated with? Was it Micon? No. It was Neverwin. Dustin Neverwin Wolf had a little bit of a spat with her at one of the PCAs, the Poker Stars PCAs in uh, the Bahamas. 
they were playing what's known as a battleship tournament where you play heads up on poker stars and your laptops are like back to back with each other. So you're like in the not just the same room, but you're actually facing each other, but you can't see each other's screens and you're playing on poker stars uh, heads up. They both got fairly deep. They played each other. And uh, Vanessa, who, who is known to have a bit of a temper when she plays poker sometimes, made some kind of bluff on Dustin. And Dustin called her very light, and he was right. And uh, and he ended up winning the match, I believe. But when he called her correctly, she made some comment like, ah, should have known I can't bet against someone who, who isn't capable of laying down a hand. <laughs> so, and, and then a few other comments were made, and, and then he started saying some things back and forth, and, uh, and, and then she was really getting pissed and actually was... Uh, yeah, according to people watching this, acting like she was going to punch Dustin, like she was really getting in his face wow. because she, I guess her girlfriend, I guess she's, I think she's married to her now or something. She's been with yes, the same girl for a long is. time. Yep. But yeah, uh, she, her girlfriend was there watching her and, and she felt that Dustin was being disrespectful, disrespectful to her in front of her girlfriend and trying to make her look stupid. So, uh, so there was a big uh, altercation there about this and they really were, uh, Going at each other here. The the funny thing was there's actually a picture of them taken before this where they're both smiling. And the, the weird thing, someone pointed out that the two of them actually look very much alike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, d- yeah, Dustin really does look like uh, a, a little bit more of a manly version of uh, Vanessa's self. Just, just take the manliness up another notch and you've got Dustin. That's the strange thing. Yeah, so I could I, see it. If someone said, this is brother and sister, I'd say, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. So, so the funny thing is, like, if I guess if... Vanessa ever gets a divorce and her wife, maybe she goes both ways. Uh, maybe Dustin has a chance there. <sighs> so a- anyway, this occurred on 2 plus 2. Now, to Vanessa's credit, she didn't dislike me immediately just because I was friendly with Dustin at the time. It was because I was defending Dustin up there because Dustin told me his side of the story. And she was, you know, he didn't really post on 2 plus 2. And she was posting this whole thing and making Dustin look terrible. And I said, well, that's that's not what I heard here. Uh, th- this is what I heard, and I was giving his side. And some people were going, oh, well, okay, this, this kind of makes sense now. And they were starting to kind of turn on her a little bit, where it wasn't one-sided, Dustin's a big asshole anymore. It was kind of like, oh, well, the, Vanessa kind of was asking for this, or this makes sense now, and uh, this is Vanessa's fault. So a lot of people started to turn around on this. And at first she was being polite to me, saying, hey, you know, Dandruff, I, I, you know, you're a lot more polite than Dustin. I appreciate that. I please appreciate you discussing this like an adult, but, uh, you know, you're, you're backing the wrong person here. Like she, at first she started out polite, but then she started getting more and more irritated with me. And, and I could tell by the end that she did not think very highly of me. She didn't outright say, like, oh, I hate you. Don't ever talk to me. But I could tell by the end of it she was very irritated that she, she had felt that she presented it like a lawyer presenting their case, since we were talking about her being a lawyer. She felt she presented it and, and convinced the jury, and then I popped up out of nowhere and uh, and ruined the whole thing. So that's a, you're creating a hung jury. Over yeah, it. that's pretty much what I did. So so she she was not happy about that, and then ever since then, and I can't imagine any other reason. Uh, she just kind of won't acknowledge I exist. If if I tweet at her or something, even if it's like totally like in agreement with her or telling her, you know, thanks for doing this. Like I I've sent her a few very nice tweets, and I I haven't obsessively done this or anything. Like like I'd say once every few years, I I made an attempt to, uh, uh, 
you know, say something to her and see if I get a positive or at least a, any kind of response, but, but nothing. So, so for whatever reason, uh, she decided that she wanted nothing to do with me after that occurred. And in a way it's too bad because you know, she and I think alike as far as like the fact that online poker rooms that are shady deserve a lot of attention. The, the fact that pros that represent shady sites need to be called out. I mean, she said a lot of these same things I've always been saying. And it would be great to have her on this show or even, you know, interacting with me on Twitter or something so people to see that we were on the same mind to this. But uh, I guess my crimes of backing Dustin in the battleship battle. Were, uh, I guess much. it's weird that she kind of still holds that against you, though, because, I mean, the, the, the thing with Dustin is not the only thing like that she's been involved in. Yeah, well... So you know, I would think that'd be like, whatever, that's one of the hundred. <laughs> you know, she kind of has to yeah, for that. Well, this is my, my theory on it. I, and I'll bring up David Baker again. I think it's kind of like this. Uh, I think she doesn't even remember it anymore that I was involved. She remembers, she remembers Dustin, but she, I think she doesn't remember I got involved. I think she just got an impression, oh, Dandruff, I don't like that guy. He, he was an asshole. Like, I, I, I have a feeling just like that's her impression from that, but for, she forgets what made her think I was an asshole. I have no information to back this up, but I, that's my guess of just – she has so much to th- remember as far as people she's interacted with in poker, being that so many different people have come up to her and tried to get to know her and all that. Like there's so many different things to remember. Of, uh, like I, I sometimes feel bad when someone meets me at the World Series or something that I've met before and, and I didn't remember meeting them last year, and they remember me very well, and uh, unfortunately – uh, it's easier for them to remember meeting the person that's like they listen to every week than me meeting someone I didn't know existed until they come up to me. So that's a, right. you know, that's just a human nature. So I'm, I'm afraid it's something like that, that just, uh, there's so many people that she would have to keep track of that. She, she just has some kind of memory that Dandruff was an asshole and that's all that matters. Uh, David Baker, the reason he doesn't like me, the original reason, there's many reasons now, but uh, the original reason that started off the bad blood was something I didn't even do, where where a guy on Absolute Poker was from the same city as David and was a limit player. I was sure it was David just for that reason. It's not a very big city in Texas. And uh, and so I said, hey, are you David Baker? I didn't really know him. I just kind of knew of him at the time. And, uh, and the guy said, no. And I said, that's hard to believe. I thought he was you know, just denying it for some whatever, whatever reason. But the guy eventually convinced me that, no, he wasn't. He was actually an 18-year-old kid. Uh, but the kid developed a joke that whenever I showed up, he would call me David Baker. He'd say, hey, David Baker's here. I'd say, no, no, you're David Baker. He'd say, no, you're David Baker. And we kind of have a laugh about it. Well, this got back to the real David Baker, who then was sitting with me at a limit hold'em table, a cash table, about a, I don't know, a year later. And uh, I, I was talking to someone else at the table about, you know, you never know who you're playing online. Sometimes people multi-account. And, he's, and then David Baker says, like, kind of quietly, yeah. And some people like to go on there and pretend to be others, other known players. Ooh, and sick I, burn. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I thought, why is he saying that? He's kind of looking at me. I go, oh, wait a minute. And I tried to explain it to him, and he was not having it. He didn't say, hey, you're a liar. He just kind of nodded his head like, uh-huh. Like, 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 well, he already has to deal with another David Baker. Yeah, that's true. So he doesn't want four out there. He's got enough problems <laughs> that's on right. him. Maybe that's the problem. He doesn't want three David Baker. There's just too many. I guess four if you count me and the kid. So well, I, I explained it to him like like total detail. Like I totally explained the whole thing to him, and he, he just 
didn't buy it. I could tell. He didn't say you're a liar, but I could tell he didn't buy it. So then, like, ever since then, when I saw him, he just kind of had a scowl, kind of like a like a, a look toward me of disgust. Like, I don't like you. Right. Get, get out of my face. And then, But that uh, was a limit cash game, so that's kind of standard. But yeah. <laughs> so so uh, this persisted over the years. And then when we had our blow up in, in, in September of 2014, you know, like seven years after that, and we were going back and forth on Twitter, I, I said, you know, this is all over some stupid misunderstanding. You know, of why you don't like me in the first place, and and and, uh, and he says, "What? What are you talking about?" I said, "You know, remember when you thought I was impersonating you, and I really wasn't, and I explained it, and you just refused to listen to me." He says, "That never happened. I have no memory of this." Like, so, I don't think he was lying. I, I think he really didn't have a memory. I think he just right. It's just instinctual at this point. Yeah, like like he just remembered. Oh, Dandruff is an asshole, and he did something I don't like, and now it just kind of over the years blends into just Dandruff don't like. <laughs> so that he doesn't have to remember why he doesn't like me, and then between that time and now, like every little thing he saw me do that you know maybe someone else he would have just shrugged off. He go, oh, it's that asshole doing this again. Like so, then by this point now he has a number of things he finds objectionable. But uh, I, it's an interesting look into human nature. So I bet the same as with Vanessa self. She probably has no idea that you know I re- I remember the story, but I bet she only remembers the Dustin part of the story, not the me part of the story. So uh, whatever you know I. I'm not someone who cares about being popular in poker. I would I rather everyone likes me instead of dislikes me. Yes. Uh, do, do I think everyone dislikes me? No. Do I think everyone likes me? No. Uh, but I'm not someone who is worried about being disliked. To where I, I think I, I feel what's more important is just to call out. BS I see and and call out things that are happening that I think are wrong that I think people should know about and and just state my opinion and to, to do an entertaining radio show and I, I don't want to hurt anybody who you know doesn't deserve it but uh, I don't ever approach this show with oh I better not say this because this person may not like me and there is somebody in poker and they're you know I'm going to see them at the Rio, and some better-known player than me is going to think badly of me. I like I I never approach things that way, mm-hmm. and others do. Others they they really want to kiss ass to those who are uh, seen as bigger names in poker than they are. So maybe that they could yeah get to know these people and and you know eventually become their friends and uh, piggyback on their fame. But I I I've never been about that. I've never cared about that. So. That's this show is. I, I really always say what I honestly believe, and that's that's also the way I operate on the site. And I know there's some consequence to it sometimes, but that's the way it goes. Fortunately, yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people listen to the show, right? They they expect the uh, you know. An unbiased opinion. Yeah, and and I don't you know there's there's really no sponsors for the show at this time, but there haven't been for a long time. But whatever sponsors there are, I'm always careful. Like, is this something that one I don't think is scamming everyone? I, I can't do a full investigation on them, but but on a, the surface, do they look like they're legit? And two, um, you know, am I going to be able to discuss this site freely if if there's something that comes questionable? And if, if I say yes to both, then I'll take them. So, like, even if there were sponsors here, I would never kiss their ass or try to cover anything up or try to sugarcoat anything that's a problem. And that's why sometimes they think, hey, it's better there are no sponsors. It's be- it's better that I don't even have to worry about someone saying, hey, I paid so much money for this show 
uh, why didn't you give me the benefit of the doubt? Or why didn't you wait for all the facts to come out? There's, there's always like a gray area. Like, a, or not always, but frequently there's a gray. Frequently there's a gray area. Carbon poker is a good example. Carbon poker is not a lock poker where it's 100% super obvious they're ripping everyone off, but they're also acting in a shady manner. That while not certain that they are broke or having trouble with money and have spent the money on deposit, this is definitely showing strong signs of that. And if they were a sponsor, uh, I, I would still say it, but I would get a lot of pushback from them saying, hey, look at all the money we spend and you're just speculating about us without any proof. And what do I say back to that? Yeah, well, look at the past and other sites. Well, yeah, but that's them. This is us. We, we've, had money prob- we've had problems paying before because of processors and we always made it right. So we, they, yeah, they'd have a million answers for me and it's, it's hard to justify this to someone who's giving you money every week. And, and supporting your product or what you're doing uh, of why you're speculating negatively upon them. And, and so one thing that makes me happy about having no sponsors and why I don't even try to get them. It's not like I try to get sponsors and they reject me. I don't even try. I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm kind of like the, the guy who never gets laid that doesn't get laid because he never goes up to any women and never tries to meet them online or anything. It just, just, Makes no effort to meet women, so he just doesn't get late. That's kind right. of like this this show. Makes no effort to get sponsors, so we get none. So, so like that's – but that's, there's a lot of times I think about it and go, it's better this way. And I would never let sponsors tell me what to say, but, but in those areas where I've got to decide, do I call something into question when it's not for sure yet, uh, I can without feeling like, I'm obligated not to in some way. It's been the opposite, hasn't it? I mean, haven't you actually said that you have denied sponsorship from certain people or not? Yes, I've gotten some shady sites that are emailing me, like casino sites that are not associated with a big respected casino, but little internet casinos that, that have said they want to advertise. Mm-hmm. And I say no. I, I don't, Or if I don't say no, I say... Well, you know, we have a high standard for the integrity of the sites we advertise here. Can you please let me know how long you've been around? How do we know the money's safe? Like I give them some questions, then they just never come back with an answer. Like they, huh. like they know they're shady. They know the answer they give, they give me is not going to be sufficient, so they don't even bother. So. Right. It's tough, too, because you know to get a sponsor for a show like this, it's a, an online show. It's about gambling, so generally you're going to attract online gambling. Well, then you're always giving money to someone to hold. And that's a very kind of tenuous situation. It's not like yeah, I advertise my uh, rakes that I'm selling. It's like a physical product. So, yeah, I could see how that would be difficult. Yeah, and, and they know this is a show also that will call out anything with wrongdoing. So, yeah, it's – it's yeah, they could think, oh, do we want to advertise? And then the first thing we do wrong, they'll jump on us and you know we'll feel like fools for giving them money. So – I'm sure these are factors that come into play. There's definitely enough of an audience on this show to where uh, an advertising dollar could be well spent. So there's like a thousand people that listen every week through the various forms, approximately. So that's it's not a gigantic audience, but it's it's enough of an. It's not like we've got 50 people and they say who you know who are we advertising to. So uh, to show you the this radio audience size. Um, most of the pieces of my World Series that I sold were from people that are not forum users. Most of the, if you heard the names I was mentioning, you probably don't recognize most of them. Right, yeah, that's true. 
And, this and, is the fourth best poker podcast, okay? That's true. That's in, a, it is in print and bluff media. This is irreproachable. You know? Well, maybe next year I'll actually – or later this year, I guess. I don't know when they announce it, December, January. But maybe I'll move up to third. Maybe I could, That's my goal this year is to be the mm. third best. I, I'm not expecting to beat the uh, the gay poker podcast. That one's going to crush me every time. I know that. But, but uh, I, I will – I'm hoping that I can be the third best overall and the second best heterosexual uh, poker podcast. And, well, it's good uh, to have goals. Tom. It is. I mean, if if you just move up a little bit each time, maybe one day I, I can take on Jason Somerville. Maybe he'll just get sick of it and quit, and I'll win by default. You know, it's, uh, well, I, yeah, we can announce our official third co-host one step and, uh, and get that market share. I, I always wonder, like, when am I going to like shut shut down the show and stop doing it? And like, I I have this fantasy that it's kind of a weird fantasy, but I have this fantasy that I'll be like. Really old and in the hospital, and uh, okay. and it, like in my final days, I'm like, no, I've got to do the radio show. This is, you know, I'm not going to let the hospital stop. I'm not going to let the fact that I'm in the hospital stop me and like have someone wheel the laptop over to me and and do it, and then say, you know what, I'm in the hospital. I don't know if I'm going to live much longer. I'm 83 years old, but uh, I, I'm still bringing the show to you as long as I'm going to be alive. But but then I think about like even when I have a bad cold, I don't want to do it. And I'm going, well, you know what. <laughs> I have a feeling like if I've got some kind of life-threatening illness, I'm not going to f- feel up to it if I can't bring myself to do it when I get a bad cold. So it's just kind of a, a fantasy like, oh, nothing's going to stop this this show. And and the truth is, you know, these I've had this type of thing, these type of feelings about many things in my life that then do end pretty abruptly. Like uh, um, I, I can't imagine this 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 guy and I are going to stop being friends. And I'm not just talking about Mike on here, like, but like, like, a, like someone I'm getting along really well with. Oh, we're always, we're always going to be friends or, or some girl I'm dating. Oh, this, this seems like it's going so well. I can't imagine what could ever ruin it. Or, uh, this forum I'm posting on, like I could never see myself not posting here. This is such a, a big part of my life here. I'm always going to post on this forum. Uh, I'm going to keep chatting in this chat room. Like, like throughout my life, yeah. there are always yeah. things I, I, because I'm doing it the moment and mm-hmm. it's a routine for me. I can't picture like what's going to just go from me being very involved to nothing, but it actually can change pretty quickly. And, and <laughs> Adam Schwartz just posted in the chat, "Dude, it's lonely up here at the Number Two Podcast." <laughs> that's right. We mentioned the, the this thing, and Adam Schwartz has to show up. And I see he's logged in. I didn't. I wasn't reading the chat room, but I, I see him log in, and then he has to come in and, and just rub this in our faces. That ah, uh, oh boy. That, that, that they're, I know. Well, we don't have we don't have poker stars behind us, you know. He, I thought even by bringing a, a Canadian in from British Columbia that I could compete. This is the real reason I brought you I in is to comp- compete <laughs> oh, with Adam I Schwartz. See. It's a. I said they've got their British Columbian guy and they're number two. So if, if I bring in my British Columbia guy, it's, it's gonna it's gonna counteract it. You know. Well, the, the rankings aren't out yet. We'll see uh, this year. Yeah, you, you know what's uh, you know what's frustrating about it's frustrating about going to Canada, I think vice versa too, is that if you fly in there, you need a passport. Yes. Uh, and, and if you, well, if you yeah, drive, if you, drive you, don't. you need an enhanced license. But. Yeah. And, and, and it's, even kids need passports. Like Benjamin needed a passport for it. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I guess. I, yeah. Well, it's so stupid. Know. It's like I can drive across the border and show his birth certificate and it's fine. But if I fly in for some reason, I need a passport. It's such a pain in the ass. Yeah, or they. Um, I mean, it, a passport. Like, I guess you're going to have it anyway, right? It's just 
you have to bring it. Well, I am, but but like Benjamin was so young, like to, to get one for him, and you can't even just do it by mail. You've got to go down to this awful center and wait in eternity, yes. and yes. It, it's it's terrible. It, it, and both parents have to be there. It's terrible. Well, what changed that was nine eleven. That was not the case before that. So yeah, I know, but this this is a dumb change. The, the thing I guess with the kids. I think it was the states that implemented that change. To be honest, but... yeah, no, I'm not blaming Canada. I'm just saying it sucks. So I have I have Nexus, so that's. Yeah, see, I don't have any of that. Happy with that. And TSA pre. <laughs> but I, I guess for you, it's how far are you from the border? Uh, 45 minutes. Yeah, see, that's why you need it. See, see, I'm, I'm nowhere near the Canadian border, so I, I don't have a, that much of, an in, uh, of a reason to be crossing it that much. I, I don't – that's why I never went through the trouble of, of Nexus. Well, it, yeah. It, it's, I guess it's a value proposition, but it's only fifty bucks for five years, so it's ten bucks a year. Yeah, it's just the trouble of it. It wasn't. It wasn't the money. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I was, uh, yeah, I, for some reason, I keep going to Canada every year. I go to Canada once now. I'm going again this year. I just, I just you love it. Yeah, I can't leave. Uh, well, it. now the dollar is worth more compared to your dollar, so now I can, I can feel richer over there. <laughs> and that's number- didn't you say your son didn't want to leave Vancouver? He loved it, right? Did I say that? I thought you said that on one of the shows. I don't know. I don't remember that happening. Hmm. <laughs> he, he loved it. He got the Kinder Eggs, the whole thing. Oh, he did love the Kinder Eggs. That's true. He did love the Kinder Eggs, and he was disappointed to find out that that was the end of purchasing them. Once uh, I, I think I'll have to take uh, my last opportunity to get them this year. But I, I don't think I'm coming back for a while after this year. But uh, yeah, he, he he liked that part of it, and he liked the. Uh, he liked the idea of going to Canada, but uh, I, I don't know. Remember... Damn police state you live in won't allow the Kinder eggs. <laughs> yeah. I. By the way, uh, uh, shout out to Poker Pete. A shout out to Poker Pete, and then the, the... <laughs> Lou Father's asking in the chat, "Can we get a shout out to Poker?" Well, Poker Pete, he's got he's got to be in bad spirits. So the Angels not doing very well. I mean, to be yeah. punked by the Houston Astros is pretty bad. You know, it's. Uh... Well, I, I fear for TMMLK. I mean. We haven't heard from the guy in a while. He yeah, what happened to him? Ejected some kind of laundry detergent or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the, the Angels—they're uh, they're in second place, but they're twelve and fifteen. They're six games behind. They're in bad shape. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yeah, and they had to they had to uh, ship out Josh Hamilton for nothing. Basically, it was uh, it's a bad situation over there. At least, uh, see, I haven't even gotten into the baseball yet because hockey's still going. Oh, the hockey thing. Okay. Yeah, the the Dodgers actually look pretty good so far. They're seventeen and nine. They uh, Clayton well, Kershaw the, has not the Cubs good. don't look terrible. So I'm yeah, no, the Cubs do look good this year. That's uh, they're the team is uh, it's hitting. What people don't understand is the Dodgers. Like everyone's thinking, okay, this is going to be the uh, it's going to be around pitching. It'll be like decent hitting and really good pitching. Well, they've got they've scored the most runs of uh, any team in the National League except for the Padres, who scored the least runs last year. They have, yeah. The Padres have the most runs. The Dodgers have the second most. By, you know, they're behind by five, and everybody else is substantially behind them. So the Dodgers have just – and they have the most home runs of anyone. So they've just killed it. And it wasn't even with moves the new general manager made for the most part. It was existing players. Just A lot of them are having good years right now. So. Hmm. Well, we'll see if that's sustainable. Well, they're going. I'm sure they're going to win the division. I, I, I know the Giants have finally risen up to the second place, but it's it just the, the Dodgers are so much better than everybody else in the division. I, I don't see in the long haul of 162 games that any of these other four teams are going to beat them. Now, in the playoffs, anything can happen. 
So I'm not going to go farther. Yes. Especially if they're going to face the Cardinals again. They're 20 and 6 already. It's, uh, well, also, I hate those five game series. I think it's ridiculous. I, I, I hate them too. Uh, and and uh, the Cardinals, they don't have Wainwright, so that should uh, slow them down a little bit, maybe. But they've still won eight in a row. Well, Cubs fan, I. God, I hate the Cardinals. <laughs> Well, they, they've been frustrating the Dodgers now for the last. Uh, I mean, the Dodgers put one on them in '09, but that was it. Since uh, of course, the last time the Cubs made the playoffs, your team with the steroid boy over there, yep, took us out. I know, I know. Manny and his steroids just uh, killed it. He had like 500 in the playoffs, and just uh, yeah. Now I watched that. I'm like, I'm like, every time he comes up, every time he comes up, it's it's like if he needs to get a hit, he gets a hit. I know. It wasn't it just he hit 500. It was like he hit 500, and every time it was necessary to get a hit, he, he got one. <sighs> yeah. Although I do have kind of fond memories of that series because I was living on the east coast of Canada, which is four hours ahead. So the game would start at like 1 a.m. <laughs> I was like, sweet. <laughs> I love it. So how, how did you become so I, a Cubs fan? Did you live in that area at one point? No, no, no. Um, just uh, I started getting into baseball at a time when uh, – the Cubs actually had two all-stars from BC. Oh. So they were local guys. They were making some news. And I thought, eh, yeah, baseball. I haven't watched that since I was a kid. And kind of got into the Cubs. And then also I I love Chicago. I think it's the greatest city in America. I have only been there once. Only one time. I mean, uh, although that that being said, I wasn't there in the winter. so Yeah. That, that's probably that's, a bit rough. That's but. the terrible thing about Chicago. It's, you know, I was there during a nice time of year. Uh, in the spring, and it was the, the weather was nice, and uh, every yeah everything looked a lot better than it actually was because uh, because of the weather because you I got to see the very best of the weather I actually had that in Buffalo too I was in Buffalo one time during the spring boy was it nice there and everyone was out because there was like the first warm weekend of the year like in May so so like. Uh, the girl I was with then said, "This is such a nice place. So I, this looks like such a nice place to live." And I said, "Oh boy, I was, you know, you, wait till you see the winter here." And, yeah, I grew up in southern Ontario, and oh yeah, yeah. it's very Buffalo. similar. Not fun. Neither is southern Ontario. But let me, let me try to guess. Was it in? Uh, well, it could be one of it. Was it Hamilton? No, no, it was actually a really shitty city called Mississauga. I know Mississauga. I know that very well. It's by, right by Toronto. Yeah, it wasn't that far south, but yeah, yeah. Hamilton's depressing too. But yeah, Mississauga is actually pretty large. It uh, it is very large. Yeah, what, like five hundred thousand people or something. Yeah, you know it's weird. I heard the other day because people were complaining that uh, whatever this is a while ago, and they changed the time of the hockey game. But do you know that one fifth of Canada's population lives in the Greater Toronto area? No, but I knew that there was a lot there. I knew it was uh, Canada has very concentrated populations. It's it's yeah. very different from the U.S. Uh, I think a lot of it's related to the fact that it, it's so far north that if you go too much farther, then it just gets so cold and so desolate over there. It's different than the U.S., where uh, there's a lot more land where the the weather's decent. And uh, but I mean, you have these concentrated population centers there, and then just large areas of nothing so yeah i have a theory that it's all draft dodgers so <laughs> they just ran across the line set up shop well what about the fact that yeah it's right across everything that's big in canada is right across from the u.s 
not everything, but most of it. Think of it. Uh, Toronto's not far from the U.S. Vancouver's not mm-hmm. far from the U.S. They're all they're all fairly close. It's kind the of, average Canadian lives like sixty minutes from the U.S. Border. Yeah, there you go. So. And uh, so, yeah, Mississauga. I've actually known people that live there. Believe it or not, that not from poker. Really? Not not even people from poker. It's very gray and depressing. Well, I was just there a year ago in May. Oh, really? And yeah. what did you think of it? Well, I, I didn't stop there. I went through it to, oh, on the way to Toronto. But I, I actually pointed it out, saying, oh, this is Mississauga. This is a... You know, it's, it's, it's a drive through kind of this place. Is, yeah, this is where such and such person lives. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, a fifth of the population there. I actually said that I think that... And this isn't discussed much, but I have a theory that the... Socialized medicine of Canada works better than it would if it were in the U.S. Partially because of that reason, because there's so many concentrated population centers, where if you if you spread everything out, it's a lot harder to have oversight with it. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's that's true. The other thing is we just have less of a uh, income inequality gap because we well we, you know we have such high taxes, and that's basically kind of. Wealth distribution. So I think there are less people that are kind of constantly sick and constantly, you know. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, on the yeah, they're, they're two very different places. I just uh, – a lot of times when I hear like why doesn't the U.S. do such and such because it works in Europe or works in Canada, I, I say – especially with Europe. I say it's just – they're different places. You can't say that what's good for one is going to be good for the other. They're, they're just two very different places and uh, – you have to keep that in mind before you just say, well, this is a first world country. It works here. Try this over in the U.S. It should work too. It's, it's not necessarily right. like that. Also, do people think to, – to the people that think we have, quote, unquote, free health care, we don't. We just pay for it in taxes. Yeah. So it's kind of – you know, it's a more kind of even system, I guess, but trust me, we're, we're paying for it. Oh, yeah. And uh, the – I hate the uh, the HST, by the way. Yeah, it's it, it. It depends where you're at. You know, every province has a different tax, just like the states. I really wish that there was a uh, a law like I love going to London, and everything is just what you pay. Yeah, you, you know, you know the, the, the tax is in the price. If the candy bar is a pound, you put a pound on the desk, and that's it. It's done. You know, it was just like that was Montana. When I went to Montana, I was so impressed with that. Like, I go to a restaurant, they give me the bill. It's exactly what it was of of the food we ordered, period. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you put a tip on top of that. But other than that, it was just exactly that. And, and like, there was no sales tax. And then I was so disappointed. I think it was in West Yellowstone. It was like a 3% tax, which, you know, for sales tax is very low. But but I was just so disappointed. I go, what? I even asked them, like, what? I thought there's no tax here. Oh, no, this is a local tax. I go, ah, crap. But, well, in the UK, it's just put into it already, so you do yeah, pay it's a, tax. it's a value-added tax. Yeah, it's very. It's, yeah. yeah. Although I was just in Portland, and they just don't have any sales tax. So. Yeah, that's what I mean, that's what it's like in, in Montana. I was very impressed with that. Was, uh, California and Nevada both have fairly high taxes. Uh, with with that, uh, Nevada's sales taxes is like eight point one percent, and uh, and then California, the base tax rate seven and a half, but uh, in some places in LA, it's nine percent or even ten percent. So. From, from local taxes, so it just gets it just gets Desert, up there. Desert Explorer says in the tax in the chat, this subject sucks so much it should be taxed. <laughs> yeah, this is an end of the show. I, I was even thinking that, like, are, are we just you know talking about BS here? And the answer is yes. But uh, I, I get feedback about the show, and I, I would never like 
hog up time at the beginning of the show with this stuff and people are having to fast forward it. But at this point, I think everybody knows that they can, uh, they can turn it off and they won't be missing that much. But here, let, let's get to the editorial that I forgot to get into here. Sounds good. And, uh, and then we can shut it down, everyone. But Okay, so there's a, a statement, there's a number of statements I don't like that people will make. Uh, one of them I, I've always hated is shit happens. Because that usually means I'm doing something unfair to you. But and I don't have a rational explanation for it, so I'm just going to say shit happens and and tough luck. Like I, I I hate that, but that's not what I'm going to talk about here. But another one I hate is I have nothing to prove. And the reason I hate that is that it usually comes from people who have done something wrong and have been caught, and then feel that they just don't owe you an explanation because you don't have the smoking gun 100% proof against them because you don't have uh, a videotape of them doing it or a signed confession. I used to run into this all the time when I was going into chat rooms. Uh, as you guys probably know, even before the term catfish was invented, uh, referring to people online pretending to be other people, uh, there have always been a big problem in chat rooms of people using phony pictures or even sometimes pretending to be a different gender than they are. And uh, as you can imagine, someone who likes to call out scams and fraud and poker also enjoyed in chat rooms calling out people who were using some kind of uh, phony identity uh, or, or, or representing themselves to be something they're not. Now, I, I would run into people who would be uh, critical of me for doing that, saying, what right do you have to call out people who are just living some kind of fantasy. Maybe this, maybe this person wants to, maybe this is a, an ugly girl who wants to pretend she's really pretty. Maybe this is her escape. Maybe this guy, you know, wishes he were a woman and wants to be a girl online. Why, why are you taking this away from them? And I said, I'm taking it away from them because they're coming, two reasons. One, they're coming here and presenting themselves as uh, um, something they're not in order to fool other people and get other people to seriously believe that's who they are and develop friendships and relationships with people under misleading uh, pre- premises, which is which I feel is wrong. And, and number two, you know, they're not just having harmless fun. And, and number two, uh, sometimes these people will get like arrogance based upon something that they really have not accomplished or they are not. So like if you, know, you have someone on there with a picture of a really pretty girl who's always putting the, down the way the other girls in the room look, uh, then it's very relevant to bring up, hey, I think your picture's fake. Or, or you know, if someone's trying to get favors from, from another person to, yeah, based upon how they look or, or some other factor they claim about themselves that isn't true, then, then yeah, you, you shouldn't be getting an advantage over the phony thing you're putting out. So I would, I would call them out. I would, in fact, it would be some of the fun of me being there was just uh, to, to analyze who was real, who was, and then call them out and convince everyone of, 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 that I was really uh, right with my assumptions. And uh, I always got very similar answers. And the number one answer I got from the fake trying to defend themselves was, I have nothing to prove to you. I, ha- I, I don't have to prove it. I don't have to show you anything. Even if I asked for them to do something that would take like 30 seconds to do, I don't have to prove anything to you. I have nothing to prove. You're nothing to me. And this would be despite the fact that I would catch many flaws in their 
arguments, many lies, many many weird things. Like someone who has a hundred pictures they're posting of themselves, and I, including ones they claim they just took today or yesterday. And I'm like, okay, take a picture right now and you know hold up a, a paper with with my screen name on it. Hold up a paper that says Dan Druff in the picture. I can't do that. I don't have to do that for you. Well, you're posting like a hundred pictures. Why can't you? No, no, no. I can't do that. I don't have to. I don't have to prove it to you. But but if there's so, if there's something very suspect, and it and it if it's a legitimate claim, a legitimate sounding claim, that uh, you know, like take the case of a chat room that that some girl who looks like a perfect ten is there at three in the morning on a Wednesday night, um, searching for a boyfriend of, of of guys who are very mediocre, and are getting all excited about them, and uh, acting like she has no other social options. You're going you know. Work this out in your head. This is unlikely to be true. This is this is highly unlikely to be true that a girl like this would be here, and, and so desperate for male attention. Um, things like that, and and basically, I'm of the belief that if anything seems to appear one way, then even if the person being accused is innocent, they owe it to those accusing them to disprove it. Uh, provided that it's, it's the general public's business. Like, uh, um, yeah, let's say someone came out and said, uh, hey, such and such, I, I, I think that you're poor. And unless you show me your bank accounts to show me how much money you have in the bank, I'm going to tell everyone you're poor. Well, it, you know, you can't just do that and demand. That's basically you know, giving someone an ultimatum to reveal exactly how much money they have or otherwise you're going to tell lies about them or, or, or just make up stories about them. That's, you can't do that. But on the other hand, if someone came around and was constantly throwing in your face how rich they are and, and yet gave off other signs that they weren't, then if you were to demand they do this, then yeah, then, then they should show you at least some kind of proof that they really have the, uh, the wealth they're claiming to have. Uh, same thing with a girl in a chat room that's, that's you know, way prettier than any girl you've ever seen in a chat room before, that... Uh, Many other suspicious things are going on. You'd think she, you know, it would be worth it to her to take a few seconds to prove that she's real. It makes it a lot more sense than arguing for hours about why she is or why she doesn't have to prove it. So almost without fail, when someone says, I have nothing to prove to you, it's because they can't prove it. It's because they are lying to you. And that's really never something that someone can say. Uh, when someone says that, it's usually a dead giveaway that they are guilty of what you're accusing them. Once in a while, it's not. Once in a while, they're just prideful and they just don't want to do what you're telling them to do. They just are trying to say, hey, you can't boss me around. But usually it's because they're hiding something. And, th- and this can apply to so many different things. It-, it can apply to even someone who you think is cheating you or scamming you. Someone who's claiming that, uh, uh, claiming all these things that you, know, you if you buy into what they're selling, You'll have all these benefits. You'll have this and that. You ask them to show you, they won't show you. I, I had this where I was going to buy some furniture on Craigslist, some outdoor furniture. And it was a very good price for what they were selling. And uh, the stuff was in good condition, except the cushions were, were very stained looking, just from like sitting outside in the rain and dust. It looked like it had some mildew and some other uh, grounded dirt. So I said, well, you know, I would totally have bought these, but and the price would otherwise be very good, but this, these, the cushions are in very bad condition as far as the way they look. So the guy says, you know, I'll, I'll just, uh, you can just hose this off. 
It's just dust. It'll come off when you hose it off. I said, that doesn't look like that to me. Can you hose it off right now and show me? He says, oh, no, no, I don't need to do that. No, I, I, I'm not going to go try to prove this to you. Well, sure enough, the truth was that it couldn't come off. The truth was it wasn't uh, something you could hose off. He had nothing to prove because he couldn't prove it. Anything that someone doesn't want to show you, there's a reason for that. I've had it many times where I was in some kind of argument with someone, especially online or something, and I, I knew that I was telling the truth about something. They were denying it. And I said, look, I, I, how about we just both present the proof we have and everyone can see? I'm willing and they're not. Why? Because I'm the one who's telling the truth. The one who is being falsely accused usually will want to go out of their way to prove their accuser to be wrong and to be stupid. If they can prove the accuser wrong, they will. One, to clear their own name, and two, to get back at the one accusing them to make them look foolish. When they don't want to approve it, that is when they are usually covering up something. And uh, this can apply to so many things in life. I even had situations of this uh, recently. And it's very frustrating because you always get things like, I'm not on trial here. I have nothing to prove. I'm, uh, uh, I don't have to show you everything. I have no reason to lie about this. There's always different forms of the same thing. But if anything ever looks like it has even a semi-legitimate cloud of suspicion over it, even if it's nothing you could prove on your own that, you know, that they are lying to you, if there's even a semi-legitimate cloud of suspicion, it's up to that person to uncloud it. And I've been asked before, can you prove this? And I say, yes. And I do. Think about if somebody asked me, if, if I was talking about uh, my poker tournament history, and someone said, I don't believe you've ever won a bracelet. And I said, I have. I, I won in 2005. No, I don't believe it. Well, look, look at Wikipedia. I, you can edit that. You can just write that for yourself. I don't believe it. Um, what, what about the World Series uh Records on this. Oh, no, no, you, you, you could have just had someone insert that for you. Like, if they said, look, if you really won the World Series, uh, let's see your bracelet. You think I'd say, no, I have nothing to prove. I'm not showing you my bracelet. You think I wouldn't take a picture of my bracelet? Of course I would. Because there would be no reason for me not to. I wouldn't lose anything by showing it. they just look foolish when I, when I finally show them, here's the bracelet. So... I know the chat room is going to say I'm just trying to find a way to brag about having a bracelet. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm so ready to win a second one, too. It's been 10 years. It's 10 years since, uh, since, I, uh, wow. since I won. Yeah. I, 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 I would have been disappointed if I heard 10 years ago that another 10 years would go and I didn't win. So, so you're, you're determined this year, are you? I, 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 gotta do, I, I'm, I really wish I did it in 13. I really wish I did it in 13. So close. You, you, Caesars locked down your uh, seat covers. So close that one. That one should have been mine there in thirteen. But I, I, I got to do it this year. I got to do it this year and make, make it happen. Get my second one. Well, I think once I have two, I'm not going to be obsessed with winning three. Two and three kind of seems the same to me for some reason. Hmm. I think zero and one is the biggest difference, and then one and two is the second biggest difference. <laughs> yeah, I think zero and one is the biggest difference. But 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 like like one and two, it still feels like it's big. Like 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 you. Get a second one, it makes it look like less of a fluke. 
but between two and three, like okay, you're still it's still multiple. It's still like like who's going to care? I I've never heard someone say, oh wow, he has three bracelets. Oh, he has two. Like it it, it doesn't really mean that much between two and three. So I, I think I think if I just got two, I just got a second one. I think I think I'd be happy. You just you just want to be known as multiple bracelet winner. Todd would tell us. This wasn't even important to me in, in, until I actually won one. <laughs> right? It, it was actually important to me. It wasn't important to me the first tournament I played. And then the second one I played, it was only important because I finished third in the previous one, and I felt like I fell short. But, that, but, but like, as far as the bracelet itself, that part wasn't that important until I actually won it. And, and then it suddenly became important. For someone who really wants a second bracelet, uh, you don't seem to be playing that many tournaments. No. Well, uh, you know, I would actually probably play more. If, uh, if if I had time to do it, but the the family situation changing, you know, having a child, I knew it was going to be. Uh, I, I knew that would be something that I would have to give up the long periods of time that I could just do nothing but play poker. So, and I, I knew that, and uh, and yeah, it's not like I'm young. It's not like I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm locking myself down to a family life at such a young age. How can I do this? I mean, I'm, it's. Uh, it was time to do it, so I was, I was already getting too old as it was. So, uh, but that's, that's you know that's one of the things you have to give up. But the, the truth is, uh, the chance of winning a bracelet at one of these big field fifteen hundred dollar no limit events is, is pretty small. Right now, do you play any of the other games? PLO, Stud, Mix. You know, not well enough to where I would uh, want to enter a World Series event. I, if, if I if, if if I had enough time to play these, I would brush up on, on my skills of these games or more research on how to get better. Because and, 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 uh, if you just want a bracelet, I mean, those seem like the smallest. They, they are, and I've thought of that. I've thought of that. Why don't I just improve the mixed games, of, especially something like Omaha, which is uh, like Omaha or better, which I've heard is uh, transition from limit hold'em is, is a, one of the easier ones, mm-hmm. where if you're good at one, it's easy to be good at the other. But... Uh, I don't know. I just haven't. Uh, I think the lack of accessibility to the cash games in those is what the is what's making it the toughest. Yeah, I mean, even as a low limit player, I've always wished there was like, you know, I don't know, smaller games that uh, are different. But you know, the casino just spreads what the what brings in the money, and that's no limit hold'em. But you know. Yeah, I'd like to see like a four, like a four eight mix, and then you could move up to nine eighteen, and then you. Could, but it seems like <laughs> there's like nine eighteen mix, and then there's like you know one hundred two hundred mix. There's I think nothing if, under, and there's nothing in between. It's yeah, strange. I think if online poker came to California, uh, and and then I started to see games like that, that I could play lower limits in the background of me doing other things, or in the background of uh, like I could just do it easily online. Where there's a problem with playing these other games now, is if I play them live, it's either for too much money, mm-hmm. where I'll get clobbered by the better players there, or the low limit ones I won't get that many hands in anyway, and it'll feel like torture. Like, like it's just that I'm not getting enough hands in to really improve enough. I can read books and stuff on how to improve, but you get, you got to really play to get to get better. And, and uh, it's just not enough opportunity to play is the real reason I haven't uh, expended the effort to improve enough at the mixed games. So that's that's the reason. And uh yeah, no limit cash just doesn't appeal to me at all. I think the mixed games would appeal to me more if I got into them. Like that 
Yeah, I, I love mixed games. I think that's the most fun just because any game you kind of get bored, whereas, you know, it changes every 10 hands. It kind of keeps you interested. But I don't know. There's just no – it's weird. Mixed games only seem to go at certain limits and yeah. never low limits and never – and like I said, it's like 918 and then it goes to 100, 200. You, you don't usually see a lot of in-betweens. Yeah, I, I just can't get – the no limit hold them cash thing I just can't get into. I've, I've – uh, <laughs> I. I've tried, and I get bored. I, I just get bored of no limit cash. Just uh, fold, 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 fold. I'm like, God, when, are we, when I'm going to play a real hand here, and then I play a real hand, I go, oh, my God, look, it's my whole stack. Oh, this is so stressful. And then, you know, <laughs> and then it's fold, 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 fold. It's like, it, it's it's just, to me, it's just uh, too much emotion for a short period of time and, and too much boredom the rest of the time. And uh, <laughs> limit hold them, it's just, it's more of a constant to me. It's much more, much more fits my personality. So. Yeah, but Todd, what are you going to do in five years when all the limit holding players die? Yeah, that, that'll be unfortunate. I'm, I'm hoping yeah, that they have no one to play with. No, but I know what's good though is is that uh, you, you still have all these no limit people that go, "Oh, limit! This has got to be easy because I don't have to commit my whole stack. It's, uh, I'm good. I I play no limit all the time. I I can just try limit. I'm sure I'll be great at it. Like those. Is that, yeah, does that happen a lot? Oh yeah, yeah. You get. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's at the world at the World Series. That's what uh, a lot of the. Well, I know set, in tournaments. Yeah, yeah in tournaments. But, but even at the cash series. games, you get on, on Bovada. That's uh, where a lot of the fish are from. That they are usually no limit players. They just want to take a shot at limit and just underestimate it and just think it's it has to be easy because you it's limited instead of no limit, and they don't understand it's a completely different game. And if if you don't, uh, I mean, the rules are the same, but the uh, because the betting structure is so different, it, it's the skill for one is totally different than the skill for the other. And the, what, you know, the, the proper strategy is totally different. And if you play one like the other, you're going to get killed. So they, they don't understand that. That's very true. Although I've seen some limit players try to play no limit and it's funny. Yeah. Because uh, it's like call, call, call. I know. I I made those mistakes. I made those mistakes too. And I was, uh, or I was, uh, yeah, also, you know, dominated hands like Jack Nine and stuff, which actually play okay. Limit hold them; they don't do well in, in no limit. So, and like you know, things like top pair, they just call. call yeah, call. and the top like, pair, there's the top pair know, problem. This yeah, isn't not, limit. Yeah, yeah not wanting know. to lay down top pair. Yeah, so there's, there's a. Uh, when I was playing with some good, uh, no limit players on Bodog back when I played some no limit on there, they were actually making fun of me, for, like, always continuation betting. And, and then I learned, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Like against fish, you can, but against, yeah, against some people still do that. No, no, against fish is actually the right thing to do. But uh, but yeah. against good players, it's not the right thing to do. They're, they they see that and then they uh, they make moves back on you. So they that's uh, and the problem yeah. is like like people make moves back on you at limit when you do that. Uh, you you can just call a lot of times with any two and and you can catch a pair on the turn and get them. And no limit when they hit you know, hit you with something big, you can't be calling off to open a, hit a pair on the turn. So that's. Uh, that's the end of it if you've got nothing unless you want to try to rebluff them. So then it becomes a whole mess. So like, like, like I, I had to learn to not always see bet there. Like there's a, um, now you don't always see bet and limit to it. In, in limit, there's actually proper times not to continuation bet, but it's, it's, it's a, min- a, a vast minority of the time. It's, it's all, you only check behind and limit in, uh, in certain situations where the bet's just going to be throwing away money. In limit though, it seems like the edge is so much smaller, just because people who are bad usually people who are bad, you know, um, part of their intrinsic sort of badness, if you want to call it that, is they will never fold. But in limit, that's kind of right. 
well, you can't really punish them. Like even if they make a small mistake preflop, now they actually are. See, the weird thing in limit is both two people can be making the right move, one by betting, one by calling. Because if you're betting and you have even 51% equity in the hand, you're correct. But if somebody's calling with the right amount to draw to, to their hand, you can actually have both players making the correct move. Whereas that's not true in no limit. Yeah. Because I can always bet something where you're incorrect to be called. Yeah, that's that's true. And uh, no, but there really is, there really are big edges in, in limit, and that it, it comes from uh, various things: the value betting, uh, the knowing when not to bluff. The bluff will never work, so not to bother, uh, which which some people don't understand. There's the uh, there's the aggression you have to show to protect your hand because in limits it's you know, it's it's hard enough to protect your hand because the bets aren't big enough, so you you have to properly protect your hand in that and uh, a lot of people don't do that and let themselves get they allow themselves to be caught too easily. I, I watch no limit players go crazy when good limit players keep going bet 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 against them. They go call 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 call, thinking well this is a hand that isn't strong enough in, in no limit to really play aggressively. And then and then they get beat by like a backdoor two pair and they're furious and they, they, they go oh my god you're awful they they don't understand that uh, if enough money's gone into the pot already uh, you, you need to you, you need to protect your hand here you you can't just uh, check call check call if if you do this here all you're doing is uh, you're, you're actually allowing them to get there too cheaply you you just you you can't do it you you have to uh, you, and you you and you have to worry about about uh, protecting your hand because they can't punish you with a gigantic re-raise that now you may have to let go of a huge hand. If At worst, you get raised one more bet and you, then you just check all down from that point. The problem is I don't see Limit making any kind of resurgence just because it doesn't work on television. No, it doesn't. It, it, it's it, so it will, hard to find a game. Like, I don't know. It, it, will, it will slowly... For, for reasons unknown, it still has appeal to a lot of people. It, it's definitely taken a huge backseat to No Limit. Uh, but it still has appeal that actually surprises me to a lot of people who just uh for whatever reason don't like no limit they they may have had bad experiences with like sitting down and losing their whole stack immediately or uh you know they find those those all in moments too stressful in fact there's a lot of players i've seen who are fish at limit that prefer limit that their style would actually be better at no limit <laughs> but uh, like, like the other thing Maniac. is, I just I don't <laughs> like. I can't ever remember walking into a poker room and seeing a limit table like whooping it up and having fun. No, I don't it, know. They no, always you, just look like you know nine old angry men. It, it's true. It's not. It's not a jovial environment a lot of times. But uh, uh, it says I'm not playing though for that type of reason and uh, no no i'm just saying as a means of growing the game and attracting yeah, people that's I, why i think it's dying out the tv and also it's just played by older people that seem to be more kind of curmudgeonly i don't know but but it's uh it's, it's a slow death by, by the way i'm sure you're referring to mason malmuth there <laughs> curmudgeonly older guy who <laughs> plays limit but but he plays he actually plays uh five ten no limit sometimes too it looks just as pissed off doing that as he does playing uh you know 30 60 limit or 20 40 limit but uh, there's still a number of people, including Fish, who seem to like it for whatever reason. So as long as this continues and as long as it's just not like me and a bunch of pros, then it it's a good way to make consistent money if you're good at it. And there is a lot of variance to limit that people don't realize. Oh, much more than no limit. And the reason for this is, is because of the 
vast number of bad beats you'll be taking and the fact that it's correct to call down a lot of times weaker hands. So, right, so, but like I said, people are priced in. They're justified to call yeah. on almost all their draws. So. Or even it's not a draw situation. You just, you, you, you know, here's a classic situation in Limit where uh, um, you've got uh, pocket jacks you, you raise and someone calls in the big blind and, and the board comes uh, king 8-4 and you get check raised. What do you do? do you, right. Unfortunately, in cash, you, you've got to call it down. Unless it's yep. a player that you know would never do this without the king, mm-hmm. uh, you've got to call down. A lot of times you are going to be shown uh, ace-eight and things like that. You beat. So you can never lay down those jacks like that. Now, in tournaments, you have to because you, you have a limited number of chips. You can't waste them in situations like that. But uh, but in uh, in cash, you usually have to call that down, as I said, unless you have a read on the player that it's someone who wouldn't check-raise with that top pair or better. So you keep running into this over and over and over in limit, and it, it, it's really frustrating because you, you know you can't lay it down you get this like sinking feeling as they're betting and you're calling. You're going to be showing a better hand. You are showing a better hand. You feel stupid, but you actually did the right thing. And and uh, uh, and then when you're doing well, it seems like every time someone's trying to bluff you, then the, every time they're doing this, they either have a worse hand than you, or they're bluffing you. Like they like just somehow every time it comes out okay. But so so you can have this succession of hands and limit where you just lose 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 lose, and it boy does it add up quickly. Boy does it add up quickly. So. Uh, that, that's where the variance can come in, and and you're really you're taking so many hands to the river, and you're making so many light or semi light call downs that uh, if you get a succession of ones there, where you're on the wrong end of it, it can kill you, and uh, and that's why you'll see in these limit tournaments too how it can jump so quickly from who the chip leader is to the guy being busted and being gone. So, uh, yeah, there's there, there's that to deal with, but I, I still prefer that. Then the everything's going great, and then one hand takes away the whole thing. Problem of no limit. That just drives <laughs> me up the wall. That just drives me up the wall. Well, that is the nice thing about limit. You never need to worry about, you know, leaving to protect the win or anything. Yeah, like that. yeah. It, it just it, it just drives me crazy. I mean, I've told this before, and I'll tell this in a, in, in the show here. There's there's my situation at ten twenty no limit when I was waiting for a, a hundred two hundred game of the Bellagio some years ago, and there was a guy at the table who wasn't very good, and I, he, I, he, he min raised before the flop, and I was in the big blind with queen jack offsuit, and I, I said, this guy's got aces. This is the only time I've seen him min raise. Uh, this is typical like recreational player who thinks he's being clever by min raising with the aces. So I'm going to call the queen jack for the single bet, and uh, just be careful on the flop. If I just flop the queen, I'm not going to be too excited about it. So, the flop comes queen high. So I check call. Uh, he continuation bets I call. I haven't put that much into the pie yet. The turn is a jack. I, go, I got him. I know I got him. We both had about th- I had about three thousand dollars. It was ten twenty. So I checked. He bet. I raised. He goes all in. I snap called him. I turn over the queen jack. We didn't have to turn it over, but we did for whatever reason. Maybe I did it first. I don't know why. But I turned it over. I turn over the queen jack, and immediately his face goes to a big frown. And I knew I was right. He had aces. He says, ah, nice hand. Throws the aces down on the table. River, the board pairs. And not a queen or a jack. That was the end of my six thousand dollars. 
Yeah, and I, 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 it was just so demoralizing because I, I saw everything correctly, got him to do exactly what I wanted him to do, and lost, and lost this, this everything. I, I, I think I bought him for two thousand. I, I slowly grounded up to three thousand, and then it would have doubled to six thousand. Instead, I walk, I have zero. I, it was just I was looking at this, nothing in front of me after that, and I said I, I couldn't have done this better if I could have seen the guy's cards. And it was it was just so demo- and yes in limit I, I take plenty of bad beats way more than no limit but just this was this was so frustrating because I saw it perfectly did exactly what I needed to do and, and still lost and I just go crap this is this is just so hard emotionally to deal with and and I just got up and left I, I just I can't continue and I just got up and, I didn't say anything to anyone I I didn't you know go off on anybody I just was internally mad about it that just I just got up and left I said like I just I just wasn't enjoying it. <laughs> you can't handle the swings, I thought. No. All right, people. Oh, this well. yeah, we hopefully you guys can handle the the swings in the show starting time that uh mm. has been getting later and later. Maybe maybe one day we'll have the midnight show that's supposed to start at ten o'clock. And uh, this one actually kinda almost did start at midnight in uh the East Coast. Actually, the, I say we move this show to six, and then you know you'll probably start at seven. So. <laughs> I, you know, I've considered, I've tossed around. I'm not going to do it, but I considered moving the show to like during the day, like starting at one p.m. or something. But I, I think it'd be very unpopular. It'd be better for me, convenience-wise, but I think it'd be very unpopular with people. Well, you wouldn't get a lot of live listeners. Yeah. But. That's what I mean. All right. Uh, Twelve twenty-two in the morning. I think we've we've said enough. Even with a late start, we got here. It's still wow. We somehow went like five hours here, almost not quite four and a half. But I don't know. I didn't think this is gonna be like a super long show. The belly buster asking in the chat. Anyone to know who Spook Stomper is in the poker room? Oh boy. We have someone in the poker room called Spook Stomper. This is why poker fraud alert will never become mainstream. I can't believe that. <laughs> I actually know who it is, too, but I'm not going to say. Uh, he can identify himself if he wants. Uh, Matt the Rat in chat saying, you know, see you at the Rio. Yeah, I'll see you at the Rio, Matt. Uh, hopefully I won't lose my car in Bally's like I did with you last time. Uh, I, Marty's still talking about his penis. It's like He drew the picture of a penis with, uh, boy, like, like an ASCII picture yeah, of it. I saw that. Yeah, I don't know what's with him tonight. He usually doesn't act like that. All righty. Uh, I am Greek. I see you in the chat. Thank you for those uh, certificates. I hope my contest that I put on uh, lived up to billing. And uh, Belly Buster wasn't happy with the bad beat story. He didn't want to no. hear that. He didn't want to hear the bad beat story. I don't care. I told it anyway, even though he's running the poker room. Um, I don't know. I don't see anything else in the chat worth mentioning. So we'll be back next week. It's, it's bust me a nut, by the way. That's that's who Spook Stomper is. I've actually, yeah. So okay, uh, we're gonna be back next week, Tuesday night, seven p.m. or thereabouts. Entire month of May, same schedule. We're not gonna be adjusting things till June. During June, make sure to look up the schedule. Things will be jumping around a bit because of the World Series, but all of May will be Tuesday night. Unless something happens, like tonight, where something happened, I almost didn't do the show. But hey, I did it for four and a half hours. I did my duty. 
Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you, Daredevil. Good night and shalom. Shalom. <laughs>